everyone, and welcome to Between the Sheets, episode number 426. I'm your host, Chris Zellner, joined as always by my co-host, David Bixenspan. And Bix, we're uh, going to a wild week-ish here in wrestling. Uh, a lot of wackiness going on, and yes, it is the late 90s, so we got Monday Night Wars and Thunder and all kinds of uh, craziness. So yeah, it should be quite the show this week. Yeah, we've got maybe the single worst television angle in the history of world championship wrestling. <laughs> Which says a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's either, it's, a lot. it's either this or one of the poop angles from the following year. Like, when you think about it, it's actually kind of amazing that Russo does not have any of the top three. Yeah, yeah, he he, he had a lot of bad shit, but yeah, there was worse. When, there was worse than involved literal shit, yes. Yes, he wasn't involved with. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you're with me there. Like, we're going to talk about Warrior in the Mirror this week. That plus the Nash Savage poop angles, at least, are worse than anything Russo did. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I, I, can just hear, yeah. I can just hear Dr. Keith waiting to jump in, even though we haven't introduced him yet. Well, let's go ahead and get it introduced then. As, uh, it's been way too long since he's been on the show, but finally the stars aligned and he's back with us. Yes, we are joined by one of the uh, founders of this wrestling podcast deal here. We are joined by the legendary Dr. Keith Lipinski. Doc, oh welcome my, back. My God. I just, I, I just, as soon as you mentioned poop and Randy Savage and Kevin Nash, uh, <laughs> so many warm and fuzzy memories came back, but, uh, so you know, and also that I believe memories, <laughs> I, I believe one of the things that I love more about that angle than the stuff we're going to talk about with the warrior in the mirror was the fact that there was a woman at one point that was actually in a suitcase that figured out in a, a way in to a duffel bag. Yeah. Oh, was that a duffel bag? I was thinking it was a full like Samsonite, but that's even that's even hotter. But uh, guys, <laughs> God bless you. Thank you for having me come back to the show. I haven't talked to you since we kicked COVID's ass uh, in the year 2020, and I'm thrilled to be back. And it seems like I always get like ni- shows from 1998, and that's my bread and butter. And I appreciate what you guys do, and I appreciate being on. And now all you're thinking about is when are we going to be done recording this so I can watch the like the best of Kevin Nash versus Randy Savage 1998 feud because it had there was some sting involvement. It was some of Kevin Nash's best hair work i mean there is there is really really quality stuff poses limousines long long limousines you know we haven't done the uh i just realized we haven't done the either of the poop weeks i don't think but we have done the week where he was it nash kidnaps george or Corey or whatever it is he 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 kidnaps tory and or no savage kid doesn't i'm trying to remember my crown uh no oh god yes because then there's the because right tory's with the nwo so he's kidnapping someone back from savage who had kidnapped someone else i don't know but it's the one where nash is just on the phone getting a massage maybe it's not a kidnapping but it's on the he's on the phone with savage suggesting that he is being serviced in some form by one one of the members of team madness if 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 you know, as a parent of two, I think if one of my children was kidnapped, I'd still be you know basically lying, getting a massage with my Kevin Nash wig on. So 
<laughs> the old 98, as I like to call it, the 98 special, because his hair, <laughs> without a doubt, there was a reason why he beat Goldberg and he was box office gold and it was those locks of hair. So, wow, I, I really wish we were talking about one of those weeks right now, because that feud was just so, so bad on so many levels. And then all of a sudden, hey, here's Sid again. So, <laughs> yeah, well, we're not there, but we're here. As we go through the week that was October the 4th through the 10th of 1998. And we start with a note about TV ratings. Los Angeles Times noted on October the 5th that among the reasons NFL ratings going into this past weekend were down 13% from a 14.9 to a 12.9 was the popularity of Monday Night Wrestling. It said that more teenage boys watch pro wrestling on September 28th than football. And also noted that there's some NWO replica shirts at New York Jets and Jacksonville Jaguar home games. The Jet World Order and the Jaguar World Order, which is funny now because the cons own the Jaguars. Didn't know them back then, though. The Hollywood Reporter got more specific with the same story known that on September 28th, there was 966,000 boys, 12 through 17, watching Raw, while 683,000 watched the NFL. 503,000 watched Nitro. That's just over three hours. That's over the three hours opposed to head-to-head two hours. And just 196,000 are watching the San Francisco Giants-Chicago Cubs playoff game. The most watched uh, network non-sports show on Teenage Boys during that time frame was Everybody Loves Raymond with 363,000 viewers. Well, I mean, here's a couple things on this to note. Yes, wrestling was extremely hot among uh, young boys, younger boys, teenagers, young men in this time period. It's absolutely true. NFL at this point in time was totally different than it is now or has been over the last 20 years or so. The late nineties NFL was it, it, the thing. It, it was different because the stars that were there in the eighties and early nineties are not, are either out of the league or retiring. Um, the quarterback play at this time was just nowhere near what it is today. NFL is a quarterback-driven league, and in this era, there was a lot of you know older quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks that just weren't going to be starters on you know, a regular basis, but were starting in this era. Um, there wasn't that many crossover stars. I mean, it just it was a different NFL and fantasy football is in its infancy in this time period, which that's the real beginning of the NFL's, you know, resurgence to being what it is today. Fantasy football, hooking in more female viewers and just, you know, the onslaught of PR and everything to get the NFL to where it's at now. So it just wasn't a hot deal. Um, wrestling was. I mean, it's just the way it was in the, in this time period. So that, that that's the uh, situation we're dealing with here more than anything else. I mean, that football was still on ABC. I mean, still had, you know, that old school Monday Night Football feel at this time. But it just wasn't appointment viewing for a younger generation. You know, I mean, I was 19 at this time. And I was watching wrestling, you know, I was watching both shows and when I football, I would flip to like on during commercials and shit, but 
it just wasn't it wasn't like I said appointment viewing for my generation so to speak I don't know I mean it's just it's just at the time that that, that just wrestling was was red, red hot the numbers don't lie I mean, if you remember, you know, the, the heyday of like 1998, like, you know, there would be, you know, you'd go to a magazine stand and there would be multiple wrestling magazines. Like there would be, you know, they'd be on the cover of the TV guide when the TV guide was published. They made the cover of Entertainment Weekly. WCW was had advertisements in, you know, in uh, in Entertainment Weekly with that crappy, horrible uh, Metallica like logo. So like wrestling, <laughs> wrestling was a lot, you know, even. Even my friends that were big football fans on Monday nights, they were still tuning in wrestling because there were two varieties of wrestling to watch. So if the Monday night football game wasn't a team you cared about or you knew it wouldn't be a good game, you had wrestling on your side. And wrestling was still sort of a, you know, it was something where we were coming out of the WWE sort of being in a funk and being the most popular promotion out there. And WCW, that got a lot of people back. The NWO got a lot of casual fans back into the wonderful world of pro wrestling. So it really was 1998 was a very unique time where it was something where, you know, guys that I went to college with were watching wrestling again. And it was something where a lot of people were, where Monday nights were, you know, more appointment television than they ever were before. So, cause you knew, you knew WWE usually would have the crash at, uh, era TV and WCW would have something, uh, hopefully involving feces. Which, which they would have to wait a year for. But I mean, like it was something where even when, you know, it was something it was it was interesting, like at, in my in my I'll just take, you know, in my this was 1998 was the second year I was living on my, on my own. And I had two VCR set up, one to record raw, the other one to record nitro. And it seemed whatever show had the lower rating would be the one that I ended up paying the most attention to just because I was curious to see what would happen, because it was something where okay, WWE has some interesting stuff on there. Let's check this out. And then they, you know, the Austin 316 and everything skyrocketed where, you know, now I wanted to see what WCW would do to get back to the place where they were before and it never happened. And now I'm going to be sad thinking about that. But but most importantly, I'm just glad the Jaguar World Order is still a thing. Give it up. <laughs> and, the, and the Monday night game during, for the 28th that week was uh, Detroit and Tampa, which, you know, Barry Sanders, mm-hmm. it's still Barry Sanders, and Tampa was a young team on the rise. So it's interesting to, to see how, you know, how that was. But, uh, but yeah, Bix, I mean, it's just, this was the cycle that we were in in this time period. I don't think you'll ever see anything like this again because NFL is just – they're in their own stratosphere now yeah. when it comes to, to being you know, what they are in, in the public uh, uh, limelight. Yeah, and even with uh, you know, wrestling often being you – know, if we're you know, going mainly by the key demo, like among the top shows on TV these days – they're still dwarfed by whatever football is on when we're in season. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and that goes for college football usually too, not just an NFL. Yeah. It's just, now, like you NFL, said, it's its it, own thing. And now the NFL, you know, has Taylor Swift in the mix. Yes. <laughs> so if you add Taylor into anything, you're going to be basically box office gold. I mean, it's just insane, insane now, but. Yep. So 
best TV ratings. We'll have more on TV ratings as we go along. Well, let's get into World Championship Wrestling now. We start off on a sad note, really sad note. WC referee Brian Hildebrand, who has used the ring name of Mark Curtis since his start in the profession, was diagnosed with inoperable stomach cancer after he was opened up in surgery on October the 7th. Hildebrand, 36, was told by one doctor that he had two to three months left to live, while a second doctor put the estimated timeline as six months to a year. Earlier this year, Hildebrand had underwent not only surgery, but both radiation and chemotherapy treatments to combat stomach cancer and lost a lot of weight, dropping from his normal 140 pounds down to around 100. However, he was able to turn to WCW and slowly got his weight back to the 135 range before the past few weeks when his stomach turned on him once again and he wasn't able to keep any food down and suffered drastic weight loss. Hildebrand believed it was due to a blockage in his stomach caused from scar tissue from the previous surgery, but when opened, it was revealed the problem was the cancer had returned. Hildebrand had been a lifelong wrestling fan dating back to the old WFIA fan club convention days, whose dream was to be in the business and had been among the closest friends of both the late Eddie Gilbert and Jim Cornette, starting when all three were teenagers and before any of them had gotten the business as performers. Originally from Pittsburgh, he was trained by Dominic DiNucci alongside both Cactus Jack and Shane Douglas. He became some of a student working, learning, not only from the American style, but some shoot moves. And because of his size, one of the few Americans outside of California seriously trained in Lucha Libre style. However, he came along at a time when his size was a limiting factor, and despite being a great bump taker, his wrestling was largely limited to gimmick roles and Ninja Turtle outfits. Because of his size, he focused on being a local independent manager, Dr. Mark Curtis, whose strengths were as a ringside performer, did the gimmick that was preceded and similar to the one downtown Bruno, another Pittsburgh native took to Memphis and got a break with. He came close to breaking in with a full-time circuit on a few occasions, largely when Gilbert was booking, and had one run in the Kansas City circuit end abruptly when Gilbert's stay ended before moving to Morristown, Tennessee, and becoming Cornette's right-hand man and main referee for the duration of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Shortly after that promotion folded, he went to WCW's referee and got married earlier this year. His greatest strengths are probably as a person, not as a performer. And what friends universally noted was his ability to maintain a clear perspective on life and on the wrestling business, while wrapped up in a business that has anything but that clear perspective on either. He was someone whose dream was to work in the business, but not was not blind to any of the realities of that business. Even today, his dealing with the hand that has been given him has only made him more motivated to reach a new goal of actually returning to work in WCW in about two months. Yeah, this was just a gut-wrenching thing when the, it, you know when this news came out at yeah. the time. I remember you know being on the internet back then and just you know reading all the different um, wrestling news aggregation sites of that era, and then the message boards and stuff that were around news groups and all that stuff. And I mean, it was just one of those things where everybody was universally you know upset over all this because he was he was such a guy that everybody liked and nobody really had anything bad to say about again one of those few instances in wrestling where you have someone like that so um yeah just a sad situation here bix uh i'll start with you first um god love i mean god love brian he 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 wanted to get back to work you know that was his goal was to get back to work and try and do what he could while he could and I mean, you know, some people wouldn't be like that. Some people just like give up or whatever, but they just want to keep on going. I mean, look at what Bose said about him. When Brian was off from WCW due to the cancer, 
because it was nearby and gave him something to do, Brian started booking all of both shows. Yeah. You know, he wanted to be at work and he was going to do whatever it took to at least replicate that in some form. And it's just a shame. Just, it's always a shame, but like, you know, to hear the way everyone talks about him. I mean, he, we're talking about like an Owen Hart, Brody Lee, you know, Danny Havoc kind of like literally no one in wrestling has ever had a bad word to say about him type. Yeah. And just 36 years old. Yeah. And he lives so young. It's like exactly 11 months after this that he passes. Yeah. But yes, I mean, this thing, Keith, just so young. 36. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially because he gave so much. He loved the business so much. Like there are there are guys still in wrestling today. I mean, when when I was reading up on the notes on this, I was thinking of uh, a great referee out of the Chicagoland slash Milwaukee area by the name of Dan Perch, who does a lot of work for he works for GCW. He works for us. He works for any Chicago promotion. He actually wrestled a freelance a few weeks ago. He's a student of the business and he loves being there. And he just is his excitement for professional wrestling is hard to contain. And I bet it was like that uh, for, for me and Brian, just cause it seemed like, you know, he, he, I, I feel at times I, I like, I just like to be around it, even though I know I, I could never be a Ninja turtle. Like to <laughs> me, to me, it's something where, you know, I always try it. It's hard during show days to sit there and be positive and just sit there when you got a rough timeline and you're dealing with egos and stuff like that. But it seems like, yeah, no one had a bad word to say about him. And that's, that's a great, great thing. That's a, that's a, that's a fantastic legacy because I mean, honestly, there's not a lot of people that get that, you know, no. usually you'll sit there and hear about, you know, something wrong someone did or some uh, an impression that wasn't made but here was a guy that really loved professional wrestling where you know like he he was able to sit there and juggle multiple roles and also actually while not being in the main event he got the referee the main event so like a real real solid referee and just you know just some really 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 good stuff and i mean when you have friends and some of the friends that he had that were praising him to no end like it definitely you know it was a damn 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 shame you know like it seemed like you know wcw had multiple referees that had you know big time issues and they were able to play into one of them with an angle and such but like yeah it was just it was it was something to behold so yeah it was very very you know like i didn't really i didn't really get into smoky mountain until like after it had shut down but like those tapes and stuff like that and his job as a ref he does the one thing i always love about a referee i don't remember that he's actually in the fucking ring during the match so you know unless of course there there's a spotlight on the referee for a moment or two. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the following July is the show that Cody Michaels puts on as a benefit for his medical expenses in the Pittsburgh area, which, you know, as with the Pillman shows, all three major American promotions participated. Yep. You know, looking at the lineup here. So, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, you have the major promotions and then you have people from his life and, you know, so here here's the lineup. It's Julio Sanchez over Frank Parker, 
Dominic Danucci over Lord Zoltan. I'm assuming these are locals. Big Dick Flanagan over Sheriff Steele. Eddie Guerrero over Billy Kidman Sharkboy. Public Enemy over Bo James and Roger Anderson. That's a match. Cody Michaels with Jim <laughs> yeah. Cornette over Hugh Morris. Mankind over Al Snow and D'Lo Brown in a three-way. Chris Jericho over Terry Taylor. And, because I guess Douglas is not in WCW yet, the triple threat of Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and Shane Douglas over Chris Candido, Tim Horder, and Tracy Smothers with Tammy Sitch. Wow. Look at that card. Like, that card is, wow. This is this really seems like something that you would read about in PWI thinking, okay, this didn't exist, but it actually happened. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we got more health news here. Despite re- reports to the contrary, Rick Root is not suffering from cancer. Root had a cyst removed on his testicles. Had to spend eight or nine days in the hospital. Okay. Well, I guess we've got to talk about that thing now. Um, his secret amputation, which I saw on YouTube a few days ago. Okay. Yeah. I have not watched yeah. the – how do you pronounce the guy's name? Justin Wong or Justin Wang? I don't even know. I've only seen an image of a secret amputation when searching recruits penis on on uh, on the tw- on the X machine. So okay, because really, God bless Rick Rude for having you know for you know you know having such a marvelous career where all we can start talking about is his you know penis. <laughs> Well, if, it's, if the guy's name is Wang that did it, that makes it uh, even funnier. Did, 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 did Wang? Did Wang actually <laughs> do the secret amputation? Though I, I'm now curious. Apparently, he actually put some work into this. Besides watching shoot interview clips, up, and I don't know why this is not unzooming for me. But he's got a picture of himself drinking coffee in the thumbnail. Because he's very happy with the work he did on that secret amputation. (laughs) When I was a little kid, there was perhaps no wrestler that I hated more than ravishing Rick Rude. Okay, great. He was taking. Although it's generally accepted that this overdose was accidental, there are those who think that it was on purpose. Oh, boy. Or when he made fun of Bret Hart's stroke on kayfabe commentaries. Who would you rather work with? Oh, he's okay. He's explaining how the first person to air this publicly is Honky Tonk Man. And, yeah, uh, a very reputable source. Oh, very, I mean, I mean when, when I sit there and want my news, I, I, would, I would rather get it from the honky-tonk man than anywhere else. Maybe not to be believed. And then, oh, okay, now we've got Hannibal asking way too many wrestlers about it. Let's see. Family just burned into my memory. And in the interview, Ken Patera agrees with honky-tonk man's story, saying that he had heard it from Jim Neidhart. I heard about it two days after they found him dead on the floor. I heard from, about it from Jim Neidhart, because Jim Neidhart and Rick Rube were real close friends. And I think at that time, Neidhart was living down there in Florida. I, I think they lived real close together. And uh, he said, uh, Rick just lost his fucking mind because they had he had to go to the hospital and they're gonna amputate his penis. Well, his penis was the most dearest thing to him. To my knowledge, that's a true story. Unfortunately, Jim Neidhart is no longer with us to be able to comment on this story, but Hannibal continued to pull on this thread in another interview with John Nord, who you might remember as the Berserker. Not to mention his rant about pancakes, which may be one of my favorite wrestling promos of all time. They eat a lot of pancakes! So in the interview... Well, I'm glad this guy has the same appreciation for the Scott Flapjack Norton introduction promo that I do. (laughs) 
Hannibal asked John Nord about Rick Rude, and here's what he had to say. Uh, I want to say back then, like right after it happened, I think it was Kurt, and we all talked about it, and then that's what we had heard that exactly that, you know, he was shooting up to, you know, I mean, Rick had that, I guess you call it demon of, of you know, he just wanted to get kinky as hell and get numb, and, and then he would you know, actually shoot it in his pecker. In the interview, John mentions that he had heard the story from Kurt Hennig, a.k.a. Mr. Perfect. But like Jim Neidhart, Kurt Hennig is also unfortunately not with us anymore. However, shortly after Rick Rude's death, Kurt Hennig had actually published a letter about him. And in part of the letter, he addresses some of the rumors about his death. I don't want anyone to lump him in with those stories about wrestlers abusing drugs and steroids. Rick Rude was not on anything heavy duty. He may have been taking some pain pills for his ribs. I've heard some people say his death was a suicide. No way. He was too much of a man to do that. If he had a problem, he would face it. He would look death in the eye. He wouldn't coward out of anything he did in his whole life. He was the most stand-up guy I ever knew. I learned so much from him about being a man. He was a man's man, 100%. So clearly, from what Kurt writes here, he's not 100% sure whether or not the death was accidental. But clearly, he thinks it's very unlikely that it was on purpose. So, What does this have to do with his dick falling? I just want to know more about his dick, okay? <laughs> I don't think I'm asking for too much here. I just want to know about the secret amputation. I enjoy the fact that this host, though, has teased the secret amputation very nicely and stuff like that. I'm now hungry for pancakes, and I'm hungry for the truth. <laughs> Well, this Wang looks like uh, DJ Steve Aoki too. Let's see. He found <laughs> he found RSPW posts from months after Rude died <laughs> that bring this Another up. News source. Yes. <laughs> so okay. I'm, I'm just glad his pecker was important to him because I think it, <laughs> I, I, I think that that's something that I, I just I just want to sit there and say if there's ever anything that happens to me that that my penis was very important to myself as well. <laughs> oh well, now we got Bruce. It all sounds well, Bruce is extremely silly to me, and from what I know of Rick Rude, he was not the type of guy that would even consider. Have you ever heard anything as silly as guys injecting Viagra into their penis? No. Had you ever heard this before? No. This is all brand new information to you? Yes. So you're going to chalk this up as bullshit rumor and innuendo? A lot of rumor and innuendo. Okay. Something else you have to consider about this story. Is this even possible? I asked one of my friends, an actual doctor who you probably... Well, it's not Viagra. He asked his friend, the doctor. Okay. By the way, the doctor, not me. I just Who also has a great like, avatar as, in his phone. As a non-medical, non-practicing doctor. The doctor looks like Wang if he shaved. <laughs> but he doesn't have that haunting hair to the side, though. Yeah, so. we, well, we don't know. He, he, like, uh, like Wang almost has like Kevin Nash 98 hair. Yes. <sighs> this guy's sponsored. He's got one. He's got over 1.2 million subscribers to his YouTube. Yeah, they're all wondering about Rick Rude's way. And this right video now. has over 254,000 views in 11 days. 
Now we show well, I think it's because of the thumbnail the where they have something about honky tonk where it looks like he's shedding a tear <laughs> over Rick Rude's secret amputation. Uh, <laughs> Cheryl <laughs> Roberts is smiling lovingly in the camera from Rick Rude's buttocks. So well, let's see what his conclusion is. Like Rick Rude, his sexual prowess was just so intrinsic to the character. You know, he's this womanizing ladies' man. The women can't get enough of him. And he's more than happy to run through all the best ones. And on top of that, in his actual matches, he would play that up where his crotch was kind of this vulnerable point. And to illustrate it for Okay. I've heard enough. Well, the the harp music makes drop. that, by the way. The harp <laughs> music is, is really like, you know... <laughs> Lang. So, okay, so, so you, where, where are we on this? Do we think that uh, his penis was amputated, I, I, or do we think it's just a really weird rumor that came out of the testicular cyst? Yeah, so I don't think it actually happened. But uh, guys, I think we should hear the honky side before we sit there and make a final. No, I'm. It's 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 you know like uh, you know God bless the dead. Let's let Rick Rude and his penis live on forever with the atomic drops and the lovely perm and everything else. So like you know, wow, like. I'm glad I'm glad we have this like this referee's cancer going into Rick Rude's penis, by the way. Like this is this is really one of the things you can only get on between the sheets or the old Dr. Keith Lipinski show. Well, maybe this was what their uh, ICW confrontation was about, besides who was actually the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Oh, oh well, OK, it's 30 seconds. Let's hear let's hear what uh, Roy Wayne Ferris has to say. And he's saying this to a uh, cowboy hat wearing Harry Smith, by the way. Oh, I thought it was Mandel also there. Injected Viagra in his dick because he thought he could get an instant hard on and he could fuck a lot of broads, but instead he got an infection and his nuts swelled up the size of cantaloupes, so they had to cut everything away from him. Then he went home and killed himself. What a way to go. Killed himself. So, well, so here you have here you have one of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time. The one question you want to have and have him talk about is the penis of another IC champion that isn't uh, you know Tito Santana. Yeah. What? Well, anyway, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the hits just keep on coming. This week's Scott Hall arrest story was uh, before our week started, but goes into our week. Uh, he got arrested on October 1st of a strip club in Orlando, Florida called the Diamond Mine, which is funny for many reasons, because he was a member of the Diamond Mine at WCW in 1991. Wasn't That's he also true. billed as being from the Diamond Mine? <laughs> yeah. So if he was just home, I guess. I mean, he allegedly scratched up a $65,000 white limo with his keys, which explains the angle on Nitro where they destroyed a limo, making a seven-foot-long scratch, doing $2,000 worth of damage. Alleged while Hall was doing this, the driver was still in the car and called the police. Hall was arrested on third-degree assault charges and taken to jail where he was released on $500 bail. The humor in this has long since ceased being funny. Well, somebody didn't find it funny at all. This week's news on pro wrestling's next major tragedy waiting to happen involved two internet letters posted by Dana Hall, Scott's ex-wife on a website called NWO Central, which is not in any way affiliated with WCW. 
She asked why WCW continues to, continue to use Scott as an active wrestler, despite him clearly breaking company policies, which are listed in his contract as breaches, and then taking every opportunity to exploit and humiliate his very real sickness as entertainment. She said that while Hall is only acting out his addiction problems on television, in real life there have been many times in the past when he was on an influence and WCW allowed him to perform and said now they have decided to exploit his very real problem with his addiction to drugs and alcohol as a means of entertainment of the fans for profit and ratings, only to stand by and watch him destroy himself. This certainly is one of the more tasteless angles done in many years, but it's also a business for the most part without heart or conscience and a fan base that for the most part sees performers as their fantasy monkeys to jump through hoops and entertain them and not as human beings. Dan Hall did go a bit far by putting up on the side of photos of Scott with his children. The kids are estranged their father due to the nature of the breakup and worse, a police mugshot photo of Scott from one of his recent arrests. The end result is that days after this, suddenly that website disappeared with nothing but a note from the guy running it that he doesn't want to talk about it. Obviously, somebody's afraid of something, just a question of who and what. Now, the torch heads at what Dana wrote. I, story- I found actually the full letter. Is what Wade has the full letter? or? Well, he's got a lot here. Yes, and I, that- I should note, though, actually, before you get into the actual content, I found it, the tripod website that I found that has the whole letter – has what the headline or subject was that she put, which as soon as I saw this, this jogged my memory that this is what it said then. It was titled Open Letter to Anyone Who Cares. The wow. storyline that, that they are portraying in this is a terrible truth. Scott has had an ongoing addiction problem for 20 years, resulting in the destruction of his marriage and family. Is this entertainment? Scott may be acting out his addiction problem now on television, but there have been many times in the past that he was truly under the influence and WCW allowed him to perform. The storyline has to cover up their irresponsibilities and their failed attempts to rehabilitate Scott. Now they have decided to exploit his very real problem with his addiction to drugs and alcohol as a means of entertainment to the fans for profit and ratings, only to stand by and watch him destroy himself. These stagings of a matter so serious are deplorable, disgusting, and inexcusable. The wrestling industry is so twisted and sick and clearly without conscience. This is not funny anymore. The storyline needs to come to a conclusion. This man has two young children who need him to get 100% well. They're being terribly affected by their father's behavior, as well as WCW's enabling and exploitation of it. WCW clearly has had several reasons to fire him, but instead they made a meager attempt to try to rehabilitate him, and it quite clearly didn't work. So they're just using him for as long as they can. In fact, because of the Trails Freewell precedent, agents for wrestlers are confident that conduct such as Scott Hall's no longer constitutes violation of the morals clause built into most contracts. If you can choke your coach in public, keep your contract, you can get away with almost anything now without avoiding your contract. Dana added, it is inevitable that as long as Scott continues on this path, he'll ultimately destroy himself. Is this what the fans want to see? I mean, she's got every right in the world to be pissed off at all this, considering, you know, the, the children, but there was things that she did in all this too that wasn't the greatest of things to do, but just a complete fucking mess. And Good well, God. Well, and also that we're in the middle of two different real-life addictions being turned into X's off-the-wagon storylines in at the same time in both companies, with Hall and Hawk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Well, I'm just glad they never made an angle out of Scott's drinking. Oh, oh no, yeah, not one we're going to actually talk about on this week's show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you yeah. want to, if anyone wants to read the whole letter, uh, it's called Scott Hall's Ex-Wife Speaks Out. It's on an old tripod website that copied it from NWO Central. Uh, 
uh, what is this? Is it, it's oh, members.tripod.com slash Louise underscore 35 slash drunk dot HTML. That's a perfect URL right there. I mean, you can't yes. get better than that. Oh, boy. Sucks it wasn't a Lycos account. Or Angel Fire. Or uh, Exume. Well, <laughs> Angel, so Angel, Angel Fire, like Tripod, still has its archives up. Like, I don't know why. I don't know who's paying for it. I don't know what they exist to do. Like, if I go to angelfire.com main page, what does that even give me? Uh, if I go to, I give you a virus. <laughs> Probably. Because I've had that. some security. I've had security warnings on recent Angel Fire visits lately. <laughs> I want to be careful. Some kind of web publishing companies, but I guess they just happen to host the archives. I don't know, but. Yeah, just just fucking ridiculous, man. I mean, WCW being enablers and all this, as we're going to get into as the show goes along, man. I mean, (sighs) this is stuff that could not go today. Could not even close go today. No, no. Well, I mean, it would just be different. It would be more pictures today because of, like, Instagram and such. But, I mean, like, then I think of, like, you know, didn't Matt Riddle's wife put something up on some website and such and just feeling, like, OK, maybe maybe things haven't changed as much as we thought. Since well, not a, Lisa, the only thing Lisa put up after the divorce was this like vague sub subtweet type post on Instagram, if I remember right, like kind of implying that she felt he abandoned the family, I think was what it was. Um I mean, it wasn't wasn't to the level of Dana Hall because like Dana Hall couldn't use pictures, but like, and, and I apologize for saying Matt Riddle's name on this podcast. So, but, but the thing is, the closest WWE did with him though was the Seth Rollins thing, which was Riddle's idea. Mm. Did it come yeah, out that was true. his idea? Yes. Okay. It was his idea to bring that up, which is fascinating when you think about it, because if you really look back this last year, when like online opinion is shifted on riddle i think it's those rollins promos that cost it i mean because that's when the tide really started turning yeah part you of know it. that even in character he's not fighting back against the idea that his wife and kids don't want to see him anymore yeah yeah also like even before the divorce and so i don't know if dana hall was ever as revenge minded as lisa riddle was at one point like dana hall did not like do whatever the 1998 equivalent to logging into her husband's Twitter account and talking about how she pegs him. <laughs> yeah. Which is a thing that happened, by the way. She logged into yeah. Ben's Twitter account, saw a tweet, saw a tweet at him from a fan asking if she pegs him, and she quote tweeted it, answering in the affirmative. Well, the, the things we're learning this week on Between the Sheets. Yeah. Mm. And if you All don't right, well, that, know what that means, good for you. Well, let's <laughs> ask the hockey talk man what he knows. <laughs> I'm not sure he knows what the answer is. What the, oh, what the hockey. Hockey would know. Oh, yeah. He, he would know. He would know. Do you think he would know what Santorum is, though, if we're going by Dan Savage <laughs> created uh, names for things? I, I, I would curious honky. Have you ever read Savage Love? Like that would be something. <laughs> or, or Honky Talk Man reads Savage Love letters. Well, Honka Honka Burning Love is really Peggy. Oh. So there you go. <laughs> that makes it all makes sense now. 
the hair slicked back. <laughs> well, no, isn't it a hunk of hunk of honky love? Yeah, well, whatever. All right, this is when the Giant, as everything has shaken out, is that he returned at Nitro on the 5th, and we'll see momentarily as part of a backstage brawl. He was claiming not even know where all the rumors of his leaving got started. Although the last house show he worked in Fairfax, Virginia, to be an after the match, he said backstage to other wrestlers he was sick of the thing, think sick of things, and sick of Hogan holding him down. And he was leaving for the WF, where he had a one million dollar per year offer on the table. At the time, everyone thought it was just a ploy to get a raise from Eric Bischoff. But when he wasn't at Nitro on the twenty eighth, his friends were telling people that he was gone. The belief is that he got his friends to start rumors because basically everyone in the company by the end of the week believed he was gone to the WF to the point it was even reported as fact on WCW's own hotline. Oh, was that done by uh, Pro Wrestling's only real journalist, Mark Madden? I mean, it's possible. More on him later. There's some, there are some who believe his saying he's saying is a double work is, and he's really leaving. Either way, he's celebrated by no showing the Saturday night tapings the next night. There are sources that would know, totally denied there were any negotiations, although indicated they would be interested in him if he was available. Mm-hmm. Somehow Dave's feeling is if he were to go there, he'd have to greatly adjust his lifestyle because they is pretty much keeping Shawn Michaels home nowadays because nobody wants to be around him until he gets his ego under control. And of all potential Giant had to be one of the great attractions of his era, he's hardly an proven commodity Michaels is. And unless he gets himself in shape and shows some interest in improving, he never will be. And, of course, as we find out a year later in The Observer, he's actually been bequeathed to the WWF for two years at this point. Basically. Through Hogan helping him arrange a deal through Bushwhacker Luke. But, I mean, that last sentence there, last couple sentences there, is basically the story of Paul White's career for the next decade. Yeah, he doesn't really have, like, the consistency... Until he comes back in 08, yeah. Where he finally got in shape, and he finally gave a damn. Well, you remember, though, when he debuted in the WWE, he looked marvelous. Like, the St. Valentine's Day massacre massacre in February of 99, like, he looked like he had definitely lost some of that cigarette smoking weight. It wasn't long before he gained it back. This is true. Well, that's what (laughs) happens when you get liposuction and don't change your habits. What? Yeah. No, yeah. no, in after the sit-ups, like uh, Jack LaLanne's juicing and stuff. <laughs> That's what they, you know, a, a regimen of vitamins, not shooting Viagra to the dick. Wow, that's it. I got to stop with the dick jokes, guys. <laughs> oh, man. I'm pretty sure they'll be making more as the show goes along. Uh, I, I know I am now that I've said I should got to stop it. It's going to be worse, <laughs> so. But, yeah, so. Like Bix said, I mean, nobody knew about his secret WF dealings at the time, but it was definitely uh, something that was in going on and had happened. So it was a fait accompli. Yes. It, he's just getting beyond fed up is what's going on. Yeah. And he's anxious for his contract to be up in a few months so he can finally leave. Yes. Nitro on October 5th was in Columbia, South Carolina. Josel of 87-82, paying 156-60. Oh, I just realized, speaking of Big Show, since that's his hometown. Yeah. Fans live hated the show and booing heavily at the end. That's never a good thing. The show opened with laughter. The laughter. laughter. The laughter, <laughs> yes. Uh, while the laughter is part of a cross-promotion for the Bride of Chucky movie, there's more to it than that. No, there's not. That? Rick Steiner. 
No, it's actually just Chucky. No, oh, there's there's another thing that that's among the, the worst WCW angles. That's not a Russo angle, and probably beats out most of the Russo angles. Now, if only Chucky was in the mirror with the Warrior at that time, laughing. Oh, <laughs> and we haven't. I don't think we've done that week, have we? Uh, we've done something with Chucky. But I don't remember what. I, I don't remember us ever actually playing Chucky's "Don't Mess with Scott." promo i'm looking at the timeline uh so what we did okay we okay well the next week we've done after this week is november 22nd to the 28th so we got a long break here in between shows so yeah but anyway (laughs) all right so uh nitro opens up after the laughter <laughs> with uh, Perry Saturn uh, beating this Martin Jr. with a Defile Driver in 227. Then we go to Ernest Miller beating Kaz Hayashi uh, in uh, 235 with a kick to the chest. After the match, Sonny Ono, who has been managing Hayashi for all of two weeks, dumped in for Ernest Miller. No doubt, so Ono could be part of the upcoming Jackie Chan angle. The what? All you do. Jackie Chan angle. All you need to do now is add Ed Leslie as a bodyguard, and they'll have a trifecta of total incompetence for Chan to play with. <laughs> Look at that polish on the cat here. Yes. Beautiful sheen right there on that man. So <laughs> yeah. but, uh, You wouldn't expect anything otherwise from a three-time karate champion. World karate, right. karate champion. Um, karate. Is it technically the doing master- the job for someone if they're not paying you because you don't have a work visa yet? Job's still a job, even if you don't get paid for it sometimes, Bex. Yes. But yes, more on that at patreon.com slash between the sheets. And Bix, you know what the Jackie Chan thing was? He was supposed to come to WCW. He was supposed to do an angle of uh, the cat. Never happened. So Unlike Umatu James Gareta Brown, pin- which did somehow. Yes. Umatu Gareta pinned Jerry Flynn after a Hoovy driver in three oh seven. This visual looked ridiculous because Flynn had 10 inches in height and 85 pounds over Hoovy, but he did a great job, and Hoovy's one of the best in the game right now, so he had a great short match. This was a rare occasion where something like this works, and not just because the guy, small guy won, but because the big guy worked the match and not make the small guy look like a small guy. I'm kind well, of curious to watch this. Well, let's watch the finish, at least. I can. I'm just glad that, that that it looks like Disco Inferno is on commentary for this. Well, so, oh, yes. Really. Yeah. No, yes. Definitely got to have that. Do you think Hoovy has watched Pro Wrestling Fujiwara Gumi tapes? Oh, no. Are you kidding me? You don't think those were part of his Japanese wrestling watching uh, diet back in, like, 96? No. And he's there for him catching his dives. He's letting himself get out slicked by Hoovy. There we go. Okay, so yeah, let's see what the finish is. Okay, so Hoovy rolls him in. You're way too far back. Not really. Guerrero, the former Cruiserweight champ. Now, granted, Disco, you are a two-time world television champ, and and not many people can say that, but uh, here's a former Cruiserweight champ who has uh, certainly a legitimate claim to be the top contender. And look at the power. Shot, but 
month or the number one contender next month. Doesn't matter who has the bell, only matters if you get the sh- And yeah, he didn't slip on a banana peel or anything. He put him over clean with his finish, went up like a feather for it. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a big guy that has a complex, obviously. No. But luckily he's tall enough where he could just, if Hoovy jumps out of the ring, he could easily catch him or like, you know, because he's very, very large. Yeah. And he did catch him well on his dives. Yeah, yeah. Raph pinned Viano 5 with a meltdown and 215. They were together better than you think, given the size and style differences. Raph really got over doing the leapfrog, which popped the crowd and differentiated himself from all the other big slugs on the company, similar to how Bruiser Brody made himself different from the big slugs by doing leapfrogs and dropkick spots 15 years ago. This was Raph's best run right here in this era of late 98, where he got over. Well, he had a nice winning streak. And then they had Kevin Nash in that for him. Well, Kevin Nash was a street killer. It's understandable. <laughs> but Dave's also right that he is differentiating himself with the stuff he's doing because, like, he had done interviews after he got let go from WWF complaining about, like, I have a lot of cool, like, athletic big man shit I can do, but they won't let me do it because they think it's Taker or Bigelow's moves. I mean, this yeah. is the only time. Yeah, like, look at that leapfrog. And he does slingshot moves and stuff. Like, he... This is the only time he really gets to show that stuff off, and then I'm guessing uh, when he comes back as part of Chronic. Also, he is jacked here, by the way. He's oh, a, yeah. This is a lovely level jacked of him, so... Yeah. yeah. Um, but when he comes back as part of, Chron- of Car- Chronic, he's just kind of working like the Night Stalker again. Yeah. Alright, they had a big brawl backstage with a wolf pack showing up in a Humvee limo and started attacking everyone in sight. Bagwell was invo- even involved physically. There was a million cops around who couldn't break up anything. Dave said, remind me to never vacation in Columbia, South Carolina, with a police force that incompetent. Sting fought backstage with Bret Hart. Eventually, they were in a parking lot, and Sting used a forklift to pick up, turn over, and smash Hogan's limo, and Nash, Luger, and Conan smashed out the headlights and windows with sledgehammers. Where were the cops while this was going on? Right there watching. Sting was looking for a knife. <laughs> Theoretically, have slashed the tires and not a wrestler's throat, but nobody had one, so he let the air out of the tires instead. That's well, pretty real, even now. It was a real wild scene, but it looked sloppy and totally unplanned as compared with the WF chaos in the previous week. What is up with that one security guard who trips over the doorway? That's something. <laughs> Look, he doesn't, he doesn't and, trip on anything that's on the floor. He somehow catches his foot on the doorway. <laughs> Looks like he might have torn a quad during it as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think one of the big problems with this is if you're going to have a big brawl, hey, you try not... and be close to stuff as opposed to being like outside of it. Like it looks more like a, a ring video <laughs> doorbell at times than everything else. Like it just, it just, and then all of a sudden Buff Bagwell's there wearing street clothes and a backwards baseball hat, and just it, it just looks like there's a lot of like this. This looks like especially with all the lovely mirrors that are in this dressing room. <laughs> Like it, it, it really just looks like it looks way spread out. If it was tighter, it would be look a lot better. Like when Sting just threw a punch at you know Stevie Ray, who, as we remember, is the leader of NWO Hollywood. But like the fact it was so far away, where it just seems like okay. Well, no, not yeah. yet. He's the he's uh, there's no official B team yet because the B team in our is hearts. In, I know in but our the B hearts team fix, is not till uh, he was the leader of the, the, the turn NWO. in January. It's just black and white. In the black and white. 
It's NWO Hollywood at this point. Yeah. And then the lights go out. Like, I mean, there's, there's, this is a, this is a very weird beatdown where it's sort of like, hey, guys, just do a beatdown, okay? Uh, that's Brett. Then, <laughs> Same okay. Brett. So, like, the Brett stuff at least is a little bit better because it, it seems more immediate as opposed to a bunch of dudes fighting a bunch of dudes in a very long room. Brett was by himself, so he just walked in and started beating shit out of him. There's a lone wolf. <laughs> and then they go outside. Oh, there's and the forklift. Steve's got the forklift. I guess I'll turn on the sound for this. It's a forklift! That is a forklift! That is a forklift, Tony Schiavone. That's, that's, that's a new Hollywood limousine! It was! What is he doing? Steve has gone berserk! He's gone absolutely berserk! He's trying to destroy this limousine! This one's for Scott Hall. He's picking it up! Look at that! Scratch it up with a key. And Sting is the actual and person driving this bike. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah. What? At least he didn't scratch it up with a key. <laughs> he didn't scratch it up with a key. Oh, God. <laughs> there you go. His shots in on Scott Hall. <laughs> and look on the other side. Be careful. Kevin Nash pounding it with a sledgehammer or some sort of device. Some sort of device. And the good thing is the guys here are using sledgehammers and not their arms in my career to break the limo doors, guys. What has been virtually a symbol of Hollywood Hogan, of NWO Hollywood, the arrival of the limousine, sexy, knife, knife, knife. Sexy knife, knife, knife. <laughs> big sexy knife. Wow. <laughs> I think he's asking big sexy for the big sexy knife, guys. So, like, I, I'm curious what the Sting is going to do with this knife. So many you know, things going I, through I, a young Jay White's mind as he's watching this. <laughs> well, I also think, remember, WCW didn't necessarily do any knife play until Tank Abbott and Big Al at Super Bowl a few years later. Yeah, I do yeah. not remember this bit of a uh, particular uh, knife pervert uh, work. Yeah. Well, you can't tell sometimes he looks like he's in control, but if a man gets a forklift, picks up a 4,000 pound, 6,000 pound car, a limousine with a forklift and dump it over on his head upside down, I don't think that guy's in control. Why spend money on him? Long walk back to the airport. Why is he ever? Welcome to Demolition Derby. Well, they deserve every bit of it, and I can tell you things right now that this is only the tip of the iceberg. This is only the beginning. He's out of control. The police is just, just there watching. They're, they're, it's just, it's Even Doug Dillinger is enjoying it a little bit too much. And most importantly, Sting never got his knife. His Wait. big sexy knife. <laughs> he got no, he, well, he got a knife. Yeah. He didn't get the knife. 
You know, I I, I, I have to give it up for, for Tony Schiavone there because he would always get very excited when he saw a limousine. But I think I, I've never heard him get so excited with a limousine on a forklift. So, yeah. That, that Kevin Nash also attacked with a sledgehammer or some sort of device. Yeah, that w- that would have been great for like a Kevin Nash training video, like a montage for the <laughs> like the like the Kevin Nash workout, like where you see Goldberg working out and Kevin Nash just re- on top of a limo that's a back that's upside down, just sledgehamming it. Yeah, yeah, I love how Nash is looking for anything he can on the undercarriage that he can break, and nothing is breaking. <laughs> yeah, so we go from that to this. Damian Cesar was wrestling at Garza when Eddie Guerrero showed up. The match ended for no reason. Eddie told him how Eric Bischoff doesn't take care of people who aren't kissing the same ass, Hogan's, that he's kissing. and said that while this building was sold out, how the Mexicans are sleeping forward to a hotel room and riding seven guys on a rental car while the other guys get limos. And that, by the way, is true. At least substantially true. Patreon.com slash Between the Sheets. Well, would would you want a limo after what we saw what they did with the limo on the last segment? <laughs> That's fair. You get the wrong. They would pick up the wrong limo by mistake. <laughs> he said that Hogan's couldn't lace either boots. The seven was dying until the Coupe de Gras. He offered him NWO replica shirts called the LWO, or as Dave calls it, the Latin World Order. Close enough. Calling like the Mexican flag, the whole place groaned. Getting all these guys that have been portrayed forever as the lowest rung of jobbers in a group will mean nothing, but naming them the LWO was the dumbest idea imaginable. Wait, this is WCW. So to get the idea that these guys now mean something, we'll get to that in a second. Kim in Pensacola since 1040, she was to for us to keep the Cruiserweight title. All right, so we'll talk more about that in a minute. All right, uh, so yes, let's play the clip. Let's let's play it here where Eddie just shows up and uh, we get the birth. Of the LWO. And let's see how the crowd reacts here to give Dave the impression he did because, you know, LWO did get over. So, and you were in Columbia, South Carolina. Remember that too. 1998, Columbia, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. For as great as they are, certainly they are no match for a man on a mission with a forklift. Uh oh. Hard to beat a forklift. Eddie Guerrero. Hey, I just want to talk to you. Nick Nick Patrick says, wait a second, we're going to throw it. So the match actually does end. They're just standing there like, what are you doing here? <laughs> but, uh, oh, oh, Eddie Guerrero is here with a lovely ponytail. Let's stop the match and hear what this man has to say. Like, well, presumably it's a no contest because Eddie has come into the ring to do whatever he's doing. Yeah. I thought Get he, out of this. Get out of this. One moment, man. I thought he was in relax. Japan. Let me talk to you. For an extended period relax. of time. Just let me talk to you and relax. Okay? I got one question for you. What has Eric Bischoff done for you? What has Eric Bischoff done for you? That's exactly what. He hasn't done nothing for you. Just like you and you and me. He's got us wrestling each other week in and week out. Right? We're wrestling each other. He never gives us the opportunity to wrestle somebody else, to try and climb the ladder of success, you could say. He doesn't give you any money to where you can get your own rent-a-car. Huh? All you guys 
have to share a rental car. And I'm talking there's five, six guys to one car, three or four guys to one room. Who's got all the money? It looks pretty full to me in here tonight. It's rocking and rolling, but who's rolling around in the money? Hey, if you don't have your nose work, Eric Bischoff has his nose. Hollywood, Hogan. If you ain't part of his clique, then you're not gonna make any money. They get the Learjets, they get the limos, they get everything. They get to wrestle whoever they want and when they want. And they're always the main event. And you know what? He probably even couldn't tie your wrestling shoes. I don't think they have a limousine uh, tonight. Not now, they don't. (laughs) So I'm telling you this right now. I can't do nothing by myself. You can't do it by yourself or you. But we can do it together. United. La raza, man. I'm talking about what we are. We're Latino. I want... You guys should join me, man. LWO, Latino World Order. Together we can do this. We can go against you. You want to be part of the clan? You want to be together? Put these on, boys, and follow me. Now, Eric Bischoff, I'm telling you one thing. We are going to do what it takes to get our piece of the cake. And you know what you can do, Eric. Right here. And he means it. Boy, does he ever. Eddie Guerrero is forceful and as serious as we've ever seen him, and he's developed his own organization. The LW, the Latino World Order. I I like like it. I like it, too. Looks like the Larry World Order. All right, let's, uh, we do understand that Mike Tanay is backstage in the fray, is he? Good place for him. Okay, I do understand Mike is back somewhere. Okay, Mike, go ahead. Not today. situation backstage in Columbia, South Carolina. NWO World Attack members. There he is. Kevin, can I get a word with you? Absolutely outrageous. The person that we haven't seen conspicuous by his absence is Scott Hall. Well, yeah, he's not here, but I'll tell you one thing right now. I've been with him for seven years, and he's in one of probably five places in this town. And me and my boys... Oh, no, it's this Nitro, too? <laughs> are you kidding me? That's all the same We are show? truly in a blessed Nitro, gentlemen. Let's <laughs> let's enjoy this as much as possible. So, Warrior in the Mirror is the same show as Nash looking for Scott Hall at every bar in Columbia, South Carolina, and finding him throwing up and shoving his head in a toilet or whatever happens. Well, uh, thanks for spoiling it. Oh, man. Uh, it's... People know what we're talking about, Chris. That's not a spoiler. What? <laughs> and the birth of the LWO. Uh, an organization that's still around, by the way. Like <laughs> yes. Happy, 
happy 25th anniversary to the <laughs> LWO. I'm sure, I'm sure SmackDown will have a very special celebration of the 25th anniversary with Hector Garza, Eddie Guerrero. Oh, fuck. Uh, Damien. Damien will be there with his LWO. Except the Garzas are in the company and not in the LWO. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, uh, now you're just adding logic to this mix, Bix, and that's There's just a, not gonna they're, they're, not gonna fly for me, brother. Small, you know. That's what they are. They, they should they should just call uh, Angel on Hell. However, we go with it, Garza back up and just pretend he's Hector from a time machine. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, well, let's continue with Kevin here. We're gonna go bar to bar until we find him. When we do. What happened to Limo, what happened to the rest of them is going to be pal in comparison, I guarantee well, you. Who would, who would know where he would be better than you? Seems like a natural. Yep. Uh, maybe me and his, uh, I don't know, his therapist. This is, this is black and red can, we, can we bring this camera crew with us? Can we get this camera crew? You're not with the pad. Oh. Can we follow him? Come on, guys, let's go. Come on, let's go. There goes Scoop. And they're going. Uh, today, apparently, is going to take the camera and follow them as they look. For, they're not finished. They're going to go through the city and look for Scott Hall. Stay with us. Oh, yeah. There's plenty oh, yeah. of room in that limo for everybody, guys. Like, come on. Like, if there's three guys that need to get in this big limo. That just seems seems like a really wasted funds. No wonder WCW is no longer with us, but yet the LWO still exists. So anyway, back to Kidman. Kidman B. Sakosa. It's great TV match. He's the best match on either show, even when Larry's Visco doing his best to kill everyone in Sakosa's moves. Dave wonder if it, when Argentina Rocco or Satoru Sayama or Dynamite Kid or Juice and Liger were first getting over as the revolutionary wrestlers of their day, that one of the announcers was saying how stupid the new moves are and going on and on about how they aren't going to have long careers. As bad as Ed Whalen was, even he wasn't that ignorant about what his job was, although he was pretty ignorant. Well, there is truth in the latter statement about crazy things short in the career, isn't it? The, the pioneers of the style like this Mark and Pedro Aguayo and Grant Hamada all didn't last one hell of a lot, lot longer in the ring than people like Larry Zbysko and the other unfortunate reality is that without those moves, these guys are all too small to make in pro wrestling doing the basis of working old American style. So maybe they should be praised for risking their bodies to create an opening for themselves. Oh uh, yeah, Paraguay ended up sp- so much better preserved than Larry Zabisco. <laughs> well, Lee's mark uh, was good. I mean, he he didn't have any major issues. And Hamada is an all timer, well preserved wrestler. Yeah. Um. Well, he, you know, Paraguay did, did some different things than those guys did, though, too. So. No, Paraguay took crazy bumps and chairs to the head before it was popular. Yeah. So, yeah. And Larry also retired of his own volition young. So I, what is – I don't get what he's talking about as far as that. He accomplished everything that Larry Zabisco needed to in life. It's so. Dave going off on Zabisco because he was bearing hot moves. That's what it was. All right. Well, we have a taped warrior interview. Let's go to the clip. Just standing in, in some smoke, waiting for the Black Scorpion. Actually, this looks like the Black Scorpion's headquarters. Maybe he really was the Black Scorpion. There you go. Probably the first one. Oh, wait. Mm-hmm. So, wait, wait, which Black Scorpion does that make the second Ultimate Warrior, then? Uh, no, no. Number four. There's a saying that those who forget history have a tendency to repeat it. But Hogan... Holy shit, do they have to edit this a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, there was a, a huge edit that was there that seemed like it, they literally could have put it on the bottom 12 hours later. Yeah, they did a <laughs> like very obvious crossfade. From what I've mm. witnessed over the last few weeks, cross dissolve, I guess. As I've seen the fear in your eyes, the trembling in your soul, you, Hogan, remember perfectly clear that on April 1st, 1990, at the Toronto Sky Dome, in front of, at the time, 70,000 indecisive Hulkamaniacs and Warriors, you stood in the ring across from a challenge of equal proportion, not a nemesis. Oh, Hogan, it's obvious you have forgotten nothing. Eight years ago, I faced the challenge, Hogan, to prove the power of the supreme individual. While you, Hogan, you faced the challenge to only feed your pitiful, insatiable ego. The difference between you and I, Hogan, lies in our belief systems. I believe in the power of the individual. You believe in the mentality of the pack. I believe in the spirit of warrior within all of us. You believe in steering an unfocused vision that rewards no one and belittles all. Own one warrior nation is a concept, Hogan, for the next generation. The warrior generation. I like how he turns his back to the camera to show the One Warrior Nation logo on his jacket, except that it is lit in such a way that you can't actually see it. Yeah, lovely airbrushing, though. Lovely, mm-hmm. lovely airbrushing. Yeah. Also, what's up with his voice here? Oh, it's not. Well, when you've been doing a pre-tape for fourteen hours, Bix, sometimes he sounds uh, tired. Yeah, he's having flashbacks to recording the apology video. Concept built on the idea of taking control of those aspects in your life. Fulfilling that one destiny you have. A battle is won on two fronts, Hogan. Mentally and physically. Physically, I am all more than capable. Mentally. You may already be defeated. For I know this. When I lay for rest, Hogan, I am the picture of peacefulness. For I am in your dreams, wreaking havoc. You will, Hogan, feel the power of the Also, this what was with the last, like, second of the promo being in slow motion? All right, this is what Dave said. There to take Warrior interview. He was there. But after the problems the previous week, they didn't dare put him before a live crowd so everyone could see him get booted out of the place. Even taking the pre-produce, his interview still sucked. Mm-hmm. And boy, did he look old in the close-ups. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Just terrible. But we'll get more Warrior 
later in the show. Yes. <laughs> Next, we get Scott Steiner in a pre-taped interview. And uh, Dave said it's a lot better than his live ones. And as sick as this sounds, it's the best interview on the show. Well, let's go to Big Papa Pump here, shall we? Ricky, you're a very lucky man. You had me as a brother. I was one that... It's in the style of a paid-for by the NWO, but we don't have those anymore. Yes. Text you to high school, throughout professional wrestling. I helped you. People knew that. See, all those times that I beat you up in the backyard before I even got... No wonder it's better than his usual promos. They're smash-cutting back and forth across different takes. <laughs> yes. And lovely designer uh, brother kids pictures as well. Yes, 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 indeed. Wrestling, that was my thing. But I wouldn't let anybody else touch you. I kept the bullies off his back. I protected you. I was the one that made the Steiner brothers' name famous. You were the one riding on the biggest back in the world. Well, that free ride is over. When you heard the Steiner brother name, you thought of Scott. People knew that I was the better Steiner brother, not Ricky. And I never told you because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. You were the weak link in the chain. But the reason we were successful because I overcame your weaknesses and I took us to the top. You were too stupid to realize that I really was the one carrying you all along. I won all these trophies. Tank team champ, Crockett Cup. See this trophy right here? Pan me. Crockett Cup? Man, everyone won the Crockett Cup. Oh, and, and another timeline they did, guys. <laughs> Do we think he's talking about the Battle Connor trophy? Battle Connor, yeah, which, which actually just, is uh, there. They, 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 yeah. If 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 you if you watched all that Starcade event live, you deserved in a trophy for the Crockett Cup that year. <laughs> so, I mean, this is this is the this is the Battle Connor trophy right here, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. Yeah. Where yeah. they defeated such teams as Conan and Ray Mysteric. <laughs> yes. Wrestler of the year. See, I won state champion, individual wrestler. That's what I won a bodybuilding championship. I was two-time All-American. You don't have this one right here. I've got records. Wrestler of the year. The University of Michigan. And this one. Those are individual trophies. And I won. That you don't have replicas of. We're a tag team. We won this in Japan. They gave out two trophies. You have one like this also at home. I was the one that won these trophies. Since we were a tag team, you got one too. The only trophies you have was when you were riding my back, riding my coattail. That's the only trophy you have. You never won those trophies. I won those trophies so you could put them your and I know you feel guilty. I was the one that made us number one. You sat on the sideline. You sat on the edge of the mat. And you were just waiting for your three seconds of fame. Three seconds of glory when I take you in so they could raise your arm right next to me. I was the one that made you a champion, that made you famous. I was the one that made you successful. Your success ends at Halloween Havoc. You're my next trophy. That from Scott Steiner. Boy, is that revolting. Well, fans, uh, before we go to our next... Yeah, of all the things Scott Steiner said as a heel, I wouldn't put that up there as revolting. (laughs) Well, Scott's about to come out with a live crowd with Bagwell. And uh, as it was starting to go downhill... Oh, no, we've got got Mike Tanay in the car. Oh, they did mention it. So, yeah, let's go to Mike Tanay with our live update here as he's following uh, the Wolfpack. Why is Dave leaving out Mike Tanay segments? <laughs> That's the Wolfpack weird, isn't it? in search of Scott Hall, Mike. I hate to interrupt you, Tony, but we're oh, in pursuit of the NWO Wolfpack, the Hummer Limo. We're going to try and stay on top of this story. We saw the NWO Wolfpack members get into the Hummer. 
it's obvious that Kevin Nash has his sights set on getting Scott Hall, and we're going to be there. We're going to follow this breaking story. All right, Mike, thank you very much. And we will go back to Mike. And when they find him, if they find him, and Kevin Nash said he knew where he was. Uh, We need to get to the point, the the key point of this one. So Scott and Bagwell are out um, busting his NWO overalls. Without uh, any trophies. Without any trophies. And then uh, Buff gets a visit from his mother. Oh, <laughs> this is this really feels like a love boat episode. So many stars <laughs> and so many great things all at the same time. Yes, as Rick Steiner brings her out. All right. Uh, yeah, and we have pro wrestling's two trans rights heroes of the last year in the same segment. <laughs> oh boy, what a what a turnabout this is! I forget, is this the first appearance of Judy Bagwell? I think so. <laughs> so much happening here. <laughs> actually, yeah, let me let me hear more of Rick's introduction then, actually. Let's see. Paralyze! Wait, is he the baby face for almost paralyzing Bagwell? Now yeah, when you got hurt for real! And now you go through rehab! And you want to come out here and make a big joke of it? Well, I got someone back here that doesn't think it's a joke. I got your mom, Mrs. Judy Bagwell. Come on down. Oh, boy, what a... What a turnabout this is. She ain't got no reason to Turnabout's fair play. Maybe she talks some sex in here. How you doing, Miss Bagwell? July 6th. I talked to you before, and you come to me and said, you're sick of the way your son's acting, and I know you wanted to come here in Columbia and talk to Marcus and to show him just how you feel. Oh, mama's power walking. (laughs) We've all seen this before. Do you remember where you're at? Yep. Oh, so this is the, the was Columbia where the July Sixth Thunder was? That I'm not paused. Not not couldn't been. It's too quick of a turnaround. But she means the ring. Because they guessing. were okay. It seemed like they were saying something else though about significance of it being that arena. But let's keep going, I guess. Wait right there. Let me tell you something. 
Oh, they were talking about something else with July 6th. The injury thunder was in Columbia in April. Huh, how about that? And yeah, she she did wheel him out in the wheelchair. So but she, she didn't cut a promo. She didn't no. cut a promo like this, though, where no. I, I'm sitting there really wanting to watch uh, a Best of Judy Bagwell shoot tape. Judge Vicky, Judy Bagwell, as I like to Vicky call her. Go, Vicky Guerrero's watching this and getting tips for her future character. Lots of yelling. <laughs> Shut your mouth! something straight right now. Buff Bagwell made a decision and it was NWO Hollywood. Like it or not. Yeah, you're right. I laid right here paralyzed, but let's get something straight. Without Buff Bagwell, you can't even eat. Oh. I support you and I support my father. Hell, I support the whole family. Just got the shit punched out of him by his brother, too. <laughs> of course you did. Wait, I'm trying to see what Scott did to Judy, too. So she pokes him with her finger. He slaps her hand out of the way hard. But there's his brother. Oh. Oh. Oh, he, punched, he punched him right in the nose. This was during the commercial break as uh, as Judy Bagwell was dragging a buff out by the ear. Scott Steiner and there you see Brian Adams assaulted Rick Steiner. Now Rick Steiner scheduled a match Brian to go up against Brian Adams in a matchup here. And this happened just right at the base of our broadcast location. So needless to say, they have taken their blows on Rick Steiner before the match even got underway. Brian Adams came out of nowhere. Okay, who cares? <laughs> what a natural Judy Bagwell was. <laughs> and they know she was over huge in the crowd. They were, I mean, they were she's, a, she's a performer. And they could understand the angle. She's his mom. And she's pissed. Does she have any kind of performance background? Who knows? Because she's not nervous at all. Nope. She's a good mom, too. She showed a lot of fire there. Absolutely. That was fun. Yeah. This is this, this literally Tony good, Schiavone. But... Tony yeah. Schiavone was said a lot of times this is the greatest night in Nitro history on many of Nitros. <laughs> and if he probably said it on this night, he'd be absolutely correct. I mean, she was good, but she didn't need to be wrestling. So, I mean, that, that was where, you know, it got... How how dare you say that about a former WCW tag team champion? <laughs> wow. All right. So um, Scott and Brian Adams attack Rick, leading to Rick coming back and pinning Adams with a bulldog top in 536 of a bad match. Then we get Hogan out for an interview. 
And everyone's even acknowledged the fact that his limit was destroyed, thereby ruining the long-term effects of that angle. He basically obsessed about how history will view him and John's warrior who never showed up. Oh, we obviously have another Mike's Name uh, update here. So let's go to that, shall we? Well, no, this is after the the match. Oh, the next match? Okay, because Dave doesn't... Oh, the, uh, okay. All right, so DDPB Canyon by DQ and 719, a good, real good match. No, Raven we didn't have that. No, there's a... There's a Rick Adams match. I've already talked about that, Bick. Oh, okay. I, I forgot that you talked about the actual match. Okay. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, so we're, yes, we're, we're very are. excited he, he to figure out where Tony Schiavone is. I do. It's just I forget things quickly like that. All if right, I'm not well, looking at the notes at the moment still. Yes, because I was look, I was fast forwarding the thing. All right. <laughs> He's in your I'm hungry, bro. Lex Luger. Come on, guys. Follow me inside. Columbia Brewing Company. Going in smartly, going to the men's room right away. Oh boy, what are we dubbing over here on the network? Looking for Scott Hall. Well, yeah, because they had to pre-tape this, even though they're pretending it's live. Yeah. So it's empty. I'm very curious what song is actually playing here. and Lex Luger also checking all over the the bar. What are we doing? We're staying. Didn't he go in the limo with that? No, it looks like they're bailing out. Guys. It looks like they're bailing I think out. I he's looking for that knife. No luck here. Yeah, we saw Luger at the beginning go in the bathroom, but Stink wasn't there, was he? No, Stink wasn't part of this. I guess he got arrested for putting the tires up. But didn't Sting there. go in the limo with that? No, they didn't okay. show him. Here, we're going to stay in high pursuit. We're going to follow the NWO Wolfpack. Come on, guys, let's go. Oh, they're leaving this bar. Oh, it wasn't happening. Wasn't enough. But Conan's now checking the ladies' room as well. I love if there can be a lady in the men's bathroom in WCW. We are back. It's true. All right. So there we have that. Then there's the Hogan promo. Then Page B. Canyon by DQ and 719 Rigged Match. Raven gave Page stomach cutter, but Page kicked out of Canyon's pen. Match is very well put together and well executed. Raven interfered for the DQ. Jeez. Page is going to tie match pay-per-view. Can he at least beat Canyon clean? Oberman to save and he jackhammered Lodi while Page gave the cutter to Canyon, which allowed them to do each other to do their move and Raven escaped unscathed. Goldberg and Paige had a stare down after the match so they were pulled apart. Next, we get the Disciple beating Lenny Lane with a stunner. Without Tanae there, the best they could do was one of those Vince McMahon, what a move descriptions at 205. Crowd died. Well, and actually the next Tanae segment is before this match, it looks like. Well, let's play that then and then we'll go to the Disciple promo. Oh boy. We're at the second location. Tony, they tried to ditch us, but we're going to follow through on this. Of course they did. We're outside the New Brooklyn Tavern here in Columbia, South Carolina. And that's Brooklyn. The Hummer Wolf Pack limo has just arrived on the scene. Begging you guys. Hey, Kev. Kev Kev. Nash, Conan. You don't think you got any of the screen And Lex Luger. Come on, guys, let's go. Let's stick with it. Did he just say what I think he said? Yep. He asked if you don't think he's at any of the strip joints. 
You know, well, I thought I thought I thought he, I thought he said things. you don't got any of the street drugs. Okay. Oh, what? okay. Well, yours yeah, sounds yeah. better. I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, obviously, we could rewind it here. Oh, oh, Lex Luger repeatedly adjusting some something at waist level or below. That never happens well, on television. Sure. He's trying to keep his shirt tucked in. Yeah, and he's done it's it on both segments so far. You wouldn't hang out of here. This is real live. You've been in here with Conan just mentioned to Kevin Nash that he had been here before with Scott Hall. Oh, yeah. Now, there's actually people in this one. Oh, my God. Yeah, look at that. What the fuck is this? <laughs> this is the worst Nitro party known to man. <laughs> it's like Nash is looking in the kitchen for Hall. Nash is clearly uncomfortable with how low the door frames are in this building. He ain't no strip joint. He's been thrown out of every strip joint in the country. Why would anyone watch Raw when this was going on? Like it's 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 perfect for <laughs> like hitting the bar scene with the wolf pack and Mike Tanay as the lackey. They're trying to ditch. Oh, they almost tripped over each other. That was nice. No, I don't know. God, Scott, I can't believe All right, well, to know. All right, so let's get to the disciple promo now. Let's hear what he's got to say. Wait, does he do? He does this after he beats Lenny, right? So yes, yes. Get ahead of that a little bit. At least the scrub. Bar preview actually works now on the newer network with the otherwise inferior interface. Yes. Holy shit! Is he? Uh, <laughs> he is. He is pumped here. Yeah, he is. He had a big win. It's understandable. <laughs> uh, physically pumped. Oh, okay. Yeah. But Huggin, the disciple, are under the guidance now of the warrior. The disciple comes away with a big win. The guidance of Hollywood Hogan is no more. He's going to talk. He's a part of the OWN, and he's got the microphone. I got a little something to say. Hollywood! I'm all done carrying your bags. I'm through. I'm my own man now. Now and forever. That's shocking. And that says a lot. Absolutely, it says a lot. The one man who never wavered from his side has done so. Never? (laughs) Well, this is a Zodiac-era count, really. No, but it was made of a Starcade. Well. Now, he leaves the ship. How many other members of the New World Order will jump over the side? The rats are leaving the ship. Hollywood Hogan is coming after him. Oh, is this what I think it's going to be? Yes, it is. It's yes, giving it chase. Is. Rats 
Bats all over the place. All right, are we going to try to follow them now? Hogan's empire is crumbling. Well, we thought that last week, didn't we? Yeah, but you know, you know then, then, then he comes around and... Yep. Stronger than ever. I don't know. The disciple has cut the corner there. I don't know where he went. Hogan's going back to his own locker room now. Get out here, you idiots. Disciple, come on, man. Take him out. Take him out. Where's he at? Hey, he was just here. I saw him come in here. You saw him come in here. It's that warrior. Look, look at that. Look at him. What the? What? Look at. He's in the wall. He's in the mirror. I know the rules. I get the number. You and Disciple. Just play the game. How mad I'm on the team. Oh, it's real funny. You think it's funny? Who are you talking about? Look at the water. Look at what? Look at what? Look at what? Oh, and then we go to the break and we come back to Tanae, but first, uh, oh my god, so just we gotta sort of talk about that segment, guys. <laughs> Hogan sees Warrior in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Bischoff does not, but the announcers see Warrior in the mirror. How is Hogan and the you, one who has lost his mind in this scenario? Well, also, so, weren't they going back to find the Disciple and going in the Disciple's locker room? So what's the warrior doing in the Disciple's mirror? Unless this is some sort of erotic fan fiction that I am not accustomed to. Well, <laughs> so anyway, Dave talks about the, the Disciple, talking about how everyone booed him, which they really didn't. And how long they t- can they take the hint and give this guy the hook? To my Hogan ran around backstage looking for the extreme disciple. Wound up and saw Warrior in the mirror. Hogan started talking to Warrior. Now we all saw Warrior in the mirror as well, even though it was supposed to be Hogan's dream. Bischoff couldn't see him. Thought Hogan was nuts. Then Warrior disappeared, but Hogan still saw him, and Bischoff thought he was going even nuttier. And there's that. Now, throughout the show, Mike Tanay and the camera crew were chasing down Nash, Conan, and Luger in their search for Hall at a local tavern. They went to two places, one of which was deserted, another of which had maybe 15 people at. It's like they're big stars. Don't they hang out in places that have at least one per- personality, personality who even vaguely, even vaguely resembles a pretty girl? <laughs> Whoa, hitting hard on the town right there, Dave yeah. Meltzer. <laughs> yeah. Finally, they found Hall in a third place. So let's go to this now. And, and by the way, the, the footage of Tanae driving makes me feel that he would be a wonderful Uber driver. <laughs> Yeah. Come on, Dave. One thing I can say, the quality of the establishments is sure declining. (laughs) What's going on in the Wolfpack limo? It's taking over so long to get out of there. 
Yeah, how are they doing, huh? All in there. Are you entertained by my appearance when I'm driving my automobile? Look at these characters. What's what you do, Scott Hall's inside. Watch what you do, man. This, <laughs> interesting, all these guys outside the bar have sung the national anthem at a Clash of Boy, maybe this is a private club they're going into. Wait, is that the name of the bar, Private Club? Yeah, it's a private I club, believe. yeah. Wait, let's see, what is it called? You don't even know who Private Club of the Ride Home. Play something. It's one of those Wolfpack bars. Any close like the door has a pool cue for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> considering there's not multiple members of NWO Black and White there. And he clo- and, and Nash closes the door while he's giving him a swirl. And I've got to say, probably not the first time I've, between this and fanfic that I've uh, consumed any content where Kevin Nash locked himself and Scott all in a room. But <laughs> and it's got this whole thing just been built too. Oh, is this very crazy cheap. what? I love it. I love it. I mean, this just goes to show you the lengths the Wolfpack's going through now to get their point across, to get retribution, to get revenge on NWO Hollywood. I mean, they have covered this town tonight. And Nash has Hall in the men's room. The girls are loving it. They may have to break that door down or something. Well, the centenary in there. They may tear the whole joint down. Hey, Charlie Brown. Get the camera out of this NWO business. Where's Tanae? Well, Tanae did the smart thing to stay away. Oh, we're going to find out. Oh, now they're telling the, the camera, camera to in. come. That's a nice scene, huh? That's a nice thing. This ain't finished. He's stuffed his head. He has stuffed his head in the country. That's what he's done. The Wolfpack strikes again. They're everywhere. What a a place in the arena to hold up a sign, and they actually got it on camera. Monica Lewinsky (laughs) wants Mean Gene next. It's funny because it's true. All right, so let's read about this. Finally, they found Hall in third place. By any provocation, Nash attacked Hall. It was pounding him on the pool, pounding him on the pool table. <laughs> I read fan fiction about them like that too. And took him into the bathroom and closed the door. Was that scary or what? When they let Tanae in, Hall was asleep over the toilet. Watch Tanae for twenty seconds. It really builds up anticipation to see them do a bar fight at next pay per view. All right, so if this Nitro couldn't get any more newsworthy, Bischoff started doing a promo on Ric Flair. When Arn Anderson came out with a 10-year-old Reed Flair. Wow. Now, Flair's already back, but... Yep. 
he's just not here tonight. So we should I start with start with the beginning of Varn's promo? I guess. I guess we. I mean, or start whatever, when Reed shows up. Yeah, we'll start when Reed shows up. All right. So give me a second then. Because he mentions how Reed was nervous and Arn had to carry him through. Well, it's just this, this thing about authority. I don't hear good. You know what I'm talking about? Matter of fact, the champ is with me right now, so let's bring him on down. Yeah. By the way, Arden would look so much younger if he had a different choice in eyeglass style. Absolutely. He still looks young here, considering. He's 41. Yeah. I remember right. Yeah, let's bring him down. He looks young because he ain't on the road no more. I know he's on the road, but he's... Oh, it's time to see Champ. Now, where is he? Well, Iron says he's in charge of mind games. Means you could walk up behind him with a tire iron. What? Flair went on a diet. No, I know who this is. Well, the road's been rough on him. I know him. what. Being a friend of Ric Flair's, I know exactly <laughs> who this is. <laughs> it's his youngest son, Reed. Wearing his what wrestling singlet. What do and yes, it he has a bowl like cut. Mo nowadays. With one of his many, many wrestling medals. Kurt Angle right here, guys. No, no, it's not a mirage. We didn't put Rick in an industrial-sized dryer and shrink him up. This is Reed Flair. I know who he is. Rick's youngest son. Is this family affair? We got a Flair there, a Flair here, Flair's everywhere. What is? What are you doing? I guess oh, we're all living vicariously through our children. Isn't that what you said? But the fact is, Reed, since he's been the center of all this controversy, would like to tell you why we're here. Tell him, Reed. Me! Woo! Gee! He's not there. He's not there at all. I heard you been cracking on my dad. Me and my Uncle Arn came down here to sh- so I can hand on my dad's light work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, this, this is wonderful. He's a kid. He's doing fine. <laughs> this is wonderful. <laughs> you got to be out of your mind. Doing this to me on national television, Art, more than your neck got screwed up, buddy. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you trying to prove? I'm dead serious about what we're trying to prove, and that's that this is our company, and we told you we're taking it back. Now, Reed, show him what we're talking about. Does some amateur wrestling. So he's an amateur wrestler. What are you doing here? This is my show. I got no place for some snot-nosed flair or his fathead friends to come out here and take my camera time, screw up my show. I want him out of here. I want you out of here. I can't fire this punk. But I can sure fire you. I want him gone. You want him gone. We- no. <laughs> oh, leg guy. That's two points. <laughs> no. Oh, take him down again. Whoa. Oh. Put on the brakes. Oh. No, 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 no. Big brother David watching on, too. <laughs> oh. Oh, my. The acorn does not fall far from the tree. The fact is, Eric, you're bad about having people arrested. You better get the juvenile authorities down here because you just got took down twice by a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and matter of fact, Eric, 
the subject. Do you know sign language? Give it to him, Reed. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, oh, he gave him the oh, four finger. What a moment. Fans, stay with us. Bischoff's still in the ring. That's great. Come on, boss. It's been a good evening. Money on the phone. I want flair. I want his butt. I want it in the ring. You do? And I want it now. So we've got, I want his butt, and then a few months later, I'm going to shave his ass. <laughs> that progressed quickly. <laughs> and for some reason or another, Elizabeth now is in the ring. Yes. Who could have actually helped Eric Bischoff in some sort of match against Reed Flair, an amateur exhibition. Oh, what I am the president of WCW. He works for me. I want him. Where is he? Welcome back. Where is he? Dial the phone. Uh, Elizabeth, as you can see, caught in the ring by a Randy Bischoff. Get him on the line, and you plug into it. He wants to get Flair on the phone. Like I thought I thought he's had enough of the Flair family. I want him. Flair, where are you? When you embarrass an egomaniac, here's what happens. You're facing a Waffle House. That's what you're doing. Driving around in a 63 Chevy pickup, wishing you were Hulk Hogan, wishing you were Hollywood Hogan, wishing you were big enough to shine his shoes or mow his lawn. You got her. She can't get it on the phone. See, this is what happens when you see your best friend appear someone in here. On the phone. Can we tune into this? Wait a minute, Beth. It's Beth Flair. Oh, he's talking to me like that. Yes, she can. That's Beth Flair on the phone. You cannot talk to me like that. Bischoff doing his best uh, Bob Newhart or Shelly Berman. (laughs) Well, he could play in the case. I want Rick Flair. I want that. Yeah, he never appeared for IWCCW. Still out. 
And now David's going to get in the ring. The oldest son of Ric Flair. We've been seeing him at ringside all night. This definitely is a family affair. When you cross the path of Ric Flair, the problems run very deep. Oh, what a night. What a spectacular night, and we still have to come. Wow. How about how off the gas Benoit is there that his clothes are hanging off of him? Yeah. Yeah. Someone's if, only done, if only would have done that more often. Yeah. <sighs> what a nice show. We're not done. This is, this is my God. This okay, is so really we're like, not done. Okay, so let's list the things we've had all on this one Nitro so far. LWO beginning. Yeah. Uh, searching for Scott Hall at the bars. Warrior in the yeah, Mirror. Warrior in the Mirror. First Judy yeah. Bagwell promo. Reed Flair. Reed Flair. This is all on the same Nitro. Sexy Knives. Sexy, oh, sexy knives. Yes, big sexy uh, knife. <laughs> um, uh, Dave noted on the Reflair thing, this reminded him too much of seeing Chris Von Erich and Gino Hernandez's angle in 1985, and you know how that story ends. Jesus. Wow. Uh, wow. Really, oh, really good foreshadowing, though. No, <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, like, did Reed's substance issues go back to when he was 10 years old? No. 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 Oh, so this is also the night of the Sting Brett backstage brawl, too. Yes, the show ended with Sting and Brett. The entire thing took, went pace backstage, which feared the crowd no end, as they don't have giant screens in the building like Titan does when they do a lot of sh- uh, backstage stuff or on location. It was a very good, believable brawl, particularly some very good selling by Brett, although, again, didn't seem that well planned out as they were looking for things to do to stretch time. The worst part was when Sting finally got the scorpion on Brett and Larry started claiming it wasn't being applied properly. So he and Shivani had discussion over the finer points of the scorpion while Brett was selling like this was the end of his career. <laughs> finally, it was broken up and the show ended. Uh, I mean, we're not going to play it because there's nothing really for people to hear. This no. is one of the best things Brett did in WCW, though. Oh, Absolutely. Yes. But remember, that list is not very long. I mean, it's this. It's the Benoit and Booker T matches. I guess the Flair match. But All right, so, yeah. It's just a shame, yeah. though, that this feud, just this, this weird mid-card thing, and the matches are so disappointing because, I mean, I was hyped for this feud after this segment because this is a really, really good brawl. Well... Goldberg destroyed Disco Inferno quick in a dark match, so the fans got to see that happily. But this angle was supposed to be a little bit different. Pearls and Torch said that the Warrior was supposed to do a run-in during the Hogan-Brett Sting angle. No defending the word on why Warrior didn't go out as planned. It could be he simply missed his cue, or he may have been pouting because the crowd booed him earlier and he didn't want to face that again on live television. Either way, Bischoff was understandably upset with the way the show went off the air a couple of minutes before the top of the hour. Did anyone did anyone care to look at the mirror and see if the warrior was there? <laughs> Fuck. Ugh. The plan for Nitro by suggestion of Hall was when Nash found him, he would be drinking with Barry Wyndham. <laughs> Bischoff didn't want to use Wyndham because he wasn't sure he'd gotten a release from Titan that would allow him to wear WCW. Wyndham brought a lengthy Titan release, but Bischoff didn't have time to ex- have it examined before the show. 
there seems to be a lot of movement that have Wyndham replace Mongo on the Horseman. Of course, Mongo doesn't fit, but Wyndham is yesterday's news. How old is old BW here? Uh, he's not forty yet. Let's see. How he's uh, he's thirty-eight. So Barry Wyndham here is over a decade younger than Christian Cage is right now. Because I know I know that he was Barry was twenty. When he first started in Florida, so that's how I know how old he is. So, well, he's nineteen, but he turned twenty during that year. Yes, yeah, his uh, birthday's July fourth. Oh my goodness, the Nitro. This is back from the tour. So, Nitro Blast mini previews Direct TV have changed price and format. They used to be four ninety five and aired today. The previews are Nitro where viewers are getting interviews during commercial breaks. See additional footage at Nitro off the air. Now the show we're at the first Monday of every month and only costs a dollar ninety nine. The first edition was October the 5th, including two Nitro Girl interviews. There was some additional footage of TNT cut commercials. Disco Inferno said there's no room for mothers in wrestling. <laughs> Judy Bagwell shoved him and said she's fed up with Buff's actions. He sort of let us down, but believe me, there will be changes, she said, adding that Buff wouldn't be invited to Christmas dinner this year. Oh, Kidman gave a soft-spoken interview and said people told him from the start he'd be more successful without the flock. So, yes. Backstage blast and the first Monday of every month, and I get them every time too. Well, it's only two dollars at this point. So. Mm-hmm. Easy. I wonder how many of those they sold. I mean, I guess it's you already have a live satellite feed, so it's basically free money. But and why aren't these on the cock? <laughs> I'm not convinced WWE has them because when they put out the Benoit DVD, they didn't have the full prep uh, match. Oh. Yeah, I don't think they have that in their in their uh, collection. Someone has to have them somewhere, though. Oh, I yeah. used to have there's stuff that's been showing up online, but what happened? Yeah, what happened to your copies? I'm, um, I taped over some a lot of them. Oh, oh no, man, that's history right there. This also me not wanting to buy blank tapes. <laughs> well, that, that, they were expensive back in the day. I don't think the kids were. In 1998, they were. Sometimes. Well, there, there was the change. It was, the tides were changing at that time. Yeah, I mean, you could. It I had a budget, fix. Even though I had a job, I was still having the budget. I know, but I'm still. It's like they cost like it's there once a month, and the tape. And at this point, a blank tape, you can get a. TV. It does. You get a decent E120 at this time for like a dollar, dollar fifty. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I was just different. I was saying different priorities. All right. One of the reasons WCB won their final quarter every Monday of late is because of the great job Tony Schiavone has been doing in building the importance of Nitro main events throughout the show. The street where Arn Anderson was in the highest rated quarter hour ended at six. He was the Orange Cassidy of his day. Barry Wyndham was backstage at the show, so there's that. And then we go to Nitro. Saturday night, the next night, was taped in Gainesville at the Georgia Mountain Center on October 6th, 4th style of 1800. There was chaos backstage. Several wrestlers were supposed to work, including most of the Mexicans. Chris Benoit and the Giant all no-showed. The entire Mexican contingent was scheduled to sign three-year contracts that afternoon and get drug tested. We don't know what happened, except that Conan and Sikosis were the only ones who arrived, and Sikosis didn't even work the show. One of Ultima Dragon's students from Nakapon was brought in for a trial and given the ring name Tampong. It's oh. so, someone's <laughs> idea of a practical joke. Oh, that, that is. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Twin Sheets. 
They also gave a trial to Brett Hamner, another G-Sub power plant guy who didn't show much. The show for October 10th was a headline by the Bulldog going to double count out with Alex Wright in one minute. For the second week, they did an angle after Kidman kept the Cruiserweight belt beating Lenny Lane. The Disco came out, weighed himself at 215 to prove he was a Cruiserweight. Scott Steiner arrived late for the show and was yelled at, then yelled over the PA at the crowd to blow me. <laughs> Barry Darso did his Payne Stewart gimmick. He was supposed to wrestle Hammer and blew it off by saying he only had an early tea time and left. Jericho kept the TV title going to a draw with Finn Finley. Hall and the Giant were scheduled for the tag titles against this worldly conduct. But since Giant in the show, Hall came out and did a promo saying that since Nash signs two guys, he told Giant to stay at home. And while still acting totally loaded, he beat Disorderly Conda in a handicap match. And, and the main the event, finale, too. <laughs> well, the finale saw a rematch with Bulldog and Wright going to a double count out, this time in two minutes. Supposed to go longer, maybe after finish, but get this, it ran out of tape and just signaled for the guys to go home. <laughs> I never said that, everybody. <laughs> oh, so that's why that wasn't the main event. Okay. Well, you, you, we just talked about how expensive tape was, Chris. I mean, you, you could totally understand this. <laughs> What, did they bring Tommy Edwards back into WCW? <laughs> they ran out of date. Also, Tampong's match is a dark match, so we don't know which uh, Torimon guy was Tampong here. <laughs> I'm sure that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a shoot name. Probably Yasushi Kanda. Oh. Well, because everyone else has been there by this point. Yeah. yeah. Probably From Kanda. the original class. I mean, or, yeah. So I would think it yeah. happened to... Well, and I'll just, I mean, let's just say it. We already recorded uh, the other North America section when we're doing this, and Conda's in there, and he's the only one that's in Mexico at the time that has not been in WCW. Yeah. So. Well, we have an update on the uh, the Mexican wrestlers. Uh, their individual contract tragic discussion with J.J. Dillon. Yes, that's really his role. Took longer than expected. And they guess somebody from WCW thought to call Arn Anderson in the building to tell him the guys would be late. So he was blowing a fuse, waiting for them to show up. They were at, uh, you know, at, at WCW headquarters. And it's a nice little drive from there to Gainesville. I so thought anyway, they were all in one rental car. <laughs> well. They're to afford the stuff, like Eddie Guerrero said. Damian, Supercolo, Bopianos, Dandy, Silver Kid, LaParca, Mexican wrestler Norman Smiley. At the Garza and Sakosas all signed two-year extensions to their contracts, they had eight months remaining. Well, I guess that's all how you know who, who got Norman hired then. <laughs> Clearly, he's considered a Conan hire if he's being one <laughs> in here. Yeah. All receive raises uh, with the lower rank guys being moved up from to about 95000 per, and the middle rank guys being bumped up to one forty to one eighty. Movie has a sign that he's asked for 250000 while WCW's offered him 180000 Hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness! I uh, thunder. Pong. Now also, we got thunder. <laughs> now, real quick, though, do either of you remember who Brett Hamner slash Brett Hammer is? Uh, I remember the name. Keith. Dwayne Bruce. No, no. that would be Simon just... Diamond's dick. <laughs> oh, Dick hurts. <laughs> yes. Wonder if he had it amputated as well. Going back to three hours ago. <laughs> I mean, as as we know, Simon Diamond's dick is big and vascular. Just look at him. Well, now we have thunder. We do. Oh. Thunder on October the eighth, Indianapolis drew eleven thousand three hundred fifteen to the Market Square Arena, just like capacity, with a ten thousand four ninety six paying two seventy one four ninety five. 
showed you a 3.68 rating and a 5.85 share on the live show, 1.2 rating and 4.2 on the replay. Non-script show, except for some good comedy. Tony Schiavone said Mike Tenet was on location with Scott Hall at a bar about 40 miles away. Hall then cut a promo and like he was drunk and mentioned Nash to place because they used to hang out there because it was right down the street from the arena. A limo, supposed to contain a Nash, peeled out of the parking lot. Nash wasn't even at the show to begin with. Shivani came back again, talked about how the bar was 40 miles away. Well, let's go to Mike Tenet, shall we? With Scott Hall. Earlier, we received a phone call at the Market Square Arena. Wait, let me go back. Hi, Tony. Put the thing down. Okay. Go ahead. Tony, as you mentioned earlier, we received a phone call at the Market Square Arena. We believe that it was from Scott Hall. We've tracked him down. Say, We got your message, Scott, obviously. Hi, Mike. Hi, Scott. We understand that in the wake of what went down Monday on Nitro, that you have some words. You have some words for Kevin Nash. Uh, you're a funny guy. Wake to in the head and to a <laughs> funny guy. Hey, Kev. Hey, Kev. Everybody in the airport told me they saw you walking around, so I know you're here in Indy. And you know that place we used to hang out all the time? South and Meridian, right? Remember we used to hang out here right down the street from Market Square, big fella. So if you want some of me, come on down. But this time, I got my back to the wall like John Wayne. So bring your big seven-foot... Can you say butt on TBS? Bring your big seven-foot butt down here, and, and we're going to get it on, big fella. Just me and you, one-on-one. Leave those other two jabrones there. Let them try to get over on their own. Me and you. Tonight. Tonight. On Thunder. The issue's been challenged. The cha- yes, my- it has been. Hey, Tony, let's go back to you at the Market Square Tony. Arena. Hi, Tony. Let's go back to you. Hey, Tony. I'm not sure what it is about Scott Hall's acting ability, but he's very obviously not actually drunk here. Yeah. Yeah. Try and stay in character. What a fuck. Well, that's the thing. When a, when a drunk tries to play drunk, it's way more faker than it, I mean, than it would be for a straight person to play a drunk. Hmm. I mean, it really is. It's crazy. All right. Um, can you beat Prince IK with a flatliner 518? So slopping this near the end, but both worked hard and did a lot of good stuff. Scott Steiner and Bagwell got into an argument when Scott started ripping on Judy and Marcus stuck up for his mother. Marcus got over really strong on his verbal comebacks. <laughs> Ming beat Jerry Flynn with a tongue death grip 142. Chris Adams came to the ring for his next match and Ming destroyed him. Raph came out, started brawling uh, with Ming. He gave him the ho- horrid looking hedges station chair shot, held the chair forever, waiting for Ming to get his back in position to take it. Rathmus had a major flashback to his legendary mask and Sid Vicious. <laughs> Good times. Horseman showed up, but Bischoff had gotten a restraining order not allowing any of them in the building except the Malenko. They allowed Malenko in, but he wouldn't come in saying that they were sticking together as a group, which makes for an even funnier segment later in the show. El Dandy versus Magnum Tokyo. Well, Tokyo yes. Magnum, since it's WCW. Tokyo Magnum, excuse me. And there was no decision in 130 when Scott Norton showed up and powerbombed both of them. <sighs> See, and I was expecting this to be when Dandy joined the LW. Well, well, we, well, oh, <laughs> we let, let's go to uh, the end of this beat down here, and one Edward Guerrero will come out. Here Edward, yes, that's Eduardo, Eduardo. Guerrero Yanez. Yes, ah, here we go. Sports, stay with us. Oh, he's got the IWGP belt that he just won. Yep.
chistes. ¿Tú crees que lo mandaron nomás para este Nomás salió para... No, man. Eric Bischoff brought him out here. Eric Bischoff sent him out here. And it's going to happen to you day in and day out until you unite with us. Somos racismo, man. Somos racismo, man. We're Latin. United, Dundee. United. I love how Magnum Tokyo just wanders into the promo because he speaks Spanish. No, he was in. Well, he was he, in, so... Okay. Well, and he speaks yeah, Spanish, he, so... Yeah. Look He's appealing to his Latin lover side. Yeah. Look, man, as far as I'm concerned, you're Japanese. This is part of Latin. You get out of here. <laughs> man, exclusionary. Have you seen that man dance? Together, baby, united. United we stand, divided we fall. Unite the Rasa, man! I mean, it's the, it is the Latino world order, though. It's not the Luchador's world order. It's the Luchador's world order, <laughs> then we can talk. So. Unite the Rasa! Orale, Dandy! Unite the Rasa! Orale, Dandy! Con nosotros! Eddie Guerrero has oh. another member of the Latino world order. It's Dandy, El Dandy. Much better Viva la raza! Viva la raza! Viva the race! Viva the family! What Eddie Guerrero is the chemist. for life! And Eric Bischoff, like I said, we're gonna get our piece of the cake! And you know what you can do, Eric! Kiss mine! What? There's a term for the leader of... La Raza, that would be the patron or El Patron, which is the role that Eddie Guerrero has taken on. When we come back, Lee Marshall count to ten in Spanish and a lot more. <laughs> El Peter's name. <laughs> that would be ratings right there. <laughs> Un, dos, <laughs> cinco. Well, I guess oh, that's a good cinco right there. <laughs> in more than just women's wrestling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, they told me it took forever for Eddie to get uh, Danny to join up, but it was good otherwise. All right. Perry Saturn beat Scott Pusky with a Death Valley driver in 515. Both were a tar, but the people had confused that Saturn saying Saturn always says they were thinking the saying was, you guys work hard, but it don't matter. Okay. Also, Scott Pusky <laughs> dressed like a pirate here. I guess Riddle wouldn't want to job to him either. <laughs> yeah. The Disciple did the funniest interview of the year. Oh, oh, we got to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Think about what we've seen so far this week already. <laughs> we got to watch this. Yeah, I'm finding it. <laughs> you got Castrol GTX. Of course. For today's smallest car. Okay. Here we go. Right, he appears to be the- even more tanned and jacked than he was Monday. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Over that line from NWO to OWN. This has always been Hogan's closest confidant, his closest friend, and he told us Monday he'd never carry the bags again. I got a couple things I want to say out here tonight. One of them, first of all, Hollywood Hogan is always running around roughshod with this NWO thing. Over everybody, throwing his weight around, especially with his friend, Eric Bischoff. 
And everybody, including me, is sick and tired of it. Now, for 20-something years, I've been running around with Hogan, and there's a lot of people that say that I've been riding his coattails, that he's been doing me favors. Well, I got some news for you. I made a good name for myself a long time ago by myself, and I didn't need Hollywood Hogan's help. Sure. Sure. Well, okay. He, yeah, he got him a job in the WF, but him and Hogan never interacted in their small feud in 85 until 89. And by that point in time, he did get over on his own volition. Yes. So, I mean, there is that. But the most over he was, was coming off of that Hogan team, too. That's the thing. Out, yeah. When he has all the momentum before the parasailing accident, it's on the heels of that. So, I don't think you can say it's without Hogan's help. I mean, is he the type of guy that Vince would have hired in that era anyway? Yes. But it's not like there was a lot of interest in Dizzy Hogan anywhere. Well, no. I'm a man I can stand on my own by myself. Or I could stand with some friends. But there's something I want to say here. He's always pulling his weight. He's got a lot of people. There's a lot of people who have jobs here in the WCW because of Hollywood. And one of them is his freakazoid nephew. And I don't know if you all know who he is, but his name is Horace Boulder. Now, he's a prime example of Hollywood Hogan throwing his weight around. He's a guy that doesn't belong in this ring with a guy like me and with a lot of the talent here in the WCW. But that don't matter because Hogan can grease whoever it takes to get the job done so he has a job where Hollywood can take care of it. Well, there's a few people, and I am the head of the list who's sick and tired of Hollywood and sick and tired of the NWO and sick and tired of all this crap. So tonight, if Horace, you're out there, then want to come on out so we can start with you tonight right here, and I'll show you how to get the job done. How about that, man? Laid it all out for us all to find out that Horace. So Dave talks about how uh, he mentioned he wasn't one of the guys that Hogan, you know, got in the business, whatever. Because as we know, he was a big star without anyone's help. When was that? Dave said. Uh, After that great might where you could have heard a pin drop. Slap got the pin with the world's slowest stunner in 146. Horace jumped him after the match. Hold off your votes for feud of the year. So next we get Dean Malenko, who showed up by himself. Didn't he say he wasn't coming in unless they came in as a group? Yes. Why well, wasn't everybody. he banned anyway? Well, you better find out. He sat down in a chair until they brought him an opponent. Barbarian came out, and Bischoff told Barbarian he would double his salary if he hurt Malenko. Malenko won with a Cloverleaf 235. 
Amazing. Raven got a promo on DDP. DDP came out and banged him in 517. <laughs> he banged him, huh? Uh, something about that doesn't read right. Sure, don't, eh? Yeah, I'm rolling with it. Overall, a really good segment. Then I almost went up for the main event of Luger versus Stevie Ray. Hall ran in at that Luger. The storyline was that he wasn't drunk after all. It was all a swerve. What? Nobody explained why Mike today never came back if Hall could make it back and we were forced to endure two hours Lee Marshall. Now, that wasn't a DQ, even though both guys were stomping the hell out of Luger. Steve Ray then hit Luger to slap Jack. That was a DQ. Conan made a save, but Hall destroyed him as well. And the building fans started to file out as they tried to keep them from leaving by saying the horsemen will be coming out later in the show. Because they had to tape another episode of Thunder. Oh, so this is the my, area of every under, other Thunder being a lame duck because they keep rebooking Nitro so and don't want to spoil Nitro regardless. So every other Thunder, nothing happens. And Michael Buffer's doing the announcing on the main event for this too, by the way. Yeah, what, what a this great use out. of money here. Oh, my Stevie God. Stevie <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Viano 4 had surgery on his neck on October 9th. Had to stay in Atlanta this entire week because he could, before he could fly home. No word on his long-term prognosis. Think of all the training that poor Dale Tolberg had to go through for the past few years. The power plant just become the member of a pit crew every weekend. Oh, just you wait, Dave. It's going to pay off in another year. You got to pay your dues if you want to be the Kiss Demon. <laughs> That's right. While the merchandise is down, the pay-per-views are, are falling. The events for the house shows continue to be, the gr- to be great. Tickets went on sale over the weekend for the November 2nd Nitro in Fort Lauderdale. In the first day, they sold 12,000 tickets out of 14,000, put on sale for $283,000. House shows saw Saturday night taping, uh, drew a sale of $1,502, paying $35,525. Huntsville on the 7th drew $68,92, $126,555. Dayton on the night drew 6317, paying 110,223. Columbus on Ohio on the 10th drew 7057, paying 159,770. And Milwaukee drew 6202, paying 155,028. For the week starting with Columbia and ending on December, I mean October 12th in Chicago, which of course out of our week, but still it's the whole week. Merchandise was 478,848 or $7.40 per head. House shows all were headlined by announced Goldberg versus Giant with Goldberg going over every night in short matches and Brett versus Sting. To avoid doing a ladder match, they did tags with Luger and Rick Steiner versus Scott Norton and Stevie Ray with Brett's running in, followed by Sting ending with a six-man tag with the faces going over when Stevie gets wrapped by Lex. Well, that's wonderful. Huntsville instead had a Conan, DDP, and Vincent and Stevie Ray tag match and Hall and Nash's singles match that didn't take place and instead wound up as a six-man. Please don't ask why Wolfpack and WCW members team up when Wolfpack's supposedly part of the NWO group that's trying to take over WCW. No, they're just part of NNWO that's not trying to take over WCW. <laughs> yes. How come they have a massacre for Lex Luger and not one for Ric Flair? Dave, did you know how Ric Flair is with finances? <laughs> but did well, Ric Flair have his own finance company for a while? <laughs> yes, and it turned out the business model was illegal. <laughs> Yes. See, my dog loved that one. <laughs> a lot more has been made of the, of the Vince Mac Kevin Nash meeting than there really is. Although Dave guesses it makes for great speculation. According to different people who were there, Nash was coming off a plane and bumped into Shane McMahon who mentioned to him that his dad was another gate. Nash went to the gate. They talked. 
Investor National Defense, save me a spot for 29 months from now when this contract runs out. Basically, it was exactly as it was reported on the WF website. Well, <laughs> he gets a, has a spot saved for him in the end. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Torch time. Sandman may not debut in W7 until December or January. Still no word on when his gimmick will be, but he won't be allowed to smoke or drink, even though Giants hit the precedent recently. This consideration being given to Terry Taylor return to an on-air in-ring role. He's wrestled a house show sporadically in the last year and wants to return to the ring. I wonder who told them. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a bowl there, and I don't think it's Todd Gordon. <laughs> All right, uh, more on that on patreon.com slash Twin Sheets coming up at the end of the month. Regarding Goldberg, Mark Manson on WCW's website, I don't mean to knock Goldberg personally, but the man's a killing machine, perhaps the most devastating world champion of all time. My comments are more of a knock on the situation. I mean, who can beat him? For heaven's sake, if someone's at the match, results are predetermined. Da, 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 da. Warriors merchandise sales said to be terribly slow. Marman commented that the Hogan Warrior angle may have a homosexual twist. Quote, may have a homosexual twist, end quote. <laughs> Regarding Nash having to face Hall in a bar match, Man said it's not fair for Nash to have to fight Hall on his own turf. Man compared to someone having to face him in a buffet. But Zing. I love but, that by the way, by the way the, material. Like, uh, although I guess wasn't it after the fact that, uh, yeah, it wasn't at the time that Dean Rasmussen said that, uh, what was it that... The subtext was the was Warrior trying to get Disciple to suck his messianic penis. <laughs> but we close with a column about Mark Madden by political columnist James J. Kilpatrick. Believe it or not, well, not Mark Madden is a journalist in regard to his rights to protect sources in WF versus WCW lawsuit. Madden was originally allowed to protect his sources, claiming journalist shield laws when depositioned by WF in that case. The WF appealed the ruling, claiming he wasn't a journalist and won an appeal. Kilpatrick had no clue what he was writing about, unfortunately, as it was an interesting question, but he didn't get it. It didn't appear to U.S. Court of Appeals Judge Richard Nygaard that ruled against Madden being a journalist really got it either. Kilpatrick, who gained fame for being the right-wing pundit on 60 Minutes, thought that since pro wrestling is an honest sport, its affairs can't be classified as news. He thought the ruling against Madden is because pro wrestling is more melodrama than and ballet in sport, which should have been absolutely nothing to do with the issue at hand. From days or said to know a situation better than most, Madden has been a journalist in the past. Some of Madden does in his wrestling work is very much journalism. Some very much isn't. The overriding theme is humor and entertainment and not journalistic reporting, although he does that part of his act. He plays a character, and it is a character of a reporter, which he has been in the past and sometimes still is. In doing so, he does some real reporting and does get a lot of information. Gene Oakland makes a pat stuff on, he has on the hotline, but some of the news is real. To Dave Oakland, isn't anywhere close to being a journalist. And Dave's sure he would never characterize himself as anything more than an entertainer because he normally makes stuff up and does a little differentiate between made up stuff and real stuff. But sometimes even what he does is only a little baby steps away from what people in the mainstream media do. Witness much of the coverage of Lawler and Jim Carrey. Normally reports storyline is real, doesn't qualify. Kilpatrick quoted Nygaard ruling Madden as a journalist because he uncovered no story on his own. He relied on solely on information fed him by WCW executives. Unfortunately, Nygaard couldn't be more wrong in that statement. Nygaard wrote individuals claiming the protection of the journalist's privilege must demonstrate the concurrence of three elements. One, they're engaged in investigative reporting. Two, they gather news. And three, they possess the intent at the exception of the news gathering process to disseminate this news to the public. But by those standards, Madden is a journalist. 
WCW is appealing that ruling. They better hope that either the next judge comes up with a better definition of a journalist because Nygaard's definition isn't very good, or they can find another judge who just doesn't get it. Kilpatrick's conclusion is that if there is to be a shield or privilege law, there should be a sign on the courthouse door. No flags need apply. By that definition, Madden's WCW role has fallen on both sides at different times. Okay. Let, let's go to the actual ruling from the first week of August. Um, and th- by the way, I did look like there are mainstream news stories about this for like two months after it happens on and off. Um, so it says Madden's activities in this case cannot be considered quote unquote reporting, let us alone quote unquote investigative reporting by his own admission. He's an entertainer, not a reporter disseminating hype, not news. Although Madden proclaims himself to be pro wrestling's only real journalist, hyperbolic self-proclamation will not suffice as proof that an individual is a journalist. Moreover, the record reveals that all of Madden's information was given to him directly by uh, WCW executives. Madden's deposition testimony acknowledges WCW employees were his sole source of information for his commentaries. He uncovered no story on his own, nor did he independently investigate any of the information given to him by WCW executives. Madden also fails the test in two other critical aspects— First, he was not gathering or investigating quote-unquote news, and second, he had no intention at the start of his information-gathering process to disseminate the information he acquired. Madden's work amounts to a little more than creative fiction about admittedly fictional wrestling characters who have dramatic and ferocious-sounding pseudonyms like Razor Ramon and Diesel. As a creative fiction author, Madden's primary goal is to provide entertainment and Oh, excuse me, advertisement and entertainment, not to gather news or disseminate information. It's clear from the record that Mr. Madden was not investigating news, even if we were to apply a generous definition of the word. Madden admits in his deposition that his work for the, the WCW amounts to a mix of entertainment with reporting. He states that, quote, with the WCW 900 number, I say things tongue-in-cheek. I say things for satire value. I say things to be funny. And sometimes I will take something like that and use it for humor value. Furthermore, the record indicates that WCW executives told Madden to, quote-unquote, be a little crazy, say off-the-wall stuff, entertain, use a lot of humor, sort of work, sort of be like the bad guy in the literal sense, not in terms of what I say is always going to be false, but in terms of what I say is going to get people excited. And it just kind of continues from there along the same lines, but it's, no, you can't say he was acting as a journalist when he was doing the hotline, the way he was doing it, you know? Yeah. I wish they could have something like this for the current crop of wrestling journalists that we have out there right now. <laughs> the satin test? Uh, just, well, he's not in wrestling journalism. I know. Anymore. I was trying no. to think. Well, also, I like the way that the names went together. But yet, yet he, I'm still blocked by him one of the few people that actually have me blocked and I have no reason why. But I mean, there's a lot of that that goes on today. The thing is Mark man. I mean, Mark was a legitimate journalist. I mean, he was in the Pittsburgh newspaper, but not in his capacity working for WCW. No. So yeah, but it's it's one of those things where it's kind of a sticky wicket, 
in a If, if this romantic. was all about stuff he did in his capacity as a writer for the Post-Gazette, we would be having this conversation, I don't think. Yeah. But, no, I think WWF was right to push the issue. Yeah. So anyway, what a section. Good God of mine. <laughs> My goodness. This, this, that, one, that was incredible. One for the ages. All right, Dr. Keith, be back with us later on the show. Let's go. He had a house call to make. So let's go to the land of the rising sun. And all Japan Pro Wrestling leads off as we go to Cork and Hall for day two of the Giant Series on October the 4th. We have Takeshi Morishima over Makoto Hashi in your opener. Yoshinobu Kanamaru over near Michimara Fuji, or at this point in time, he's Masamichi Marafuji, real name. Then we got Haruka Egan, Junji Zamita, and Masafuchi over Giant Baba, Mitchell Momoda, and Hiroshi Kimura. Johnny Ace and Monica Masman over Kamala 2 and Wolf Hawkfield, Jungle Jim Steele. Jinsei Shizaki and Torosako over Masao Inoue and Shoshikuchi. Kyle Moore and Toshaka Kawada over Johnny Smith and Stan Hansen. Mr. Hama Masao and Yoshinori Agawa over Akira Tawe and Timon Honda. And then Junakiyama, Kenakabashi, and Kentaro Shiga over Gary Albright, Masuda Kakihara, and Yoshio Takayama in your main event. So two days later, they taped TV in Nagata before this one crowd of a 2150. Nagata is Baba's hometown. And all Japan's traditionally packed the 3700 seat gym for years. Kabashi teamed up with Jensei Shizaki for the first time on this show with Junakiyama to beat Misawa, Ogawa, and Omori. When Kabashi pinned Misawa to two lariats. Traditional Japan booking would mean since Kabashi scored the pin against the challenge before the title match and a tag match that Masawa was going to win the title, which is exactly what they did on the previous tour with Tawe. We'll see. Also, Honda and Izumita catch it all Asian tag titles from Johnny Smith for Hauntfield when Izumita pinned Smith at their diamond head button 2311. My full results of this show Marafuji and Asako over Hashi and Kanamaru, Shigo over Morishima, Johnny Ace over Masawa in a way, Egan, Fuji and Kikuchi over Baba Momoda and Kimura. Then we had the All Asian Tag Title Change. Monica Amos managed Stan Hansen over Masito Kakihara and Yoshiro Takayama. Kawada and Tawe over Gary Albright Kamala 2. And then Akiyama Kabashi Senzaki over Masawa Amori and Ogawa in your main event. So. <laughs> Gary Albright's getting, uh, is, is in good spots here. Main event, so main event. Masito Kakihara is in good spot here at this time. But you could see where, and we're getting this later in the show, in WF, where they needed Vader here at this time. Yes. Yes, they need a fresh heavyweight. And that's what he gave them. Um, I'm trying to remember, how early is this for, you know, the, for the rookies? Like, is this, like, very early, or did uh, they start in 97? Very, very early. First year. Very first, okay. very first. Okay, so that and, reminds me of something. And, and, real, and real quick, Masawa won the Triple Crown on Halloween from Kabashi. Yeah. So it's right, right down the pattern. Which okay, let's get into that first. Actually, these quick triple crown switches just—it's undermining Kawada and Kabashi so much. Yeah, you know. You know, Kabashi title win over Kawada is an incredible match in June. But here we are now, just a few months later. You know, Kawada holds the title for like a month and a half. Kabashi holds it for like three and a half months. And 
it just keeps getting hot potato. And Masawa drops it to Kawada in January. Kawada gets hurt. Then it goes to who won the tournament? Vader? Yeah, because it was Vader, and then Vader loses to Masawa in May at the Dome. Yeah, and then Masawa loses uh, it back to Vader in October when Masawa blows out his knee again. And Nikabashi beats Vader in February 2000. Yeah, and like they had done some quick switches before, like those Gordy ones in 93 or whatever it was, but that's before they really like strongly established the Triple Crown. Like, an, But Kawada was going to probably have a long reign here, I would think. Was going to? I thought, I mean, yeah, we had to vacate because he fractured his ulna. Oh, you think the January one was going to be a long reign? Yes. Well, he already had it by now. He won them in May, in May of 98, lost it in June. But, yeah. But he wins it. No, but I'm saying he went, that's not the injury. The injury's in January 99. That's what I'm saying. That That's the reign I'm talking about. You think he was going to be a long-term champion there? I think so, yes. Because I mean, it long is a enough, very, uh-huh. like, it's his first... It's his first title win over Masawa other than the Dome. So, like, that it's happening at a Budokan. I get what you're saying. That he's getting that kind of win. Okay. Um, I just, it just... It, you know, Masawa's going to take over the booking. Very already, oh, he, he, already, already he already did. Basically. When did yeah. he officially take it over? 99. It was after Baba died. Okay. Yes. Um... And he's trying. I mean, he does. He he's not a good booker though. Until a few years into Noah, I feel like it took him yeah. some time to figure things out. Um, now let me ask you this: since we're very early with Marafuji and company here, because this got brought up on one of John and Way's shows, and I happened to be calling in and and after the person who brought it up, so I I talked about it a little there too. And okay, yeah, Marafuji debuted on August twenty eighth, so he at least is brand new. What do you think about Marafuji's Hall of Fame case? I used to be pretty low on him, but the more like the more I think about it and the more I hear other re- like hear wrestlers talk about him, I start to think he has maybe like a sneaky better case than I think people give him credit for. Well, I mean, is he on the ballot? I forget if he fell off or not. That's the thing. I forget what his percentage was. He was on he was on the borderline. So I, I mean I don't know. It's it's I don't know. I mean he's a tough one. The thing is, is like you really think about like him and Kenta have so much of an influence case though. When you think about just how much like of the next twenty years of wrestling is people lifting all of their spots. I mean that that's their strongest case because they were never put in a position to be draws. Right. And the one so, time they did, they didn't do it. Yeah, so... So it's a work and influence case regardless, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, also, I forgot this. Before he went to All Japan's dojo, he was uh, he was at Sayama's Super Tiger Gym. Marafuji. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right, New Japan Pro Wrestling. The main thing for the current tour, which opened on October 9th, is that Keiji Muto and Hiroshi Tenzan be trying to recruit Yuji Nagata into joining the NWO. Mustero Chono held a press conference basically stating that as the, that as the plan. Chono also said he's in great pain, and the doctor told him to stay out for three or four more months, but he's planning on returning for the tag tournament in late November. Well, Nagata didn't join. So there you go. Uh, the NWO Typhoon Tour opened up on the ninth in Koryama for a solid 3,800, with the NWO team of NWO Sting, Keiji Muto, and Brian Adams 
winning on top over Shin Yashimoto, Kesaki, and Tadao Yasuda, when Adam Spin Yasuda with the Oklahoma Stampede, running Power Slam. Other results of this show, we have Michiyoshi Ohara over Yutaki Yoshie, Hiroshi over Tatsu Shigoto, Dr. Jr. over Kunio Kabayashi, Akito Saito and Shiro Koshinaka over Sonu Kido and Takashi Zuka, Koji Kanamoto, Shinjiro Tani, and Tatsuta Giwa over El Samurai, Justin Lager, and Kendo Kashin, and a match that Dave rated four and a quarter stars. I'm pretty sure it was. Big Titan Hiroshi Tenzan over Junji Arata, Mike Enos, Kazuki Yamazaki, Yuji Nagata over Kazuki Fujita, Manaba Nakanishi, and Adams Mundo and Sting, the uh, NWS Sting over Kensuke Hashimoto and Yasuda. Then we go to Korkin on the 10th from 1956. We have Kazuki Yamazaki over Kazuki Fujita, Shinjiro Tani and Tetsu Takaiwa over El Samurai and Takayoshiye, Kendaka Shin and Koji Kanemoto over Dr. Biden Jr. and Jushin Liger, NWS Sting over Tadayo Suda, Azuka and Yuji Nagata over Akatar Saido and Michiyoshi Ohara, Shoko Shinaka and Tetsu Shigoto over Hiroshi Tenzan and Michael Wall Street, Kensuka Saki and Mike Enos over Brian Adams Hiro Saido, and Manama Nakanishi Shin Yashimoto over Big Titan and Keiji Muto. So, yes, Big Titan, NWA Japan, never, never in WCW. Yeah, is he the only Westerner in it, NWA Japan that was never in WCW? That I can think of, yes. Because well, Don Fry was never in NWA, was he? No, I don't think so. He's T2000. Yeah. So, yeah, got to be the only one. And then of the Japanese members, I guess it would well, be Kojima, Kojima. Saito... Goto. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those guys. O'Hara. Well, no, Goto, O'Hara's on Thunder. But, on not, the, in, but not in the NWO. No, Freedom Dogs. Yeah. You're one of your favorite moments in WCW history. Yes. But, uh, yeah, NWS Hot, that's what we're about to get into. The Yokama Bay Stars baseball team won their lead title and hit their victory party on October 8th. A lot of the players were wearing NWO t shirts, and a few players were wearing Hirosh Tenzan masks. Two of the top players on the team, Nayori Suzuki and Daisuke Minowa, came out to ringside early this year to Tokyo Dome show with Chono. There are also photos and all newspapers of Chono training both players for the new baseball season. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that before on the show. I mean, that NW Japan deal was big time over in Japan for the merchandise and shit. Yes, it was over at a fairly mainstream level. Yeah, maybe even more there than it was here. Yes, I think that's fair. So. I mean, I think you can make an argument that it's different scale, obviously. But in terms of the way it seems like it almost went beyond wrestling fans, like, I mean, you might disagree. Like, I've seen the argument that, like, when the Bullet Club shirts really started selling well at Hot Topic and stuff, a lot of people think those weren't wrestling fans buying them. That they just liked the shirt. I never seen anybody wearing Bullet Club shirts outside of wrestling fans. I haven't either. <laughs> I've never seen them in, 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 in on the streets. I've never seen them anywhere it's just I go. If those anywhere. sales figures that were put out there were remotely legit. It's wrestling fans. Just wrestling fans buying a lot of different shirts. Which they well. No, I mean, numbers show they will spend money on shirts. Mm-hmm. So just look at Emil's Twitter every day. <laughs> I mean, wrestling fans and money. I mean, they're willing to spend if they got it. 
Battle Arts. Let's go to the Indies. They just uh, 2000. They drew more New Japan did at Corcoran Hall on October the 5th. We see Bob Backlund's return to Japan after being gone for something like eight or nine years. Backlund, who was over huge as a Bayface doing all of his late 70s spots, that fans remember when he teamed a few minutes on Inoki, beat Daisuke Ikeda in the first round of the B Cup tournament. And notice on a bra size. Other tournament matches saw Yuki Chikawa over Mr. Danger, Mr. Matsunaga. And Hisakatsu Oya over Greg the Hammer Valentine. Back on return for a big show in November at Sumo Hall, which featured the semifinals and finals of the tournament and feature a Backlund versus Great Sasuke match. Because, of course, we have to have that. Sasuke has to wrestle by Backlund. Yes, and he tries the Sasuke special and basically splats on the floor because, of course, Backlund has no idea how to catch that. Yes, uh, Sasuke and Yuki Shikawa have to wrestle Bob Backlund. I mean, that's just a definite. Yes. Because Anoki's their god. Yes. All right, uh, Cork and Hall B Cup on October 5th. We have Masaki Suzuki of Ryuji Shikawa in the opener. A uh, JYB tag match. Uh, Masato Yokosuji and Nehoshikawa over Kota Adaka and Mino Fujita. Alexander Otsuka and Mahamayode over Masato Orihara and Takashiodo. Then we had a JYB Super Bout semifinal. Minoru Tanaka over Kasumi Yasuda. Then Oya over Greg the Hammer. Backlund over Akeda. And Ishikawa over Mr. Danger. I remember... Uh, okay. yeah. No, I was about to go move on, but go ahead. I remember, I forget where he told the story originally. I think it was somewhere in Death Valley Driver. Um, Sam Panico, the former Shirley Doe at one point, explaining how he was at a bar with... Uh, Greg Valentine, shortly before this. And they're not talking or anything, and then at one point, Greg just, like, sips his beer, puts it down, and out of the blue is like, so, what the fuck is this battle art shit? Just a normal conversation you expect to have. I guess. Alright, um, Ashley Sasuke himself to an angle where he's now drinking and smoking a la Sandman or Scott Hall. But unlike in the U.S., where it's all tolerated, he was fired by the promotion. No word on whether or not his New Japan dates in October are affected, but word has it his October 9th New Japan date was canceled, but he's still being advertised for the October 18th New Japan show at Kobe. This is the transformation into all caps, Sasuke. Yes. As the original leader of Crazy Max. Mm-hmm. Again, we talked yep. about this before. Everyone always forgets this. Crazy Max, as a group under that name... Starts with the Crazy Max guys, but with Sasuke as the leader. Yeah. And Mishinoku Pro. Mm-hmm. And it was a fun gimmick. It doesn't last very long, because he's a, he's a baby face again by what? Like, February? When Dragon Gate opens up? I mean, Torma opens up, but... It was fun while it lasted. Yeah. And now... Ooh, I see we have early DDT. DDT, October 4th for Oda War Community Plaza in Tokyo. We have Yuki Nishino over Yusaku. Ichiro Yaguchi and Exciting Yoshida over Master Toro and Jigoku Soldier. Tenma Sakotoba over Asian Cougar. Takashi Sasaki over Kurakaje. Mitsunobu Kikazawa, Kikutaro over Kyoi Mikami before he became all cast Mikami. Kamen Shooter Super Rider over Phantom Funakoshi. Yes. And Super, Super Uchu Power over Sensuro Takagi. A very early DDT show, for sure. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's really just 
assorted indie guys coming together, like, you know, a little bit more of almost like a junior heavyweight focus, and, you know, the entertainment wrestling side of it takes a few years. Yes. Either they had some of the crazy gimmicks here, starting up. All right, FMW, as Sushi Nino's coming, he's going to start his new USO promotion in December. Well, and Noki has UFO picks, so Anita's got to have something similar. Okay, yes. USO. Uh, to crown the best street fighter in the world. And has issued a challenge to former rival Tarzan Goto. At the great Pogo, who beat Mr. Pogo last week, Mr. Pogo lost a name, and it's back to his old renaming of Kasaku Goshikawara. Hayabusa retained his independent world title and World Brass Nuts belt, beating Koji Nakagawa in the main event of the Cork and Hall show on October 6th. After the match, Michi Fuyuki challenged Hayabusa, and that time the match will co-feature Onita versus Great Pogo on a November 20th on pay-per-view at Yokohama Bucket Jam. All right, results of this show. Hideki Asaka over Mohamed Yone in your opener. Super Leather over Gosaka Goshikawara. Hayato Nanjo over Flying Kid Chihara. Daisuke Kateriki Fuji over Gato and Babo Hito. Fuyuki over Hiskatsu Oya. Tizuya Kuroda over Yukiro Kanemura. And Hayabusa retained his titles, beating Koji Nakagawa in the main event. So, yeah, Great Pogo, of course, being the Mr. Pogo. Yes, and this is kind of in between FMW, where Onid is still around a little longer. And we're not, you know, World Entertainment Wrestling yet, but we're getting there. Yes. Weekly Flight claimed that Terry Font only was paid half of what he was promised for work on the recent IWA Great Kabuki Retirement Week, and he's trying to get back into FNW. Well, that ain't good. Yeah, I and guess who, Mr. Itano having some troubles. Yeah, who want to stiff Terry Font, for God's sakes? All right, IWA Kokosai. Yes, not the same as IWA Japan. No, they run Yokohama Shirumi Fruit and Festival Market on October the 10th. We have Mabarushi over Noshisano. JRF Lion went to a double count with Takai Bushido V3. Smoman and Sunito Naito over Tanama Sakotoba and Yusaku. Uchu Maijin Silver X over Demonio Uno. Toshiki Moria over Chitoro Kamoi in a Lumberjack death match. Command 2 and Command 3 in the Red Mummy defeated Exciting Yoshida, Ichiro Yaguchi, and Satan. So we have the guy with the Jesus gimmick teaming with Satan. <laughs> and then we have Devil and Gorsharumi over Command One and The Mummy. Sure. Um, okay, so I'm intrigued by the spelling of Tamanasaka Toba's name here. Um, yes. Is he Japanese or is he Thai? Because um, the way it's spelled here is spelled the way it would be if he was Thai. I think it's a misspelling. No, that is correct. His correct birth name. So is he ja- from Japanese or is he from, is he Japanese or is he from Thailand? Or maybe he was both. born in Shishuya, Japan. Um, he probably may have. Oh, some it's in an him. homage to Thai a professional boxer Tomnasak uh, Sith Sith Baobe. No, there you go. Okay, so there you go. That explains that. So there it is. All right. Uh, Pancrase, they ran out uh, to before Cork and Hall for 2050, where Jason Gatsu destroyed Kengo Watanabe in 128, nailing him with mini palm blows and blending him up and putting him away with a choke. 
While Watanabe, who's the focal point in the promotion, was expected to lose to the more experienced foreigner, he was supposed to have a great fight in doing so. And it's like a TV station was filming a documentary on Watanabe going from a, a rugby star to Pancrase was finished with Godsey's match and aired earlier in the week. Travis Fulton of Extreme Challenge debuted in the show going to a 13-minute draw. That's right, 13-minute draw because they had three-minute overtime with Akisa Minowa. We had several reports saying it was an excellent show. Pancrase would make another rules of men met allowing seconds to verbally coach at ringside. Seconds are allowed at ringside under the old rules, but weren't allowed to yell instructions that the fight was in progress. Really? I mm-hmm. never knew that. Yep. That's very interesting. <laughs> and they didn't All have right, rounds. We're... So, yeah, you got no corner instruction during those Pancrase fights. That's very interesting. Kosei Kubota over Stoshashigawa by majority decision. Minnow and Fulton's draw, Osami Shibuya over Katsuomi Inagaki, Yuki Kondo over Daisuke Ishii, and Jason Gassi over Kengo. Well, I'm sure Kengo at least looked very pretty in losing. <laughs> yes, a major star. All right, uh, rings and the big story of the week, basically. That's not involving a wrestling television show. The man who many, if not most, wrestling experts believe to be the greatest wrestler that has ever lived, and many of his in his country believed to be the greatest athlete alive, has signed to take the plunge to the pro wrestling world, according to a press conference on October 6th in Japan. Alexander the Experiment Karelin, the, the Russian Greco-Roman super heavyweight who has won an unprecedented 11 consecutive world championships, was announced by Ring's president Akira Maeda as being his opponent on a big show mid-February, likely at the Tokyo Dome. Karelin broke the record set by another legendary Russian freestyle super heavyweight Alexander Medved, who wrestled in the 60s and early 70s and captured 10 world titles. According to Maeda, who called Karelin the toughest fighter in the world and compared his record and credentials favorably to Hicks on Gracie. So they've been trying to get Karelin earlier in the year, but talks fell apart. So they tried to make contact for Karelin to come to the show where rings promoted on April 25th in Russia, but also didn't happen. He said they had continued to pursue Corellin through their Russian rings contacts, and he signed a contract for the match last week. And that's what's held off until just five days before the KRS Tokyo Dome show with Hicks on Gracie and Nobuko Takada. The timing of which was certainly no coincidence, as it's in for my aid to steal the spotlight. <laughs> Corellin, 31, catch Olympic gold medals in 1988. 1992, 1996, long world championship since and in between, and is a favorite that went making four goals in 2000. Well, <laughs> not so fast, my friend. He's been undefeated in wrestling since the 87 World Championships, where he, as a 19-year-old, lost to the eventual winner. He's been a top-rated super heavyweight in Greco-Roman on the national team since age 17. Cashed his first European championship in 1886, and since that time has won all 10 other European championship tournaments that he's entered. Many different wrestling companies, fighting organizations, and several NFL football teams over the years attempted to sign him. Particularly their second Olympic title, where he looked like the most physically dominant athlete in the world, as he destroyed everyone in the competition, including WF, New Japan, UFC, and Rings. Rings has been talking about the most seriously about on and off for the past several months. Maeda was looking for an opponent for a major retirement match. Maeda had his retirement show on July 20th in Yokohama, but at the time left the door open for one major match of this magnitude. In 1988, Corellin came to Japan in a New Japan ring for an exhibition during the Pro Wrestling Card at Sumo Hall, throwing Hiroshi Hase around the ring. However, when the Soviets set several former amateur champions into pro wrestling, starting out the first show ever at the Tokyo Dome, which from an official standpoint would have been the first Soviet athletes ever to go into the Western professional sports, due to Russia's economic collapse, they kept Corellin off that team. 
Maeda's announcement in, in, is that rules will be still determined. He insisted the match will be a shoot. Of course, even if it won't be, and even if it will be, it'll probably be the first ever for Maeda. He had to say that. He said the rules haven't been determined, but the match would be two five-minute rounds, which in rings vernacular indicates it'll be a shoot. If there's no submission or knockout, that they would go another five-minute overtime. While Corona's the premier Greco-Roman wrestler in the world and most of the greatest ever, no matter what your specialty, when taking out your specialty, you become only human. For example, if Corellin faced a world freestyle champion under freestyle rules, odds are he would lose because he's playing somebody else's game. Of course, made at 39, while a Hall of Fame pro wrestler is not a world-class fighter anyway, except for his contrived pro wrestler reputation, and would be long since past his prime since he hasn't kept himself in shape, even if he at one time had been, if and when this match actually takes place. Corellin would join a very small group of Olympic gold medals in wrestling that went on the pro wrestling. Maeda put a knock on Gracie's contrived 400-0 claim fighting record, knowing that Corella, who has more than 300 wins without a loss over the past 12 years and going against exclusively world-cast competition, is legitimately the most impressive, verifiable real record of any athlete in a combat type of sport. And that probably is true. Yes, I would say yes. And then this happens, and he puts Corellin over, of course. I'm trying to remember, does the amount of money he got paid ever come out? Uh, I'm not sure on that, but yeah, it happened February 21st of 99. Um, I remember him throwing Maeda around with the Corella and left. <laughs> like he was pretty much nothing. He looked impressive. And who knows what could have happened if he didn't lose to Rulon Gardner in the 2000 Olympics. Yeah. Which he also- might have went back in pro wrestling. Was also, like, him, like, losing on, like, an obscure, like, rule violation where you give up a point as far as, like, when he kept his hands clasped and stuff. Like, it's not, it's not like Gardner outclassed him. He just kind of neutralized him enough to be able to edge him out. Yeah. Um, also still, like, my all-time, like most hated moment watching NBC Olympics coverage. Like, the result had already been news all day, but you watch the NBC coverage, and, you know, they always act like it's live anyway, because that was in Sydney. So it was also jarring coming off of Atlanta four years earlier where everything was live, but it was so obvious they did the commentary in post. Like, it was so obvious they were like, oh, God, this isn't this." This isn't dramatic enough. We're not noticing what's happening in real time. Like, it, it's just annoying. But this is a big deal, though. It's the only thing he ever does in pro wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Antonio Noki's UFO promotion also had a press conference on October 7th to announce their rules and their October 24th Sumo Hall card. It appears the rules are similar to the Funk Kingdom group, where the wrestlers wear UFC-style gloves to do a shoot style, pressing with some shoot matches, although one would presume most of the matches, if not all, will be worked. The ring will be too hard to take bumps, although the style wouldn't allow for bumps anyway. No pitfalls. Matches can only end with submission, knockout ref, or doctor stoppage, or throwing in a towel. Half the body has to be under the ropes to constitute a rope break, which could save a foe from a submission hole. That's interesting. Three, Three knockdowns ends the fight. Yeah, butts are legal, but low blows, attacking the eyes and attacking the fingers or toes are illegal. Some matches will be fought with rounds and some won't. The first lineup has Don Fry against Nario Ogawa, Brian Johnson against Gerard Gordeau, the first UFC finalist who's done work pro wrestling for the old UWF, New Japan and Rings, Joe Charles, 
Or when you'll see against Mark Hall, you'll see in Kingdom. Orlando Vite, you'll see in Kingdom against Jason Blaze, question mark. So Torsoyama in a new Tiger Mask outfit versus X. Anoki and Sayama want to be Ken Koshin, but New Japan's a big show the same night in Fukuoka. And Koshin's in a junior tag title match on the show. Igor Mindert, New Japan and former Russian wrestler, over against Tom Glanville of Extreme Fighting. Cousin Murakami of Extreme Fighting KRS against X. Kevin Carr, question mark, against Mono Horstein, USC Kingdom, Shudokan Karate Champion. And the Michinoku Pro version of Tiger Mask against Ikoto Adaka. Don't know they'll draw with a lineup like that, although perhaps they'll get a big house the first time out just based on curiosity. What did you – how did you pronounce Modi Horenstein? Monty Horenstein, I guess. Okay. And going by cage match, he actually wrestles under UFO kickboxing rules as the Big Moti. Or Big Moti. <laughs> he should have worked as Moti the Hoople. Okay, so wait, what were the X's here? As I they come back to all the young dudes. Oh okay, wait, so X is Murakami, and who was the other X? Uh, Sayama. Yeah. Okay. So Murakami goes over Lee Young Gun. Mm-hmm. Sayama takes on uh, UFC One participant Kevin Rozier. How about that? Kevin Rozier is X on this first show here at Sumo Hall. On the twenty fourth, and on the seat they run. They run again six days later at Osaka Joe Hall for a show that includes uh, Orlando Vite knocking out Hadaka, uh, Alexander Otsuka over Tiger Mask, Don Fry over Murakami, excuse me, Ogawa over Gerard Gordeaux. And they don't run again until March ninety nine, where you know some of the same basic stuff. Oh. The Ogawa NWA title win over Dan Severn comes in March. And they don't run again until June. And that's basically the end. And they run that one UFO legend show in 02. And that's it. So pretty much nothing doing here. It's just to serve New Japan. like feuds and stuff. Well, we got some Joshi now. All Japan women. They ran uh, on October 10th Corcoran Hall for Takako Inoue's 10th anniversary show. Where we have Mika Harake over Mayumi Takahashi. Kari Ito went to a draw with Tomoko Watanabe. Takako won a four-way over Miki Fuji, Sachi Shibori, and Zap Isazaki. Then we had Tag League the Best, a match. Zap I and Zap T over Kimika Makawa and Noriko Toyota. Manami Toyota over Imi Murakawa. And then they Tag League the Best match, but also had the alternate women tag titles on the line. Is Nanamomo. Nani Takahashi and Momonakanishi retain over Miho Okazawa and Keo Nomi. As always, I need to point out how you could not have thought, and she was good, don't get me wrong, but I think in 1998, you would have never assumed that the one wrestler in the card who would still be active and relevant 25 years later would be Emi Motokawa. Yeah. Gaia, they ran out to her 4th uh, at the Youth Sports Center in Takekawa. We have Sugar Sato and Chikai Nagashima over Rina Ishii and Sakura Rota. Soko Kato over Maiko Matsumoto. Takushi Nagayo over Rie. Toshio Yamada and Meiko Satomura over Karu and Toshiyamatsu. And Sakura Rota won a nine-woman battle royal. So there is that. I wonder why it's L1. not everyone on the card. 
That's weird. Uh, I don't know. That's clearly why, no. I was just saying that's clearly why there's so many all these question marks here. That it's if it was twelve women on twelve on battle royal, they just say, but we just know who eliminated who at the end. But yes, let's go to uh, women's MMA in '98. Not L seven, L one. On the L one show on October tenth, Sumo Hall, a series of octagon cage matches, all of which were total shoots except the main event. It saw Japanese women wrestle win every match they were in. Becky Levi, who in an 85-pound weight advantage, beat Terry Lukomsky in 506. People were really impressed. Lukomsky lasted as long as she did, being outweighed by so much. Others were amazed at seeing Levi, who is six foot two, 215 pounds. Next to Svetlana Gundarenko, saying that Svetlana made Levi look tiny in comparison. As far as Japanese pro wrestlers went, Yoko Takahashi at JD won her match at 154. Junko Yagi, former national judo champ who works for LPWB, Floor Holman, a Gerard Gardeau student from Holland in 828. Suryo Okano of LFPW beat Lee Dunja in two minutes when the corner threw in the towel. Yumiko Hota of All Trim Women beat former ECW valet Angel Amoroso in 118 when the ref stopped the match as Hota had an arm bar on. <laughs> Holy shit. I'd love to know how she got booked in that. <sighs> and Linus Oscar from JDB Irma Virhoff of Holland in 926 by a tap out with a key lock on the arm. There were complaints of disorganization and of no physicals being taken or blood tests for the matches as they were shooting. The Holland women were said to have had no experience once they got on the ground but knew how to fight standing up. Hotsa, when she took Amoroso down, picked up her fist like she went in for a wrestling match, waiting for a crowd response before starting to throw punches. Okay, I gotta see what this looks like. <laughs> Yumiko Hotsa against Angel Amoroso in a shoot. In a, well, it's not an octagon, it looks like it's perhaps a decagon. There's Hotsa. It doesn't even look like Angel Amoroso. It, it, it is her, though. I'll go back to her entry. I know, we don't look like her. Because she, you know, it just doesn't look like her. I get you. It is her. It's definitely her. It just doesn't look like her. Well, with the make, no makeup and stuff, especially. She looks different. And the hair. Done the, like the hair doing. up, yeah. So, yeah. I don't think there's commentary, so we might as well. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to wonder. Like, how did she get booked in this? Because otherwise, it's just Japanese women wrestlers who have some degree of legitimate training and actual martial artists. So, yeah. Let's see. She's already working for the art bar. Oh, I'd love to know who's cornering Angel here, too. Oh, I'll be Tommy Cairo when he knew the number. Hunter Key Robbins third. 
She has so little experience and idea of what she's doing that she doesn't even tap right away. She does nothing. Yeah. I know Angel does a little bit of pro wrestling proper later. I don't think she's actually been a wrestler at all at this point, right? No. Unless, I mean, not counting ECW bullshit matches, no. Right. It's later that she actually does, like, pro wrestling matches. Yes. So what, like, yeah, I'd love to know how this happened. It just, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. It was a payday. Yeah, and by the way, to be clear, LLPW is the promoter of the MMA show. Hence yes. L1. Yes. Oh, it's on Angel's uh, daughter's uh, YouTube, it looks like. This one. Or Angel's YouTube, perhaps. Oh, the most recent video on it is an interview with Iron Man Tommy Cairo. Oh, shocking. Shocking. All right. Well, we got Autobots now. We have Jugo Eurasia. Autobots' Catch Wrestling Association has just about all new champions crowned on Champions Night on October 10th in Hanover, which was the final day of the recent Hanover Tour. Heavyweight champion Marshall Duke, Duke Dunstan-Drosy, and Intercontinental champion Fit Finley were both done on the tour. They didn't have a heavyweight title match. We had Robbie Brookside beat Cannonball Grizzly by Canada to become the IC champion. Junior heavyweight champion Michael Kovac was wrestling from WWE in Vienna. And Vaughn's didn't book him because he worked as a jobber for ECW. Like, that has anything to do with anything. Kovac was actually in Hanover, but not used. And Karsten Kirschmeyer won the vacant title being the bounty hunter. If Herman and Christian Eckstein held the tag titles, but Herman's in the U.S., so they wound up having Rhino Richards and Joe Legend, two Michigan-area indie guys, win the vacant CWA tag titles being August Schmeisser, best known U.S. for his favorite match with Moscow's Fanaki, and Rico de Cuba, former EML wrestler Tony Rico. They also created a CWA Street Fight title where Tony St. Clair beat Franz Schumann to become the first champion. Of course, this was not a shoot, nor was it even worked like a shoot because they bounced off the ropes and brawled pro wrestling style outside the ring. The other recognized champions that didn't defend on the car were St. Clair's Commonwealth champ and Schumann as middleweight champ. Huh. Otto Vance. Yes. I mean, Finley's off to move it to the states permanently so that's what's going on there uh yes. do we know what do we know where marshall duke is that he's not on this tour uh well we just talked about him didn't we so i don't know that's what i'm trying to remember like oh does he jump to one of the other promotions is that what happened well there's there's that going on but i don't i'm not sure i'm looking at cage ranch because there can't be that much uh Oh, they have nothing in this period after uh, – they don't have even CWA results for him past December 97. I don't know how many there were. Um, oh, of course, in, at the beginning of 98, he did a tour of Kenya uh, where he defeated Powerhouse Neidhart. I'm sure Jason Anderson without even having to click on that. He also gets WWF and WCW tryouts in early 98 with matches against Mick Tierney. Mick Tierney on a WCW show, and then on the WWF shows uh, Carl Willett and Paul Diamond. Hmm. 
And then basically just Florida Indies that they have listed for him after that point. All right. Well, that is it for the first half of the show. It's halftime. So that's a great 1990 commercial pitch of the halftime segment where we'll talk about Patreon. We'll talk about streaming friends. And then we'll hit the plugs and come back where we have Lucha, where Ilda Santo is uh, having a little injury issues. So we'll talk about that. And uh, we got some um, uh, Torimon guys from IWRG to talk about as well, among other things, before we get back to the U.S. All that more after the break. One three-layer wedding cake, done. Oh. Three? Should be six. Oh. Mm. <sighs> Beta relieves the inflammation that can cause arthritis pain and stiffness. Tylenol can't. And taken regularly, only Bayer can help save your life by reducing the risk of another heart attack. Ask your doctor. Ta-da! It's beautiful. Bayer, powerful pain relief and so much more. Also try extra strength Bayer PM, the only nighttime aspirin. Why do I rent from Enterprise? Very simple. No stress. They arrange to pick me up free so I don't have to ask anyone for a ride. See? No stress. Pick Enterprise. We'll pick you up. Life's an adventure because you're over 50 and still exploring. So take the Centrum made just for you, Centrum Silver. With age-essential nutrients specially adjusted to keep pace with your changing nutritional needs. Centrum Silver. It's a great time to be silver. You remember that. That ball. <laughs> yeah, you were 12, <laughs> a hot dog in each hand. I reached up and snatched that ball right out of the sky. But this time, the hot dogs are on me. I wish I could. Oh, but Dad, you can. Take this Pepsi AC before you eat. Heartburn stops before it starts. Before I eat? Yep. You get us the hot dogs, and I'll get us another foul ball. (laughs) You can be heartburn-free with Pepsi AC. Sunday, after impeachment hearings, can there still be a deal? Key players in the Senate and House speak out. Also, presidential historian Sapphire and Goodwin on impeachment on Meet the Press. could be better well you could do a lot better with total just one bowl of total gives you hundred percent of the iron you need every day a bagel only 20 percent total has hundred percent of 10 essential vitamins and minerals compared to that a bagel is a little flat so get hundred percent with total total raisin brand total cornflakes what are you getting for breakfast Put more cash into your kid's school. Clip box tops for education logos from General Mills Products. A 
girl caught up in a raging California river. There's only one way she's going to get out alive. They got her! A Survivor Story special, Sunday, 7, 6 Central. Then, Dateline Sunday. It seemed like a bargain, the promise of jobs and money. All they had to do was open a private prison in their town. Did this community get more than it bargained for? Dateline Sunday, 8, 7 Central. Proven to help you look revitalized. At Uniroyal, in order to make a point about our new nail guard tires, we added a few to our test track. Nail guard tires, designed to seal 90% of tread punctures, instantly and permanently. Only from Uniroyal. Right, Seattle. I start my job on Monday. I want to do something about my retirement plan. Okay, no problem. Shane, Andy, please! Sounds like your hands are pretty full there. Don't worry about this. A rollover specialist can handle all the transfer paperwork for you and make sure you avoid penalties. We can also help you with the new tax laws. Oh, thanks. You've been a really big help. Oh, good. Good luck with the move. Tomorrow and today, the baby is beautiful, but how about you? A special four-part series, post-pregnancy makeovers, starting with the right diet. Tomorrow and today. Get the most in-depth look at all the day's news with Brian Williams. A lot to tell you about the same thing, of course. But you can't see it if you don't get it. MSNBC. This is America's most watched evening news program. We'll never be apart, my love. A love so strong that a man would kill for it. But sometimes, getting away with murder is worse than getting caught. Ben Kingsley, Patrick Dempsey, Julie Delpy, in Dostoevsky's timeless classic, Crime and Punishment, an NBC event, Sunday. Covered by Sky Vision. Coverage you can count on, even in the dark. Chopper five, right? Sure we got both tracks. back. Hope you enjoyed those great 1998 commercials as we hit to the halftime segment of the show where we'll talk, we'll start first about the Patreon, patreon.com slash 20 sheets, where we've already started recording part two of our look at Todd is God, the Todd going on a biography. And, uh, we've recorded half that show already. And, uh, the, the half, the first half of the show is basically newsletters and other assorted, uh, information regarding the mole and a lot of interesting stuff in this section so far um as we get the newsletter coverage and we you know we'll play some uh clips from some some shooting interviews going eric bischoff's thoughts on the whole situation and then we'll have more clips coming up in part in the the the, uh second part that we record um but yeah i mean a lot of interesting information on what the real stories possibly was here, because there are some differing stories, but um, a lot of it's the same kind of information. But uh, yes, uh, <laughs> some sort of a spy novel, espionage, as Eric Bischoff put it, and uh, in people's minds when it really wasn't. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff there regarding uh, the mole. So um, you want to get on this one, folks. I mean. Part one, great show. Part two is going to be the capper. And uh, you definitely want to hear this. As, uh, you know, these ECW Patreon shows have been our most popular, pretty much. And, 
as you'll hear in the, the thanks segment, you know, we had a nice amount last week. And uh, from what Bix was telling me, we got a nice amount this week. So people love to hear us talk about ECW shit. So if you, if you haven't listened yet, listen. If you have, tell your friends that may be fans of ECW or that wrestle for that era. And tell them to go to patreon.com slash twin sheets, put down $5, and they can listen to those shows plus all the other shows that we've done in our seven full years of the Patreon. And of course, we've got mailbag shows up and other sort of random shows up. So, a ton of audio for that $5 at patreon.com slash twin sheets. So, go there. Now, we do offer other options here. You can go for the dollar a month, which gets you thanks in this segment and uh, access to the Between the Sheets Discord. $25 as you pick a show for the week. Now, if you want to do that, have two shows on your mind because the show that you may want us to do could be something that we've already done in the past. Could be something that somebody has already reserved on the calendar. So, um, yeah, just have two shows in mind just in case uh, we're not able to do that show. Get with Bix or myself about that. Ask us, you know, if it's free, whatever. Follow the protocol on the Patreon website, and we'll uh, make sure that we can uh, get you taken care of, get your show on the air. And also remember, we have the 30-day rule in effect, 10-year rule in effect, Wednesday to Tuesday on the timeline. You do all that, and you should be good to go. $50 allows you to sit in for the whole show if you choose, and 100 for the whole show if you choose, so if you want to. At patreon.com slash sheets, and don't forget we have the annual um, uh, mode where you can go annual at the, the different prices. Of course, $5 is the normal one. So it gets you down to $50.40 a year. for a year at a, a 60% off discount. So, um, it's so yeah. It's 15% off whichever tier you do it to. Yeah, yeah exactly. So patreon.com slash between the sheets. All right, basically, I think this week is our new indoor returning patrons. All right, let's see what we've got here. And oh, quick reminder, by the way, too, before I forget, we since we haven't mentioned it that much lately, we do have, since I'm still not sure how many people realize this is a thing, uh, anniversary billing turned on on Patreon. So it no longer matters at all when you sign up. Yeah. And just a month later on that day, that's when you will be charged again. So if you're the type of person in the past that would be like, wait till the start of the month, whatever, you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Fun to mention that. Also, if anyone has any ideas for further ECW shows, let us know. Because we fit. <laughs> what major ECW drama have we not done a Patreon show about at this point? Yeah, but we don't want to burn it all out. So. I don't want to burn it all out, but I, I'm trying to think for potential future ideas. What is there? Well, well. Again. I guess we could eventually do WWE CW, or at least like the launch of WWE CW. That's one. Well, if you if you doing that on an anniversary basis, you're gonna be waiting a while. <laughs> so, well, that wouldn't be for like almost three years now for the next like well, well, the next milestone anniversary at least. Yeah. Yeah. So we got other things. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, all right, who 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 are we thanking this week? Well, the last one was an anniversary, but anyway, we'd like to thank uh, Dariush. Uh, I don't want to butcher the last name. Uh, looks like Nategi. What was the first name pronunciation again? Dariush. Thanks, Dariush. All right. And then uh, we've got Severio DeFazio. Thanks, Severio. Oh, uh, Matthew Lynch. Uh, he paid in the... In, uh, I almost said EU dollars, euro in euros, so not the wrestler. 
Thanks, Matthew. Kevin Inouye. Thanks, Kevin. Is he into Wataru Inouye? Um, spelled I-N-O-U-Y-E. So. Oh, okay, okay. But then we'd like to thank James Knight. Thanks, James. Wait, isn't the name of the venue in Miami the James Knight Center? James L. L. Knight. Yes, I don't think it was James L. Knight. Well, well. He, he was already dead, I'm guessing, before the yes. James Knight Center after it. Uh, yes. Who is James L. Knight, anyway? Uh, probably some former Miami mayor or some shit. I wouldn't know. Off the top of my head. Gotta be some type of political official. No, American newspaper publisher and co-founder of the Knight Ritter Group of Newspapers. Which is based out of Florida, so there you go, yeah. Well, yeah, right. I mean, Alex Marviz, he was syndicated by Knight Ritter. Who did he start hey. with? Miami Arrow. Yeah, so there you go. Okay. So there's your, there's your connection. Yes. Uh Oh, two weeks in a row somehow, Danny Cookler. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. Well, I, they're in month. They're two different months. Oh, if he's still on the old, if he's if he's still on the old, no. But if he signs up, if he signed up fresh, it wouldn't have mattered. I don't know. Who knows? That's how anniversary billing works. I don't think. Like, maybe I don't he just think wants his name. Maybe I, he just wants his name mentioned in the segments. I, I don't know. Anyway, thank you, Danny. Uh, Chris Calamita. It's Chris. Eric Gaskell. Thanks, Eric. William Lanham. Oh, thanks, William. Another name mentioned a lot in this segment. Jamie Illington. Thanks, Jamie. Chad Hill. Thanks, Chad. Tommy V in Michigan. Thanks, Tommy V in Michigan. And Jeremy Landry. Thanks, Jeremy Landry. So we thank all you new patrons, old patrons, patrons that have left, come back, rejoined with us. We thank uh, all of you for being uh, supportive of our Patreon at patreon.com slash between the sheets. All right, Bix, what's going on in the world of the streaming networks? Uh, our friends at IWTV and Fight TV. All right, let's see. Well, let's start with IWTV, where our friend Matt Griffin at Action Wrestling, he had a nine live stream show uh, as we're recording this this past weekend. And that's gone up on demand. I've watched some of it, not the whole thing yet, but it's been a pretty good show. Uh, what do we got here? Adam Priest defending the title against Bojack. Colby Carino defending the NWA junior title against uh, Broken Finley. Rob Kiljoy in action against Spectre. Devlin Macabre versus Kelsey Reagan. Uh, Diego Hill, Teriyaki. Culture Inc. defending the tag titles against The Good Hand. Uh, and more, a little bit more besides that. So, good show from what I've seen. Uh, nice to see Colby in action, finally. Always like those between the sheets pass crossing. Yeah. So, that's definitely worth checking out. The latest uh, Action Wrestling High School show. And now, it's time to look at On Demand. Let me make sure. Wait a okay, yeah, this is the first thing I'm supposed to have here. Guess what, Chris? There are ICW No Holds Barred shows this coming weekend. How about that? Start with Friday the 13th. Spooky. At 8 p.m. Don't Central. do that again. So, excuse me. Not 9 Eastern. So, <laughs> Hoodfoot defending the uh, American Deathmatch Championship against Mickey Knuckles. And this is, this is from the Berwyn Eagles Club. 
which is now, I guess, the premier venue in Chicago rest area wrestling again after everything else has been shutting people out. Uh, Cruel against Joshua Bishop. Doctor Redacted versus Kaplan. I normally wouldn't mention this because I don't know who the who this person who the opponent is here, but the name is fascinating to me. Matt Tremont versus Remington Roar. R H O R. Okay. And more. That's I mean that's definitely an indie wrestler name. Definitely sounds like an indie wrestling uh, deathmatch name. So a few more matches besides that, but that's that show. Uh, I skip SOS because the match list isn't up for some reason. As I skip ahead here. Okay. Uh, Ruthless Pro Wrestling has a show on Saturday at four Eastern. Uh, for a show that includes this is a match. Pagano taking on Atticus Kogar, uh, and then various other like Midwest uh, deathmatch guys on the show, including Hoodfoot in the main event, going for their title against Sam Beal. And uh, then also Saturday, Saturday night at 7 Eastern, Dreamwave's got a show in, uh, I think that's LaSalle, Illinois, uh, for a show that includes... I guess they're kind of promoting this as the main event for the first ever Dreamwave Women's Champion, uh, Brittany Brooks against Zeta Steele. Uh, what else do we have here of note? Uh, Dave Vega versus Richard Holiday versus Mike Bennett versus Connor Hopkins versus Stephen Wolf in a scramble, I guess. How's this for a blast from the past of sorts? Eric Cannon versus Colt Cabana. Don't really see Eric yeah. wrestle much outside of his own promotion these days, right? Yeah, those guys crossed paths years ago and crossing again. Yes. And honestly, like, I guess because they don't do, like, all-you-can-eat streaming, they don't get talked about enough. But first, by the way, like, low-key one of the more successful indie promotions in the country that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. You know, they have those Wall of America shows now they're doing as a tradition and stuff. So anyway, so there's that, uh... Warhorse against Vic Capri. Uh, there is a women's, uh, okay, four way. There were two matches on the same line, so I missed that for a second. And more. So that's Dreamwave. Uh, and, okay, another ICW Donald's Bar show. That's Saturday at 9 Eastern. Includes Hoodfoot defending the American Deathmatch title against Pagano. Uh, Eric Ryan versus Crazy King versus Oren Viet, Doctor Redacted versus Cruel, Matt Tremont versus Jeff King, and more. And uh, I won't go over the whole lineup necessarily, but uh, Fight is doing uh, eye pay per views of the uh, shows coming up this week from with their second run of shows, Spark Joshi Pro Wrestling of America, Chris. Okay. One of three different promotions saying they are now Josie Pro Wrestling in the United States. But they've got, those are iPay-Per-View. Those are not Fight Plus. But I was int just intrigued enough because the first shows weren't streamed anywhere to mention that. But then beyond that, we've got GCW Blood on the Hills 2 in Los Angeles on Saturday at 11 Eastern. For a show that so far has announced at least uh, Joey Janela versus Santana Jackson, the professional Michael Jackson impersonator who's also a trained pro wrestler. 
as well as a rematch uh, between Los Macizos and our dear friends Violence is Forever, Dominic Carini and Kevin Crew, which is, I think, their first uh, non-Midwest GCW appearance as a team. Okay. They're getting flights. They're getting a push, brother. Well, they deserve it. And I realize I didn't give the referral info for IWT. I'll give the referral info. We'll do it all the end. We're done. Yes, yes. Uh, Paradigm has a show that's out of our week that I clicked by mistake. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention was I had missed that this was a thing. Um, they have a show on Fight Plus called Monster Knockout of classic boxing in some form. I don't know if it's. It looks like it's just the one fight. I don't know if there's any like analysis with it or anything that they add, but so I mentioned the two of you, the two that are premiering soon uh, to you before we start recording. Uh, oh, there are a few actually they have listed, but there's a Tommy Morrison fight coming up. There's they're putting up Ken Shamrock versus Buzz Barry MMA fight, uh, and then. But some of the past fights they've uploaded include, because there were some big name stuff here, Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Manny Pacquiao, uh, Jorge Julio, uh, I'm not reading all of them, Oscar De La Hoya, Ricardo Mayorga. Not, <laughs> remember that one it. well. I just remember that one well. That was, uh, Ricardo Mayorga was a guy who would like, uh, fucking smoke at the way in. <laughs> I mean, he was just a, he was a complete, he, he was like, um, sort of the Minoru Suzuki of boxing in that era, in the, in the, in that 2000s era, just a guy who just didn't give a fuck and just did whatever he wanted and he would get wins and get his ass beat and stuff like that. But he was just a personality, but yeah, he would like smoke at the weigh-ins and yeah, he's, he's a wild man. Oh, great. And it's stretched to widescreen. That's wonderful. Um, and it's, yeah, so I'm, ass- I'm assuming it's CSI Sports or one of those companies that's licensing it, you know, that owns all sorts of archives. They don't have the audio on on anything yet, so, but I'm assuming this is the uh, rest of the world feed with Colonel Bob Sheridan. Okay, now I'm logged in. Let's see. On Monster Knockout. Enter- okay. Oh, okay, so it's it's a bunch of, okay, it's not full fights. It's the knockouts, oh. and they're mentioning the biggest name one in the episode. Oh, huh. Okay. Okay, and I think CSI Sports had a similar show in syndication. Um, but let's see if it's mm. Colonel Bob. Collecting them with his face! Oh, no, they add new narration and sound effects. Uh, oh, that's... So- uh, yeah. Lennox measures my... Oh, so it's like, um... Buh, 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 buh. It's like one of those shows, like, in, like, late 90s, early 2000s in syndication... Well, what was it called? Um, it, it's like it's like a cross between like uh, Wide World of Knockouts or whatever it was called, and like Maximum Exposure and whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this is definitely looking at some of the stuff that's in here. This is definitely CSI Sports because you got your your international feeds and your pay per views. You got your Tuesday night fights. You've got your King of the Cage. Clips, okay, and craze of all things, but you get the idea. So that's that is available in the uh, archives for Fight Plus subscribers. So I guess I'll start with Fight Plus. Uh, if you're not a, already a subscriber, or you're going to be getting a pay per view on Fight, like the Spark shows, 
Go to tinyurl.com slash btsfight. That's B-T-S-F-I-T-E. And uh, we'll get a referral fee for that. tinyurl.com slash B-T-S-F-I-T-E. And for IWTV, go to independentwrestling.tv. Use code BTSPOD. And we will get a referral fee for each month you stay a paid subscriber. So that's independentwrestling.tv. Code BTSPOD. Today's episode Between the Sheets sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network. Even using Cognito Mode, your provider store in your browsing data, many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access can help. Private Internet Access encrypts and reroutes your edit traffic to one of its own servers, hiding your data from your insurance provider or network administrator. And with servers over 75 different countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content from around the world. Private Internet Access comes with easy-to-use apps and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, open-source security, advanced customization settings, and is just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PC Mac. And if you sign up Private Internet Access right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for Between the Sheets listeners. Well, we have three special options for you guys. we got a monthly plan at $11.95 a month. we get a yearly plan at $3.33 a month or $39.95 a year. Or you can get the number one deal, three years plus four free months, $1.98 a month, $79 for the first three years, usually thereafter, 83% off. It didn't get any better than that, folks. Why is that? Because it's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. If you get it right now, you can take advantage of private internet access 30-day risk-free challenge. Try it 30 days, see if you like it. If not, just return it for a full refund. Why you get that, you ask? Well, you go to privateinternetaccess.com slash between the sheets and try out the best damn VP on the planet completely risk-free. All right, next week on Between the Sheets, we'll go back to 1996. We won't have a guest next week, but we will have a fun, fun show as we'll be discussing uh, Bret Hart. And uh, he's made his final decision. Is it WCW? Is it WWF? Well, he kind of gives it away in the Calgary Sun and his column there. So we'll have that. And we'll have all sorts of other uh, WF uh, news and views and stuff going on there. Then we have um, some big shows in all Japan to talk about. New Japan starting their super great tag league tour. We got that. We got uh, we got Lucha stuff. Conan and Antonio Pena have, having their big breakup officially. So we'll talk about that. Um, oh, is this the Conan press conference? Um, I'm not looking at it right now, top of my head, but this is just the split. I mean, is this uh, Conan doing a press conference and having I don't know a claim? Okay, no, 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 no. It's no press conference. Okay, so it's this, just them splitting. This is the very beginning. Okay, it's their official split. Yes. Um. We got all sorts of indie stuff, including Jerry Lawler being very pissed at Nitro's in Memphis, among other things. And then we have uh, WCW where Nitro is in Memphis. So we'll have news on that. Plus, we'll have news on the contract status of Randy Savage and Sting. And could Randy Savage be making a return to WWF? Well, we'll talk about that more next week on Between the Sheets. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Zellner, K-R-I-S-Z-E-L-N-E-R. I don't know why I still say Twitter. It's X, but whatever. You know. Well, or, or as most style guides have been calling it lately, X, the app formerly known as Twitter. Yes. Um, you follow Bix at David Bix. Show proper at BT She's Pod. And uh, Bix, this show drops on Monday, 
the uh, ninth. We will have the next night NXT and Dynamite going head to head because of playoff baseball being on a TBS on Wednesday, moving Dynamite to Tuesday. And uh, they'll be going head to head with playoff baseball on uh, ESPN. But uh, I think it's ESPN. ESPN or Fox. Maybe Fox. Um, it's one of them. But uh, yeah. It's going to be an interesting deal. Uh, WE got off the, you know, with the first strikes of announcing uh, such luminaries as John Cena and Paul Heyman and uh, Cody. Guys like Cody, guys like that for uh, NXT. And then uh, Tony Khan and, and AEW announced Title Tuesday. They're going to have a, some title matches and some, you know, big, big matches on the show and such. Adam Copeland's first match in AW, it's Luchasaurus on that show. So both shows are loading up for this Tuesday night, going head to head with each other. But the thing is, is baseball's probably going to beat them both out. <laughs> so it's kind of like we're having a pissing contest against each other. But in the end, who really wins? You know, I get it. NXT's, I mean, that's their normal night anyway. Um, and they don't, and they don't want to have AEW show up on Tuesday night and possibly beat them if they not try to put a full force effort out there to to go against that competition. And AEW, you know, going to a different night and they're going to be head to head against NXT. Of course, they're going to load up too. So you know, I see. I see both sides of it here of uh, why they're doing what they're doing. But again, you have the competition to play out baseball going on. Um, so it's kind of like, why, why are we doing all this? But I mean, it, it's just, it's just how competition works. And, uh, it, you know, it's like Dave Meltzer said on Twitter. I mean, if, if you don't think WWE doesn't view AEW's competition, then you're wrong. And Nick Khan has come out and said, anyway, they view all entertainment as competition. So, I mean, Vince has literally always said that. Yeah. And, 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 and Nick has, you know, been preaching that lately too. So what are your thoughts on how all this is playing out so far? As far as what? Them, what they're doing to combat each other with these lineups and, and stuff. I mean, it doesn't really matter in any real way. It's one week. It's pride. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's pride between these two promotions and they want to have that head to head victory over the other. Now, here's the thing that I'm interested in when you think else. What if either Raw or SmackDown ends up on Wednesday night? In the new TV rights negotiations, I guess, I guess Donna might possibly head didn't, to head. Didn't everybody. they already say that SmackDown's going to stay on Fridays? Well, then be, be raw then, because that's being talked about. You know, to I get know. them off a, a Monday to go, you know, to get off the NFL. So, yeah, that could be uh, it. Could be something if we get a full a full force competition again every week, but. Uh, yeah, it's just going to be like one of those throwbacks to the old days, so to speak. You know, where you got uh, the two shows on television going head to head. Because I'm not counting any time they have a uh, big show against a regular TV show, like, you know, Saturday nights or something right. like that. But, uh, 
But yeah, I mean, um, it's it's interesting to watch the the pissing contest here between folks. Yeah, and they've got a look. AEW's got a loaded show. They've got okay. So what is it? They've got Adam Page, Jay White, Jericho, Will Hobbs, uh, Danielson, Swerve, number one contender for TNT title, uh, Mox Phoenix rematch. Is there one more? Oh, and Sheeta versus Soraya, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's I mean that's a fairly loaded show. Jesus, certainly loaded compared to this last dynamite. Wow. <laughs> it, it, the less said, the better on that. But uh, well, the opener was good. And then NXT, I mean, you got this stuff going on there. Uh, Carmelo against Brumbreaker. Probably, probably for the last time, maybe in NXT with Cena and Heyman in the court. I'm thinking something's going to be going on here because both mm-hmm. these guys kind of need to leave and go go up. Yeah. So maybe one or both of them will go up. I don't know. And um, what else is on that damn show? Hell, I can't even remember now. Becky against uh, Lyra Vakiria. Um. God, what else am I missing? Is Elia defending on that show? I think they've only announced women's title. They've announced, what is it, Asuka versus Roxanne Perez. And was that it? Oh, and, and the other and the one men's match you mentioned. Yeah. That's what they've announced match-wise. Um, they haven't announced a Becky match or anything. <laughs> yeah, they have. They're a Kyria. Oh, sorry, you just said that. Sorry, brain fart. Because I, I was thinking, I was starting to think about the the injury and stuff again. But anyway, Oscar, um, Oscar, and you're not listening either. Because I just said Oscar and Roxanne. I know. Well, see, we just canceled each other out. Anyway, I don't know. I just saw Oscar in the picture. That's why it came to my mind. But yeah, that's all they really announced. And Cody, I'm pretty positive that announcement's going to be the Dusty Cup. Yeah, make, I mean that—that's what makes the most sense. Did they do one last year? Um, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't the Creeds? Or was that 2021? No, they did one in 2022. Okay, it was the Creeds. What did they have and Cody then, do stuff with it? Uh, and then Kaylee Ray and EO won the female version. Wow, I totally forgot about that. And um, in March, as it was okay. It was early last year. Kaylee Ray and EO, uh, yeah, they won that, and the Creeds beat uh, Imperium. So, um, so there. Okay. But anyway, they used to do it in February and March. That's the thing. They used to do it earlier in the year. The last time they'd done it this late was in 2016. Hmm. Was an Authors of Pain one. Who's supposed to be coming back? So. Apparently they've been signed forever. They're supposed to come back. Yellow Ring's been hanging around, so they may be making their return into Dusty. So we will see. But yeah, it's going to be like the old days again, I guess, where we have a competing TV show. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yes, and uh, oh, and I did put out uh, the article I kind of teased Dish last week about uh, more Riddle bullshit. 
So did you actually get to read this yet? Or, I mean, you I told you, off air you knew what it was, but did you get to read it yet? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I haven't read about it. I go about what you told me, so. Yeah, it's, it's on my Substack, babyfacedheel.com, and it's just, there, the short version, during speaking out, it got deleted fairly quickly, so people didn't really remember it. Thunder Kitty had tweeted that, um, tweeted about witnessing Riddle basically have a veteran woman wrestler get in his face because he went into the women's locker room to change, started changing, and refused to leave and got belligerent about it. Um, I ended up being chipped off to where it probably happened and then who the vet probably was and all that came together. And it was Malia Hosaka, who, because she is semi-retired and doesn't give a fuck, uh, you know, just on the record confirmed that that's what happened. And then Riddle's version was completely different from what everyone else said in every way, which people can see if they read the article. So there's a little more from that, but yeah, that's where that stands right now. And then, yeah, after we recorded last time was the, uh, the initial airport video that a fan took coming out on TMZ. So I, I, I don't know. It, like any, any, like if there's a police video, it's going to come out before he's free to sign anywhere. So assuming it looks like what everyone expects it to look like, I, I, I don't know who, who in the U S signs him. Uh, we'll see. Because it's like, even if the, even if you set all, all this other stuff aside, like, with not saying it's not serious, because obviously it is, it's like, there's still so much that it just, I just, he just doesn't seem worth the investment to anyone. Yeah. But anyway, enough of that. Let's, uh, let's get back to the rest of the show. All right, let's go to Mexico now in a short Lucha section here, as we don't have any AAA this week. And we don't have Keith for this section either. Well, no. Uh, but we do have CMLL to start out with. Io Dos Santos now out of action, apparently needing rest, as a legitimate being so banged up. With so, with most top Mexican draws out of the country with WCW, Santos the most in-demand wrestler in the country. On October the 4th, Santos notified all promoters in Mexico that he's too injured to wrestle. His claim is, and this part is basically an angle, is he injured his shoulder and back in a muscular contra muscular match on September 27th. In Juarez, beating Gasset the Ring, upping his record to 52 and 0 in mass matches. Dave gets the auto challenge, Oscar de la Hoya, Hoyce Gracie, Bill Goldberg, and Alexander Karelin, and put his mask up. Well, good luck with that. Uh, and they're claiming he suffered an ankle injury on October 2nd in Mexico while submitting to the Scorpion Deathlock of Bestia Savaje. Problem has an angle to heat up a Santo Savaje for you. However, for October Federico, they're advertising Santo Negro Casas and Atlantis against Pedro Scorpion Bestia Savaje. In event, although they are saying Santo will only wrestle if he obtains medical clearance. Plus, Emilia Chavez Jr. and the Headhunters will face off with El Barico, Enrique Santana, and Gran Marcos Jr. All right, so the fourth at Coliseo, and real, real quick, all right, so we'll talk about Santo because we're going to have that night show, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it then. Um, a forfeit in Coliseo, you got Fierro in Inimigo Publico, beating Ajo de Plata and Sombra de Plata, Fugaz in Heque over uh, La Flecha and Mano Negro Jr., Mirko Roca, Io de Gladiador, and Muguer over Superkendo, Kid Guzman, and Ultraman Jr., 
Obarico, Gonamarcus Jr., Enrique Santana, over Brother de Oro, Mr. Aguila, and Pantera. And Brother de Plata leads Mark and Tenebus Jr. over Palo Dantes, Ciancaras, and Viana Tercero by disqualification. Then we go to the sixth at uh, Arena Coliseo, the Tuesday TV taping. We have La Flecha and Pegaso over Inimigo Público and Sangre Azteca. Guerrero de Futuro and Heke over Mano Negro Jr. and Olympus. Atlantico and Super Kendo and Zendero defeated Dr. O'Borman Jr. the future Dr. X. Rico Latino and Baladin Mayo. Brother de Oro, Rico Mendoza, Antonio Rivera over Black Warrior, Carlos Vagari Jr. and Violencia. And Apollo Dante, Cien Caras, and Dr. Biden Jr. over Brother de Plata, Orrelesco Jr. and Tenebus Jr. And then we get to October the 9th and Remake Oh, so we're just going to save the discussion for what? After this or after all the results? Yeah, because okay. we got the results. All right, so Bessie Savage, Scorpio Jr., and Petoff defeated Negro Casas, Io de Santo, and Atlantis in straight falls by DQ in the second fall. Santo was all taped up to sell his injuries. The story of the match of Santo was selling his back, which the, which the Rudos work over. Negro Casas took a bad bump and was rendered useless. However, the Technicos made a big comeback in the second fall until Santo accidentally hit Casas with a tope with Scorpio move. The Rudos began working over Santo again until Acasas recovered and gave Savaje a low blow for the DQ. Although there were hints at the beginning of Acasas Rudo turn to continue his lifelong feud with Santo, although the present the two have turned out to be big drawn cards outside Mexico City as a tag team called Nuevo Pareja Atomico, the new atomic pair. The original atomic pair was Guerrero and El Santo in the 40s, 50s, and in the 90s, Santo and Eddie Guerrero wrestled as the new atomic pair before Eddie turned on the former tag team with Love Machine. And the results of Rima Mexico, Brandon and Kid Guzman over Chicago Express in the opener, and Muguer, Solar, Ultraman Jr., and Yoshir Tajiri defeated Arcana de la Muerte, Ia de Gladiador, and Zumbi, 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 Dowski, Zumbido. Ocorneo Jr., Satanico, Viano Tercero over La Fiera, Olimpico, and Tigre Blanco. El Barico, Gran Marcos Jr., Enrique Santana over Emilio Chavez Jr., and the Headhunters. And then Best of Ahe Petoff and Scorpio Jr. of Atlantis, Ilda Santo, and Negro Casas by disqualification. All right, so Santo is uh, doing this injury angle here and trying to heat up a deal with Savaje. All part of a tag feud with Savaje and Scorpio gets Santo at Casas. Um, a slight tease, uh, maybe a Casas Rudo turn, which doesn't happen. But uh, I mean, it ends yeah, up this... being Santos shifting back to babyface to Technica. Well, he's already there. I thought you were sorry. I misread. Okay, I misread that. Then I thought it was saying that Santos was still Rudo, and that Casas. No, was... yeah. Okay, gotcha. But anyway, so um, so here we go. Um, this feud here is was um, a real hot feud here as '98 ends going in '99. Some really great uh, tag matches. A Puestas match is coming. So, uh, yeah, a hell of a damn feud with uh, Safahe and Scorpio against Santo and Casas. Yes, and it's I mean, it's basically the beginning of the Santo Casas tag team, right? Well, that's already started. You know yeah. what I mean? This this period is, yes. Yes. And, you know, after being enemies for over a decade, they start teaming semi-regularly and as much of a big a deal it was at the time for the next few years i feel like when we talk about both guys legacies these days we don't really talk about it anymore but that that team was fantastic 
Yeah, they um, yeah, the matches they had. They were were like Lawler Dundee, where you know they were um, they had been the rivals, but then when they became the tag team, they were like the most dominant tag team in the territory. You know, but unlike Lawler Dundee, unlike Lawler Dundee, though Santa Casas really never broke apart. When they started teaming here, I mean that was it. They never feuded again. Nope, never. Nope. <laughs> Great matches with uh, Ultimo Guerrero and Rebook and Arrow in particular. Yeah, coming up in a few years. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, good stuff here. IWRG Arena Nakapan on the fourth. We have Arcado and Fantasy with Maligno and El Mercurio. Bracito de Oro, Mini Crazy Boy, and Pequeño Coaches over Dragoncito de Oro, Mini Electra, and Mini Conan. Guardia, Oficial, and Vigilante over General, Mega, and Miki Segura. Okondo Jamil, Starboy, and Yasushi Kanda over Dr. Cerebro, El Perdecor, and Shima Nobunaga by disqualification. And then an IWRG Intercontinental Middleweight title match, Mr. Niebla. This would be... Uh, Mr. Mr. Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. IWRG, Mr. Niebla, defeated Magnum Tokyo to become the new champion. It's too bad that we don't really have much 98 IWRG or that there's even much floating around that I know of because this looks like a really good show. Yeah. Um, here's to hoping that they have the footage and might post it on YouTube or on uh, good luck with that. their Plex channel or whatever. I mean, because... What's the oldest stuff they've posted on those classic shows? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, you didn't know that? They've been doing classic shows on YouTube, and they also, at least, with the they have the they put the newer stuff also on. Oh, I forget. There's a Spanish combat sports channel that's that's on Plex that has IWRG and AULL shows. That's first I've heard of that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would love to see. There's a lot of interesting stuff. I'm trying to remember if I've ever seen Conda in Mexico. I've seen a lot of the others in Mexico. I'm not sure I've ever seen him there doing straight lucha. Which which is interesting on paper because he, of that original crew of Torimon guys, he probably had the most... He didn't work in American style, but he definitely worked the most, like, Americanized style of the guys there. Yeah. So I'd be curious to see what he looks like as a rookie or relative rookie in Mexico. And this is also the era where people would... There were people that would claim that there was an English version of this airing occasionally late night on American ESPN2. But did that turn out to be bullshit? No, no. That was people confusing it with being on ESPN2 Mexico with our ESPN2. Yeah, it never aired on ESPN2. It has had it aired on Mexican ESPN two with the graphics. Oh yeah, that's a that's the other thing, by the way, with the YouTube channel. I don't know if this is a thing they have to do contractually or what. They they badly blur out the ESPN two graphics on YouTube because you know they had like the sports style ESPN graphics, counting the falls and Rudo team, Technico team, or if it was a uh, Stone Brothers. And Super Colo, uh Trios Match Technirudos. But they blur out the SPN uh, imaging for whatever reason. Well, I guess they have to, because copyrights. I don't know if they have to, though, because, like, 
It's ESPN. Uh, no, but like, think about all that. Like, you've seen the stuff that I don't know if it's airing anywhere as much, but like the stuff that CSI Sports owned, you know, Wide World of Fights and all that. Like, they would never have to edit out edit out the ESPN graphics on that stuff. Well, maybe they're doing it on their own volition. I can see it being a paranoia thing. Yes. But anyway. I just noticed I got the wrong results uh, pasted in this spot. I'm about to read next. Let me go find the right one. <laughs> hey, it happens sometimes. Well, in the meantime, <laughs> as you do that, um, scrolling back up at the CMLL results. So is the Fletcher here, Skyda, or is it a different Fletcher? Uh, I think that's a different one. Okay. Uh, Kid Guzman is Terry Blanco. Who's Ultraman Jr. here? Ultraman Jr. I don't remember <laughs> Ultraman Jr. I'm trying to... Th- but who else was Ultraman Jr.? Um... As far as I know, there's only one. Is that the only gimmick he had? Yeah, okay, it is. Oh, he's... Yeah, he's... He's the... Okay, he's the shoot son of, Ult- of 80s Ultraman. Okay. Alright, I found the uh, the right one here. Hold on just a yeah. second. And also, oh, I did check. I didn't count all the way. I counted from this match being 52. Uh, if, Lucha, if that and Lucha Wiki are accurate, then Santo has had 69 Apuestas matches. Alright, so now we're going to go to Promo Azteca. Where they had, at this point in time, they're just basically a satellite CML deal, and um, they had a show at. Uh, well, what do you mean? Def- what that the uh, WCW guys aren't really stopping over much. Once I read these results, you'll understand what I'm talking about. They had a show at the Palenite de la Feria de Aguas Calientes on October the seventh. We have Flor Metallica and Princesa Blanca over Amapola and La Diabolica. Agente Yo de Diablo, Mr. Crimin over Angel de los Niños, Gallo Boy, and Salcero. Mascara Sagrada, Oriental, and Tajiri over Felino, Virus, and Zumbido. And then our main event, Yoda Santo Negro Casas teaming up, defeating Fuzzle and Scorpio Jr. by disqualification. Okay, so, you threw me off for a second because you didn't paste that in the notes. But, but yeah, this is a, uh, a, basically a, a kind of a satellite deal. And you just, they're, they're a promo tech up but using. Locals and similar talent, basically, as uh, the deal here. Do they even so. have TV anymore? Um, probably. So what's airing on it? Because they're still they still have shows, uh, but it's just not much. Hmm. Um, hold on, let me. G- so, like, if a promo is Tekka show, like there was only uh, like three. In '98, in the October '98, that were the the Citus promo ticket shows proper, and then you go to November, there's only two. So they, you know, they may not have TV anymore. But at that point, are they really still promo Azteca? Then probably not. But it's just got the name. <laughs> it's a name, you know. It's ICW with you know in the Jarrett years when when you know they're Jarrett's satellite <laughs> <Yeah>. basically. <laughs> That's what it is. Who plays the role of Elizabeth airing the same wraparound on the TV every week? Uh, Processor Blanc, I guess. I don't know. All right, let's go to the indie scene now. Northeast Wrestling. 
ran on October 4th in Terryville, Connecticut, in front of 1,275 fans in a match where Sid Vicious beat John Diamond to win the Groot's vacant title, and Jake the Snake Rogers beat King Kong Bundy. Sid's foe was scheduled to be champion Bam Bam Bigelow, but they announced Bigelow had taken a job as Vince McMahon's new bodyguard, and McMahon pulled him from doing the show, and he was stripped of the title. In actuality, he's working for ECW, and isn't going to WF. Chris and Tammy were also advertised on the show, but both were in George VCW as well. Eh? Amazing. I'm confused. They're just coming up with a bullshit excuse to explain Bam Bam not being on the show. I mean, wouldn't they know that they couldn't work this show, that they're working in Georgia for ECW? I don't know. Weird. John Diamond. Yeah, and at least on Cage Ranch, there's no listing for this show. Yeah. Here you go, Northeast Wrestling, even 25 years ago, drawing big crowds. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, Long Island Rest Federation ran a Junkyard Dogmore show on October 10th at Elks Lodge in Queens. Same building ECW runs. And drew 600 fans, roughly the same as ECW did in the same building for the last show, using Tito Santana, Demolition Axe, King Kong Bundy, George Animal Steel, Jimmy Snooker, and Johnny Valiant as the headliners. No results on the results websites. So. No. Um, this was on the award-winning High Spots Wrestling Network before it was shuttered uh, a month or so ago. So, But I would have to check what the uh, match list would be for this. But yes, this is LAWF, uh, you know, Doghouse Wrestling School, and this is where, and this is where Homicide came up. This is where I Lord found Lord results. Was. Oh, you did? Okay, good. Where did you find them? In the Observer. Oh. <laughs> I uh, missed it in the results section. Okay, yeah. Yes. So, six hundred fans. We got Kodiak Bear and Cousin Luke beat Mister Puerto Rico and Gino Caruso. Well, okay, okay. <laughs> repeat that, please. Kodiak Bear and Cousin Luke beat Mr. Puerto Rico and Gino Caruso. Is there a more New York indie match than that that could ever happen? <laughs> it, it needs like a Frank Sinatra's New York, New York playing in the background like um, Natural Born Killers played for uh, New Jack. I mean, I guess it would need to be a trios match with Bodyguard for Hire and who would the other one be? Who, who, Ooh, would, you, who would you add to make the six? Ugh. I don't know. Because we had Gino Caruso, Kodiak Bear. Uh... Oh, God, I feel like there's got to be someone no obvious. I'm forgetting here. Johnny Rods? I don't know. <laughs> That's what, well, no, he's too old. Well, let's continue. Maybe we'll have some uh, other options. Uh, Jimmy Snooker over the Spanish Angel. Oh, there's one. Kid, US, Kid USA Armand o- over Nikolai Volkov. Not to be Might confused well. with the other Kid USA. That's why he's referred to as Kid USA Armand. <laughs> Lucifer over Skull Von Crush. George Animal Steel over Johnny Valiant. This this can't be right. The new Dynamite Kid over Homicide. Um, I mean Homicide's not really a name yet, and he's also not necessarily good yet, so Wow. King Kong Bunny over Tower of Torture by disqualification. Tino Santana over Demolition Axe by DQ. And Gold Bald and Mongo Love won a Four Corners tag match. Who? Gold Bald, 
as some Goldberg type ripoff gimmick or something? Jesus I Christ. suppose so. Lord have mercy. I'm pulling up where I have the file saved. Just to, I mean, I'm not going to play it with the sound, but oh, I, I, I found another candidate. Who? Uh, Rick Ratchet. Does he ever really wrestle much on the New York side, though? I'm seeing him wrestle a Nutley, New Jersey uh, show here. Judas Young is another one that could uh, go in that mix. Again, I think a Judas Young is being more like... Kevin Knight. Too cocky Kevin Knight, not to be confused with the current Kevin Knight. Yes. So there's there's options. But anyway. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... these schmucks? <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Oh, wait. We have a Mr. Puerto Rico promo. <laughs> Thankfully, they cut that off on the video, and we did not have to keep Soto there. Good Lord of mercy. I do do like how some the hard cam is a different side of the is the other side of the Elks Lodge. So we see the stairs and stuff. Oh, yeah. And if you've never seen Kodiak Bear before, (laughs) he looked exactly (laughs) like you would think he would look like. Yes. And he's dancing a jig. And the hillbilly cousin Luke does not give a fuck and is not wearing uh, overalls. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, what what shit indie wrestling we had back then? <laughs> now, heard, wait, was, which one? Which one is cousin Luke? The one the white shirt, big. No, no, no. Which which? Uh, what other names was cousin Luke? The Mongol. Uh, cousin Gene, Luke is Gene Lewis. Gene Lewis, the Mongol. Right, yeah. cousin Junior's Lanny Keane, right? Yes. Hey, this shit drew more than what a lot of the Northeast Indies does today. Yeah. What's that say? I All mean, right. It's billed as the Junkyard Dog Memorial Show, though. Well. I have no right, idea if they were getting money for raising money for the family or what, or if they just called it that, but. The NWA's 50th anniversary weekend, which includes a wrestler show, fan convention, Confire Alley Club banquet, and even seminars for the various NWA promoters to trade ideas, will take place on October 24th in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And it includes Jim Cornette, Yokozuna, Abdul the Butcher, Missy Hyatt, Stevie Richards, Todd Gordon, Doug Gilbert, Barry Wyndham, Tully Blanchard, Dan Severn, Holly Race, Killer Kowalski, and Freddie Blassie. This is not specifically a dance loser promotion, but an event in which all the different NWA promoters from around North America will be co-promoting, each sending in their own talent under the proviso that anyone sent in has to do whatever finish they are given as a way to get different small promotions to open up working relations with each other. Blast has been added to the list of those we in honor. Jim Ross will be presenting an award to Gordon Soley. Scorpio will replace Al Snow on the card in a cage match with Hot Stuff International. Steve Richards, Tuco Scorpio, the Pitbulls, and Todd Gordon. Against Doug Gilbert, Lance Diamond, Steve Carino, Rick Ratchet, and Dennis Corluzzo. They've initially canceled Dan Severn appearing due to the angle they're running with him, but have changed their mind as they're bringing him back to TV earlier than they originally planned, so he'll be working against doctor's orders. NWA President Howard Brody did try and work an angle with ECW, but the sides couldn't come to an agreement. Brody offered them a Severn Shane Douglas title versus title match on pay per view, with Douglas going over on the proviso that Douglas dropped the strap back three months later. Although that one had to be on the ECW pay-per-view if you 
AEW pay-per-view. If you think about history, it's almost hard to stop laughing about that one. Brody's feeling is that the heat isn't between ECW and NWA. It's ECW and Dez Corluzzo, and although Corluzzo was against working with ECW, he wanted open relations. Heyman asked them to strip Severin of the title and have Brody present Taz as an NWA champion, which would replace the FTW belt and give it some sort of legitimacy, whatever that means. So to play a March preview match against Douglas would be title versus title, which Brody turned down. Well, let's talk about this, shall we? And let's go to a letter to the Observer. How many weeks later is this? Uh, the next week. Okay. Before I'm lambasted by those at ECW, I want to make a couple of corrections to your news item regarding the ECW angle. There was apparently some confusion in our recent conversation. Earlier this year, I posed several online challenges to Paul Heyman. The ECW sent a representative, preferably Shane Douglas, to wrestle Dan Severn at our 50th anniversary show. So you can pin whatever, whoever it was they, that they sent to a pretzel. I did so for several reasons. One, because I knew you said we would probably never respond. Two, if they did, I thought a Severn-Douglas contest would draw us as the show was near their home base. If he would be curious as to whether it would be a work or not. And three, because ECW began re-airing the angle where Douglas trashed the NBA title belt, which really pissed me off. While the challenge started out as a shoot, I began thinking if I turned up the steam online, I could force Paul Heyman into an angle as ECW is very in tune with the internet community. You have to also bear in mind that this idea was coming at about a time when WF was pretty much facing the NWA name Alpha Television, so I was looking for a hook for the organization. I made some inquiries and eventually put it to ask. However, nowhere in our conversations did it come up that Dan was going to put Shane over. First off, I don't think he would. Second, neither I nor anyone else on our board would want to strap on Shane. We did talk about a deal with Dan and Taz feuding, with one idea being that Taz would take the title with a controversial finish and then drop it back three months later in a similar fashion. He'd feud with Shane in between those two matches, which is a title versus title preview match. Bear in mind, even though I was negotiating, I would still have to get three-fifths board approval to make it happen. It didn't matter anyway. From what I was told, Heyman didn't want to do it the way I suggested because he didn't want to commit to something that had a provision built in like that. So when we couldn't agree, we both decided to leave as it is and walk away with the door open. It should be noted that nowhere along the line was the FTW title going to be either trashed or replaced, but rather it would be just another title that Taz would have. That was really it until I got a call a few weeks later from Taz, who said Heyman had an idea for me and another representative of the NWA, who could be anyone but Dennis Corluzzo, to come to the ECW arena and award Taz with the new FTW belt. Basically, the angle would be that we, the NWA, recognize Taz because we represent a more traditional style of wrestling, and we could relate to a champion not recognized by a group, since Severin at the time wasn't being recognized as the NWA champion by the WF. When I asked what benefit we would get out of it, the answer was exposure on their TV show. I didn't like it, so I begged off the idea. That's when the suggestion came regarding stripping down the title and giving it to Taz. Again, I asked what was the benefit. The answer was the same, so again, I begged off. I felt in order to make anything work with ECW, there had to be some kind of reciprocal return for our organization, and also we would never think of stripping Dan of the title unless he gave, ju- gave us just cause. In the case of Dan, there is none. Here's a guy who went to bat for us when the NWA angle and WF was dead to convince him to allow him to wear the NWA belt to the ring again. He's a standout guy that's done nothing but right by our organization. When the local promoters ask for him and he's available, he goes all across North America and works. He's not full of himself. Everyone who's ever worked with Dan will say he's 100% business and it's a pleasure to deal with. It's true that while it was initially my idea to try and work an angle with UCW, I only wanted to do it if it made sense for both organizations, not just theirs. I didn't see it as such, and that's how it ended. Signed Howard Brody, NWA president, Tampa, Florida. Hmm. I understand where Howard Brody's coming from here, but 
you also got to look at this too and say, okay, this is going to get us exposure. We're going to have possibly some access here to people that we wouldn't normally have access to. So I think it was a risk worth taking. What do you think? Potentially, but you have to remember, this is a booming NWA. This is after the membership suddenly blew up after the Raw appearances. Yeah. So probably not as desperate as they'd be at other times. Yeah. So I can see not necessarily wanting to do it. Yeah. It's pros and cons. Plus also there's the question of how much have they been talking with Anoki about the belt. There's that too. That can be a yeah. part of this too. Uh, yes. Not saying. Yeah. And by the way, okay, from checking the video, New Dynamite Kid beats Homicide after Loki interferes. Well, how about that? Yes, and Homicide actually is pretty good at this point. He, based on things I had heard about him not being good yet, um, I was expecting much worse. No, he's actually pretty good. Like you can, he gets better, and because he hasn't met Manny Fernandez yet, he's not doing the Manny Fernandez footwork yet. But you can see the talent and stuff. He's far from bad. Yeah. And New Dynamite Kid is New Dynamite Kid. Of course. Border Patrol regained NBA tag titles being Barry Wynn and Tony Blanchard on October 10th at Cameron, North Carolina before 240 fans for NBA All-Star Wrestling. Apparently this was done because of the belief that Wyndham and or Tully wouldn't be available much longer because one or both would be WCW bound. Well, it was Wyndham. One Tully. Tully was supposed to go to WCW and didn't? I'm shocked. Well, we, I mean, we talked about that in WCW earlier that he was being talked about being part of the, the new Horseman deal. Mm-hmm. So, Christian Cage of WF beat Julio Sanchez when the Pennsylvania Championship Wrestling Talk for 512 fans on October 10th in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Also on the show from the WF were Bart Gunn, Tuco Scorpio, and Andrew Martin. Show took place at Owen J. Roberts High School in Pottstown. We have Elvin Soul and Jack Soul. Over Rick Silver and Sweet Mr. E. Jesus Christ. Jack and Elvin Soul. <laughs> Jack yes. and Elvin Soul. Yes. Jake and Elwood. Chris Kruger over Tommy Golden. Mike Wackabush over Mr. Ulala. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Christian over Sanchez win the title. Bart Gunn over Judd the Stud. There we go. That's a name we haven't had on here in a while. And Bart Gunn over Lance Diamond. Il Fuego be Andrew Martin by disqualification. Glenn Osborne won a battle royal. And Tuco Scorpio be Ace Darling. Uh, Yeah, that's a PCW show. (laughs) Also, isn't Christian Cage also the ECWA champion? Yeah, well, there's a lot of similarities here. And he's about to, and he's going to be stripped of the title. He never loses it because he goes to WWF. I'm guessing the yeah. same thing happens here because he's only just started in the WWF and was probably booked on this before he was called up to TV. Yes. Which is the other thing we should know, too. At this point, a developmental deal is just what basically what the UK deals were originally, just less money. Um, you're getting paid a stipend while you work indies. Yeah, and it's only now with Power Pro that that's really changing, you know, in the coming weeks. But not everyone gets into Power Pro. No. 
Speaking of, Papa Wrestling on October 10th, Memphis was built around Jerry Lawler versus Road Warrior Hawk TV Street Fight match. Both Hawk and Sid were being advertised on a number of air spot shows. So Day guessed ideas for Hawk to work his way back in the shape here. The October 3rd TV show did a whopping 10 rating locally. Then that's a handicap match TV with Brandon Baxter and Stacy against Randy Hales. Baxter told Stacy that Hales was completely nuts and asked her not to do the match. Stacy said, no way, because she wanted a piece of him. Vicious, after winning his four matches on the Mid-South Coliseum show on the third, which drew only 600 fans after topping 2,000 on two previous shows, by virtue of the deal signed a contract with PowerPro, man were stipulations that he forfeited $50,000 in Monopoly money if he ever physically attacked Hales, <laughs> and that he needed to get five counts and not three counts to win matches. Sid said he agreed to the terms because he thrives on adversity. And Lawler and Hawking in the no contest, and everyone in the card ended up running in. So Is there's your the Lawler Hawk stuff that's on YouTube? Um, I don't know if I mean, the if it promo is, is still up there, though. That's what I'm trying to find. I mean, this is a street fight, but I don't know what's on the show because the show's not up. There's videos up on a certain channel, but I don't know it's the time, so I can't really say. You mean a certain convicted right. pedophile's channel? Yes. Yes. All Pro Wrestling. Return to the large garage, San Jose on October 9th. Saw Chris Ward over Donovan Morgan. Chicano Flames 2 and 3 over Chris Ward and Boom Boom Kamini. Aaron O'Grady and Frank Murdoch went to a no contest with Rick Turner and Jason C. Clay. Vinny Massaro over Boyce Legrand. Robert Thompson over Tony Jones. Michael Modest over Jimmy Rip. Christopher Daniels over Suicide Kid. And Max Justice retained the Universal Heavyweight title, beating Vic Grimes by disqualification. So... There's your APW show here, and you I mean got all the familiar names here. So yeah, and some about well, to be leaving. Yeah, farewell yeah, about to Grimes leaving. and O'Grady, presumably and, almost. And, and Daniels was probably you know as well in a way. Well, Daniels so. doesn't move. I mean, Daniels. <sighs> Daniels doesn't sign. Oh. I know, but he's getting out there more. Yeah. So. Yeah. And wait, Suicide Kid in APW is who? Oh, uh, Suicide Kid. Not the one not even himself, of course. But but that's not, it's not Mikey Henderson or anyone like that. No. Okay. Wasn't Mikey Henderson Suicide Kid, too? No, I don't think so. I'm double-checking. Yeah, he was Suicide Kid. But is he the Suicide Kid in Northern California? No. <laughs> you sure? I'm pretty positive on that. No, oh, I'm wrong. So there you go. Yeah, it's him. Okay, so he's working both sides of the state. Okay. He works Ohio Valley Wrestling. He works. He works for quite a few different promotions in '98. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Good wrestler, just probably didn't have the right timing. No. Well, let's go to Extreme Championship Wrestling now. And their October 10th show at East Bay Arena, which was expected to shoot some major angles for the pay-per-view, was said to be a real good show, but without many surprises. The show drew a set of about 1,600. Oh, oh come on! Well, uh, finish the <laughs> sentence. And was said to have been the first show in a long time where they actually had to turn people away at the door. Okay. <laughs> one thing when they were adding new bleachers and stuff i get that 
you're building on whatever the previous sellout number was or whatever. So it's like, okay, in parts in 94 and 95 and early 96, I can get the number expanded. What are we doing here? Keith, did you ever make it to an arena show? Uh, this was actually, funny enough, this was the first ECW arena show that I ever went to. It was something where oh, really? the the summer previously, it was something where I was very, very, very curious to go out there. And I was trying to decide, do I go out? Do I go out? I decided not to go out. And of course, that was the famous Born to be Wired match. So Oops. I always had that regret hanging over the head. So it was something where, you know, I basically worked for another year. And then I was like, you know what? I want to go to an ECW arena show. Like, this is going to be my vacation. Like, I've been working now for two years. I'm going to sit there and go on a vacation. So we actually drove, uh, went to the show in Jersey the night before. And then this was the first time in the legendary ECW arena. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this is where the magic happens. So like it was uh, it was awesome. Like it was just, you know, I I think we stopped in Cleveland for an hour and a half to hang with some friends and then just drove and then spent the day in philly and then uh went uh, to the show in jersey and then went to the arena that night and that was the first of many times that i ended up going to the ecw arena and then eventually i would do stuff behind the scenes at that building and it was always something where like that ecw arena was like one of those buildings that just always was it was a goal for me like you know i always wanted to see a show in madison square garden in budokan hall at kurrigan hall and the ecw arena and i got all those all those taken care of so start erecting new buildings for me to travel to but yeah this was my first ecw arena show and you know the show was was very solid like i think it was highlighted by a really awesome tag team match the main event was just sort of there but uh it was it was very cool because basically myself and my friend uh, bill barlow who was on my podcast for a number of years with his megaphone croons we basically hung out at the ecw arena parking lot and guys would take pictures of us i remember just incredible sort of being like okay i'll do it for you quick but i don't want to get in trouble so you know (laughs) it was it was you know i saw bam bam and shane douglas uh walking to another area uh outside of the ecw arena by the dumpsters i wasn't sure what was going on there but no it was uh it was you know it was a fun fun show and also the cool thing was i had uh been getting my supplier of the ecw tv tapes was a uh mr ecw tom misnick who uh who had front row seats so basically i sat in the front row uh for my first ecw arena show so that was that was it was all it was a whole lot of fun it was wasn't like a blow away sorry gabe ecw show but it was it was for what it was it was it was really cool was there 1600 people in the building i would count it every single person because i knew probably <laughs> 25 years later i'd be on a podcast that goes 28 hours long to talk to you guys about it there was actually it was 16485 oh, but the okay. problem was the problem was they didn't take into account the wrestlers working the show and the number of our video t- videotapes they had there <laughs> So if you count in the videotapes and the workers, because you can, yeah, I mean, they, they, they attended the show. They're part of it. It's sold yeah. out. So, you know, they did. Thankfully they did not reject me because I had a ticket, but it was just something, it was just <laughs> something so surreal watching something for a number of years and then going in there and being like, oh, okay, this is, this is cool. You know, anyway, it, it seemed a lot more professional than the night before I forget where the, the arena was, but I was like, aren't they going to turn down the lights a little bit? Are the lights going to be <laughs> like, like this the whole time? Like, it just seems like this is just a place. So. 
Now, seriously, uh, though, as someone who's <laughs> been involved with indie wrestling promotion and production and is familiar with how a lot of indie venues are much smaller than they look on video, you know, Logan Square Auditorium among them, uh, like, what is your feel for what the real capacity of that building was? Like, the 900 oh, that was playing I mean, for, like, the bigger Jakar and CZW shows? At times, at times with the bleachers that were there, I could see they having a decent amount of people, but 1,600 seems pretty extravagant to me. So, uh, yes, very. <laughs> All right. Um, Danny Dorn beat Chris Chatty in your opener. While Bill Wiles was doing a heel timekeeper gimmick, and as Chatty had to match one, he ran the bell only five minutes. He claimed the 30-minute time limit had expired. See, that was great. Like, live, that was great because he was right – while Bill Wiles was right in front of us as this was going on. So it was sort of like, you know, like, oh, my God, the timekeeper has gone awry, which doesn't happen that often in pro wrestling. Sure, no. sure. Also, Dave has his name as Wild Bill Wilds. Yeah, well, yes. He hadn't perfected the character yet, Bex. Also, yeah, don't you love that at the same time we have, like, heel timekeeper, heel ref. We're going to get babyface ref opposite heel ref. Oh, no, no, excuse me. No, we have a heel ref. He's going to get replaced by another heel ref who's counteracted with a babyface ref. Yes. Uh, It was meant to knock and And, of course, Dr. Heath has worked for one of those two heel refs. Yes. Thanks for the one knock- he's worked for, not the other one. Yeah. <laughs> on the time of the draws for the TV title, Nitro, they go six minutes long. Doring wound up winning the match. Tommy Rogers beat Little Guido. Chris Candido beat Jerry Lynn in a good match, including a spot where they did a bulldog off the apron to a table. Lance Storm hit the ring and aimed for Candido, but ended up hitting Lynn with a weakest looking chair shot, which pretty much killed the deal since it was the finish. It is Lance Storm. It is. I mean, God damn it. Like, I just think of I think of the history of Lance Storm chair shots while safe. Still just better. Like, just no, just don't. Please. Uh, Mikey Whitbread came in for a run in the clean house. Lynn challenged Storm to a pay-per-view match. Somehow in all this, Tammy Sitch gave Mikey the Stone Cold Stunner and wound up with both Tammy and Whitbread as a wrestler for the pay-per-view match. Probably building three ways of having Whitbread after the pay-per-view. Also, Honey went to no contest with Masato Tanaka when the Dudleys attacked both guys. This led to a tag match with Tanaka and Balls beating the Dudleys. The latter was said to have been the best match at ECW Arena in a long time, and the entire two-match sequence was said to be the highlight of the show. It was so hot that even had the rest of the show had been bad, it would have been a good show just for that. I would agree. Like that was, it was awesome live. Cause I think, you know, cause they had done balls and Masato Tanaka before. And so they, it was a really quick version of the high spots that you would normally get in that match, i.e. them hitting each other with chairs. And then after one point, both the Dudleys came out and then it was on. So that's a, it was a very, I mean, that was very key. Like, you know, that was probably one of the better ECW matches coming out of that. He wave 98 pay-per-view till the end of the year. So yeah, it was, it was, it was, I remember that match. Absolutely loving that match. Like, it's real good. Yeah. Rob Van Dam beating Lance Storm to keep the TV title. The Tommy Dream and Justin Incredible match wound up with half the world interfering. And ended up with Spike Dudley pinning one man gang after an acid drop. Which makes, I mean, it's ECW. That makes total sense. Like, if this was WCW, we would say WCW, everybody. Yes. That's the shit that happened. New Jersey in the balcony, died through a table in that brawl. Of course he did. Main event was Bam Bam Bela versus Sabu, which is somewhat anticlimactic after the four previous bouts. 
Yeah, then the finish of that Bigelow was, was have Sabu in the air. Van Dam clipped Bigelow in the leg, and doing so dropped Sabu in the gradients from Asray Par. Similar to mention Oakland driver for the pin. Douglas, Candido, and Dudley's all attacked Sabu and Van Dam afterwards until Taz made the big save. New triple threat, baby. Yep. Raven was backstage at the show, but didn't don't read anything much into that. At least for another year. <laughs> he was just visiting friends. Yeah, just, just hang, hanging out. Just, uh, just hanging out, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> TV this past week aired Credible versus Balls, Tanaka versus Bubba from Dalton, Georgia. Yes, the carpet capital of the world. First match is, is okay. Yes, sure is. Uh, Mahoney's work was really improved. It's pretty impressive him doing splashes off the top, considering the pounding a guy that way takes on the knees doing that move. We had a correction results from last week as Tanaka actually beat Dudley after uh, Sabu and Van Dam put Dudley to a table and missed a ton of run-ins. Dudley sold great for Tanaka, and the bow had great heat once they did the same brain-killing, brace-cell-killing chair shot. Tanaka takes in every match. This is the only way they figured out they get fans behind him. Tanaka, though, still alive. Still wrestling. And, and coming to America. And looking, looking good. So it's we amazing. should celebrate Masato Tanaka, and we should celebrate the LWO. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. Again, it blows my mind. Like, of all the wrestlers of his generation, he's physically held up the best somehow. Yeah. yeah especially considering what... Uh... What considering those those chair shots, my God, yes, considering, but I mean, yeah, it, it's crazy. But he, I mean, yeah. he works hard. He, he moves yep. well. He looks good. He, whenever he does the U.S. Indies bookings, he gives a hundred percent. Like for someone that age, my God, like he has found the fountain of youth, and it's not repeatedly hitting, getting hit in the head with your chair. Oh, no. he still does some of that. Yeah, some. Well, you you can't do it all the time, though, Biggs. You got to play the hits. Yes. Yes. Give, it's give people what they head. want. <laughs> <laughs> Negotiation with WOR in New York have fallen through, so ECW isn't close to this point to getting a New York TV outlet, which we're with a pay-per-view coming, and New York being not only the largest market, but an ECW target market. So this every, is the era Every the, year. <laughs> every year, every week. It seems like we have an ECW and New York problem with television. I think this is the period where they start giving out tapes at the Queen shows, right? Yes, that could have been it, yeah. Yes. So, I guess this is... Because there was a period they were on both PXN and, and MSG. So, I'm trying to remember which has just ended. I guess it's PXN? But... I think they do return to MSG at some point. Which is... Yeah, as we talked about uh, in the past, most of that last run on MSG, they don't actually pay. MSG, anything. If we go by the bankruptcy, yeah. so I mean, they were supposed to. Yeah. You know that ECW bankruptcy. Sometimes it's like a fascinating look into how the business world works. You can just not pay pay a company that you have a deal with for like a year. Yeah. All right, uh, October 4th from Marietta before 2311 has some crowd enthusiasm. That was really high, when the sh- which made the show real good. There's a different crowd in Northeast regulars as they were more into the Bayface heel dynamics and wrestling, and there didn't be somewhat prevalent element at the Northeast arenas that are there largely for the blood and little else. Now, before this, to- this is a noun to the torch. Before his match, Bubba Ray Dudley inside the crowd to become extremely unruly. What? The crowd began throwing garbage. 
One reports that the low point of his spiel was calling a, a fan a black bastard. Oh, boy. Security had their hands full as guys were trying to jump the railing when Bubba took shots at their girlfriends. Beside the wrestlers, fans in the front row also pelted with cuss of soda. Bubba sprayed a mouthful of water into a fan's face. After about five minutes, the Bayfaces came out and promised the crowd if they stopped throwing stuff, they kicked the Dudley's asses. The wet rain didn't help Sabu and Van Am keep their balance during their high spots. When they tried to set up the new triple threat versus old triple threat confrontation, Douglas got pelted in the face with a cup of soda. So he left, which appeared to stop the angle before he could develop his plan. There was one big scene where a security guard changed punches with a fan in the crowd. That's the security guard jumped the railing. One eyewitness report said other security officers had to try and pry the security guard off the fan. Later during the main event, fights broke out in the crowd among the fans. Well, <laughs> you do this shit in Marietta, the Cobb County Civic Center, you better prepare for what, they, what you're going to get. So, well, if you uh, ever take a trip down to Cobb County, Georgia, uh, I'll stop <laughs> it from here. And I'm willing to bet that this was a college crowd, too, because uh, I'm pretty sure Kennesaw State folks came through. So, uh, which is right the road. So, yeah, add that, add that to it. Uh, Kevin Northcutt, a friend of the gangs, and Sammy Solo, a friend of Van Damme's, both worked in Marietta. Northcutt didn't look good. Solo was totally green, but appeared to have a martial arts background. And Kevin was a great athlete who didn't know how to do pro wrestling. What were the results of the show? Chris Chaddy over Danny That sounds like Dango Wynn, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Chris Chaddy over Danny Doring. Blue Mini and Nova over Roadkill and Northcutt. Bam Bam Bigelow over Conan Chris Walker. <laughs> sure. Jerry, Jerry Lynn over Mikey Whipwreck. Guido and Tracy over Tracy uh, over Tommy Rogers and Sammy Solo. Oh, God. Now I really hope that's Dango win. <laughs> Chris Candido and Tammy Lynn Sitch over Lance Storm and Tammy Lynn Bitch. Masada Talk over Balsahoney. Sabu and Van Damme over the Dudleys and Tactonomatch. Spike and Dudley, New Jack Cronus, and Tommy Dreamer over Just Incredible, Jack Victory, Rob Price, and One Man Gang. As your what last. a main event. Oh, yeah. So this definitely wasn't Russell Palooza 98, I can tell you that. No, you no. mean it was actually good? <laughs> <laughs> well, with all the fan uh, stuff, the, you know. This actually does sound like a fun show, though. Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't read too bad for that time period of ECW. How about Jack yeah. Victory main eventing before Carino even shows up? Yes. Nice spot. He's, he's part of that angle. Yeah. Steven Prazak of the Wrestling Observer Hotline was offered a job in the regular interview on the ECW TV show. And there's a good chance he'll start in late November after his wedding at the end of the month. And he does. And he never appears on TNN. No. He, even while TNN's on, going on, he is never on TNN. He is exclusively the lead interviewer on Hardcore TV. Mm-hmm. Does he appear on pay-per-views, though? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The other show of the week that Dr. Keefe attended was October 9th in Blackwood, New Jersey, before 750 fans are said to have been just another show. It was. So it, it, but it, was did just, it did have Masato Tanaka versus Balls Mahoney, though. So, so it, it was just another night, huh? Just and, another night with I'd you. I'd love to know, by the way, why they picked that one show in Glen Olden or wherever it was to do a home video of. <laughs> Just another night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ECW, like the the show I saw, was fine. Like it, it had a Jack Victory and John Kronos on my main, so I'll just leave it at that. And also, Bam Bam versus John Kronos. Is this got a war? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, awesome. it, it, here's the actual lineup from the Blackwood CYO. Uh, Tommy Rogers and the Hellraiser over FPI. That jobber, Chris Chaddy over Danny Doring. Chris Candido over Lance Storm. Just Incredible over Mikey Whipwreck. Matsuda Tanaka over Balls Mahoney. Bam Bam Bigelow over the Blue Meanie. Jack Victory over John Kronos. <laughs> and Delicious. yeah, and Sabu and RVD retain the tag titles over the Dudleys. Mike also is getting reconstructed surgery on both knees. I was in Atlanta saying he'd be out of action for about nine months. Speaking of once a year stories, Candido, Tammy, Van Damme, Incredible have all reportedly signed five year contracts. No! <laughs> no! And then there's this wonderful story. There's a big controversy regarding the PWI 500 and not ranking Supernova. Which, according to the false PWI, is the biggest controversy in the history of their annual rank. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> it's amazing people take that seriously. Since most serious fans have always taken those rankings more as comedy. But every year, not only fans, but even wrestlers who should know better, and know is spelled N-O, really do get upset, and egos of wrestlers really do get inflated based on their rankings. Even back then, folks. Doing a fair type 500 is impossible. They didn't say one couldn't do a better job than what was done, because a lot of people would have. Dave hasn't tried listening to 500 guys, but he assumed if, if he did, Nova would easily make the cut. And based on the guys he's seen that are on the list, Nova's better than tons of them, and probably better than just about all that are ranked b- below 300, including a few guys on the list that Dave's not even sure exists anymore, and some that can't even lay spooks. But his oversight was completely minor compared to so many others that they take the least seriously, and complaining about that one's also a joke. The single best work pro wrestling match Dave's seen this year was Kyoshi Tamra against Yoshi Kosaka, and neither of them's in the 500. Tamra's definitely one of the 10 best, and maybe the single best worker in the world right now, but it's penalized because they don't know how to handle his promotion, so they pretend it doesn't exist. Forgetting about oversights of Japanese and Mexicans, that could be understandable. How about Don Fry? American Mamilia is a good worker, but he's a Dan Severin from a work and charisma standpoint. He's a major star in Japan to the point he worked in the main event in the largest game in the history of the entire business just a few months ago. I mean, how can you even take it as anything but comedy? That's something that lists Booker T, DDP, Ken Shamrock, Chris Jericho by any standard in the top ten in the world. I can't think of a standard where Booker would make it, and he's been behind WCW giving him a bigger push this year. DDP based on his push, sure, but even his push, he's not top ten. And ability is nowhere close. Shamrock, sure, if these rankings were based on who would win matches, if it was real, he'd be top 10 and probably number one. That's a whole different ballgame. Jericho, if it's based on who does the funniest interviews, he'd be top three. But for push, he's not close. And for work, he may be top 30, but not top 10. How about Sting? Tatsumi Fujinami, Owen Hart, and Randy Savage in the top 20. Maybe it was 1988, but not 1998. Or Rob Van Dam at 14. Or Reckless Youth, Jeff Jarrett, Sabu, Hayabusa, Fit Finley, Chris Candido, and Dan Severin ahead of Shinya Shimoto by any standard of pro wrestling illogic. Okay. The thing Dave <laughs> leaves out here is that this all became a controversy because of Nova fetching about it online for weeks. Yes. Like, that's and, the reason. <laughs> and here's the thing. The 500 admittedly it's not about who is the best in the ring wrestler. No, it is a kayfabe list even now. What? Sorry. About yeah, exactly. uh, like win loss records and title wins and stuff. Well, it's not just it's not that as much as it's about um 
like who are the who are the impact players in wrestling mainly more than anything else um and i'm talking about just incredible and storm uh who are the people that are the have the highest profiles that's what a lot of that's about okay i'm trying to see if i can find when anything. i did when i when i was doing uh when i was part of that stuff years ago before i quit being part of it you know i still did rankings for them all the time um the reason I got out of it was because I sent a list in uh, for the Lucha candidates. And I was told that I need to change my list. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, we don't, we don't rank on workers. We rank on champions and profiles. Which in Mexico just becomes a whole Mexicas because of the way the titles are presented. But that's, and that's what I explained to them. So, but I still had to go by their rules. Yes. So I had, to, I had to submit a whole nother list, and that's why I quit being part of it. Yes. Um, I could it, be more loose. I could be more loose with my weekly rankings, mm. but uh, as far as five hundred, now you had to follow that criteria. Yes. Uh, now where where was Supernova in these rankings? No, he wasn't ranked. <laughs> oh, you mean your ranking? Sorry. Yes. Yeah, uh, there, well, there was a supernova that was a luchador in, in that era. Oh, the fake supernova. <laughs> yeah, did you ever? Real. Yeah, did you ever submit any PWI rankings with uh, Mickey Segura in them? Uh, no. No, there's another one. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's another one as an indie supernova. Years yes, later. but I mean, it's always been a kayfabe list, and there are always years. Like maybe there's some years they didn't miss anyone ridiculous. But since the beginning of the list, there have always been wrestlers they left out that were ridiculous oversights. You know, this year we had Tetsuya Naido. Uh, the first year, in 91, they had The Undertaker. There was the, what was it, 2012, where they didn't include Tanahashi. They ranked Tenzon at, like, 12th, and it became clear they mistook Tenzon for Tanahashi and had to uh, amend the rankings. There's always been stuff like that. That's it! I searched Google Groups, and I have found uh, someone copying and pasting Nova's post from his message board on AOL about this from October 1st. Are you, are you ready? Oh, well, I'm, I'm at I the edge of me. my seat. All right, actually, wait, let me copy and paste this somewhere else it's, it's, so it's easier to read so I don't have to futz with it another way. Because for some reason, when I try to zoom on Google Groups, if I try to pinch and zoom, it does not work. All right. Oh, God, I remember some of this. So, yes. October 1st, 1998, 3.29 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from DBD65. So, wait, was that his username? Oh, wait, is that Dottie's AOL account and not Nova's? Okay. Well, anyway. Well, maybe they shared it. They're like good brothers, too. Well, they're twins. Maybe they had identical AOL accounts. Um, <laughs> well, all caps... I just found out that I'm not on the list of the top 500 wrestlers from around the world, according to PWI. What am I supposed to do? Quit now? Try harder next year? Whatever. I was a little pissed at first, and a lot, one word, of people I know were even madder. But now that I look at it, oh well, what can I do? First of all, I'm on national TV every week. That is a fact. Secondly, I work every weekend. That is a fact. I've been doing this for seven years and been ECW for two of those years. I misspelled guarantee, G-A-U, he spelled guarantee, that more than half of those guys on the list have not worked more than ten times in the past year. But how did they get on and I didn't? I will tell you how. I was, all caps, 
bumped. That's right, bumped. For all the no-talent hacks and humps that have flooded pro wrestling the past two years. A lot, one word, of the guys on the list deserve to be on it. They worked for it. But I guarantee you that... No, excuse me, guarantee. Justin Wilson there. Yeah, G-U-A-R-E-N-T-E-E is how he's spelled here. Guarantee that you check and probably about 200 or so have never been on the list before. They are on because they are friends with the promoters and people who effing pay PWI to give them coverage and put their guys on the list. It is that simple as someone drives by my building loudly playing Jamaican dance hall music. Um, That's pretty good. <laughs> Kofi Kingston. Well, he's not actually Jamaican. Um, what? You're Jamaican me crazy, Bix. Thank you, Mike Adamley. Uh, to give them coverage and put their guys on the list. It's that simple. I was overlooked for some non-working stiffs who paid to get in. I thought I had a pretty good year. I moved out of the shadow of the BWO and moved into a every week work position because I earned it and worked for it. I went on to debut on my first pay-per-view, which we won. And hopefully my second in about a month. All caps. I have come up with more new innovative spots and moves than anyone else out there today, bar none. Well, well, he definitely was innovative and complaining about the PWI 500. Well, there are a couple people out there on the list who use my moves and spots, but I can't get on it? Anyway, there's nothing I can do but this, all caps. I hereby dedicate every performance I will have in 1999 to the entire staff at PWI. And God willing, if we win the ECW Tag Titles in 1999, I dedicate that to them too. At November to remember this year, I want everyone to bring a sign stating PWI's oversight. And if I get a chance, I will make a national reference to it. Reference. I worked very hard to get where I am today, and I will not be discouraged by this. Maybe I should quit and go back to 50 fans at a show in a small, crappy building working for nothing with all the other big indie stars who are friendly with PWI and the staff? Or should I stick with a national promotion who have five pay-per-views next year and get bigger each and every week and maybe get left off the big mark list again? I think I will stick with the second choice. Thanks, everyone, for sticking with me. Sincerely, PWI's favorite wrestler, Supernova. Good times. Wow. You what know what? As great as, that, as, as great as that was, Bix's reading about it made it. Like, yes. And he would complain about so much shit and inventing moves and people stealing moves. Sometimes people, ste- quote unquote, stealing moves that were not the same move and also that they had been doing before him. My favorite being the first time he noticed the Hardys doing... Um, Event Omega, Falling Faith, they had a few names for it, the splash off one quarter, like drop off the opposite corner at the same time. Uh, him and Chetty would do the tidal wave where they came off the same corner, but they started doing that after the Hardys move. And it's not the same move anyway. And of course, he went off online about them stealing his move. Of course. Far from the only time he did this, too. Um, you know, one of, the, what, one of the early internet wrestling memes was to say Nova invented X. Because of stuff like this. Like, it was one of the early, like, internet boom era running wrestling jokes. Yes. 
So, what? Why? Like, why? Do, like, now, in that era, though, it is true that there were people who paid for their spot, right? Yes. And who was it that was in charge? Brandy Bankowitz, I think, at least part of the time. Maybe later. Um, um possible. Now Bloody. there is a, the, the only response to this post on RSPW is from uh, Anthony Gankarski, of all people. Oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> the legend replying to the part that says uh, it's the intro about why well, uh, what am I supposed to do? You know, try harder next year, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's a uh, miscellany snipped Supernova's post. Both the non-sniffed and the sniff material just goes to prove Marty Lundy's shoot names assertion that the biggest marks are in the dressing room. God, that was depressing. <laughs> I love that Liz Fair song, though. As good as anything of hers, perhaps except fucking run. <laughs> what song is he joking about? That it's, that he's, is he saying there? Oh man! Get no, I'm going. trying to think. What song is he said? What song is there that oh. the lyric is mentioned in? Oh, I'm not a Liz Fair or the uh, name or the song title, I guess. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I, I'm not. Um, it, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about Liz Fair uh, music, but uh, Gankarski doing that does not surprise me one bit. <laughs> a legend who God knows him in a social media era would have been something else, <laughs> but. Uh, Wow. Uh, so, so there, yeah, there you go. And see if there's anything else about here. Uh, saw someone else in their uh, RSPW newsletter reprinted it. There's wow. a few copies of this here. It, it, wow. I, I, now I'm curious to see just how much of Nova's exploits over the years are uh, archived on Google groups and whatnot. Because, like, I mean, you don't really hear wrestlers complain about not being ranked anymore, unless it's like oh, really. Oh yes, you do. Not loudly. Oh, there's been any wrestler on Twitter that bitched and bitched and bitched. So. But anyone who actually should have made the list. Uh, there have been some, yeah. I'd love to know how much heat Bo got because Bo was a mainstay. Him and well, the other Southern States guys, but it's like people who stayed in contact with the magazines regularly and sent results and stuff they'd always, always helps. they'd always have little mentions here and there and they'd always end up on the 500 it was you know it wasn't just you know chicken neck weighing in at two dollars 47 cents per pound it wasn't yeah. just that kind of guy filling out the 500 it was actual you know working indie wrestlers to whatever the degree they existed back then yes so there you go all right, let's close the show up with the World Wrestling Federation, where there's not a whole hell of a lot going on other than a, another wild episode of Monday Night Raw, which one of gets head-to-head with that wild episode of Nitro. But we do have some news to start off with. Vader will be finishing up at the end of the month, as both sides have agreed to a contract release, which will allow him to work anywhere in the world except WCW. It appears it was a mutual deal. Vader has, from the start, always had a mixed political situation, as some of the office were high on him, and others didn't see anything in him. Over the past two and a half years, he's had some great showings and some not-so-great ones. And, all, and due to all the bones he takes at his size, his age, and past problems with his knees, back, shoulder, he's pretty been he's been hurt a lot. They also got on him about dropping weight, and his push pretty much stalled because they want him under 350 pounds. Basically, when he missed shows a few weekends back and due to blood pressure problems and a potassium imbalance from crash dieting, even his supporters had given up, and he's been jobbed out ever since. 
He at the same time requested a lighter schedule, and they came to a mutual agreement that it was time for him to leave. Most likely, he'll wind up in Japan, but there are political problems there. The natural fit is New Japan, where from 1987 to 1994, he was a top foreign drawing card and basically a legend in that world. However, with WCW's connection with New Japan and booking talent and Bischoff's hatred of Vader, he may pressure the company not using him. An even better fit would be for UFO, which desperately needs marquee talent, and he wouldn't have them work long tours and just flying for big shows and then be a key part of the eventual feud with New Japan. But again, that's in reality, New Japan, and the same problem may exist. All Japan could use him, but there's the problem of his surviving a full-time gig with that physical style for those three-week tours. And that's the option that he takes. Yep. Because, <laughs> well, I mean, at the time, that was the freshest option available. And also, I mean, at that time, All Japan, you know, it was a good fit right there. And they it needed was something, something where, like that. Yeah, it was something where the, the product was a little bit, well, you they, know, starting to get a little bit stagnant and a big guy like Vader coming in. Yeah. Yeah, then you four and ace because, you know, Dr. Death, done. Hansen still can work, but getting older. I mean, they needed that that foreign ace to come in there, and even Vader at this time, not what he was, but still new, fresh matchups. You can get a lot of mileage out of him here. Yeah, and, and plus, it seemed like okay. Yeah, and, and plus, it also seemed like Vader at that time, like, was sort of you know wanting to get a little bit more of the spotlight, and all Japan definitely allowed him to have it because if you think about it from when he came in I mean he basically you know he had all those matches like the dome show against Masawa you know the match against uh, Kobashi which was the end of his, his second triple crown run I mean he had he had some really really good matches and fresh matches that were available to him but it wasn't the same Vader that you had before and then with the move over to Noah you know you had him and then definitely the style I mean he was ready going in in hurt and the style didn't necessarily do him any favors but at least they put him in a tag team with scorpio you know and that was kind of the regular thing so at least he could be hidden so to speak and imagine the conversations those two would have so. oh well, of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah. Bix, yeah it, like like i said it was time for him to leave wf this time i mean it was past past gone oh yeah um and also another way it's good timing in all japan is that now they're really trying to go harder with Kabashi on top. In this yeah, which, which fits Vader's style better. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and also, you know, it's not necessarily Masawa taking stuff, but also it's just Vader is a guy who can go there and know, like, yes, I'm going to have to work a hard style, but because he's Vader, he knows he's not going to have to worry about being asked to take, like, the huge head drop bumps or anything. Like that, you know, like yeah, I would think yeah. for a lot of guys that could potentially have all Japan prospects in this era, I think a bunch would understandably be very hesitant, you know? Yeah, yeah. For that reason. But Vader is not going to be thrown around, so he doesn't really have that concern. Um, no. And he does great there. You know, he gets two triple crown runs, headlines a dome show. Yeah, like, absolutely. He has a very strong run in all Japan, and it just yeah. it worked. And I, I forget, did he have a, a singles match with Kawada? 
He did. I believe they had one, and it was, but it was something where I think they kept on trying to build to like a really big singles match. And I think when they finally did it, it was a lot more low key because it was something where Kawada had the orbital bone injury and then he had another injury as well. So I know they ended up finally doing it at one point because reading observers during that time, I just remember something where it was something where they were trying to push that as a bigger, bigger match. So let me see if I can remember when it was, but uh, yeah. I mean, they, they, they did have they did have at least one match together, one singles match together. Yeah, February 17th, uh, the year 2000. There are very, very few words that fit together in talking about wrestling better than low-key and orbital bone injury. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, when one leaves, one comes in. Ray Trailer has signed and should debut in about a month as the big boss man once again. Probably as a healing force from McMahon. Trailer 36. Wow. Is said to be down to 290 pounds. He's wrestled most of his career at between 340 and 390. He's recuperating from back surgery, which is recent. Two months ago, he was fearing it would be career ending, but received a clean bill from his doctor to return to the ring. The jury is out on this one. It's been years since he's been a top name, but at one point, he was a great worker for a guy of his size. And while he's older, there are plenty of guys who have had a lot of great years in the ring that are quite a bit older. And I get why you would be bullish at this time. He's in the best shape of his career. He's had back surgery, so theoretically, maybe whatever lingering injuries caused his work to kind of go downhill in the last few years of his WCW run might be dealt with. So, you know... He's fresh as big boss, man. Like, I see why just, you know, you know, blind, not knowing what his matches are going to look like. I can see why you would think this would be like a great pickup at the time. And even then, like, even though it becomes pretty clear that he's physically not the same because he's not working near the level he had previously, he's improved so much as a personality that he still has a great run. Mm-hmm. No, we we all remember that legendary run he had with the Big Show. And, uh, well, that's what I say. He's not remembered for his matches. He's remembered no. for Dragon Caskets. Yes. Which, which, if you're going to be remembered, that's a good thing to be remembered by. Though. <laughs> like you know, yeah, yeah, you're always going to be relevant. You know, fans are always going to talk about that. So yeah, at least they remember you. Yeah, they're be- not going to remember his tag team with Ken Shamrock. You know, tag team champions of the world at one point. They're right. going to remember him dragging a casket and also feeding. You know, the kennel and the cell match. So, yeah, I mean, it was something where, considering you know, he was able to use the big boss man name again. That he wasn't Bubba Guardian of the trailer park, or <laughs> as he was in WCW. I knew it was a pickup. I mean, it wasn't anything that really was going to knock the socks off. But when he ended up debuting, I think he debuted in Chicago at the pay-per-view show i believe awesome. and it was like okay okay boss man's here okay that's fine you know not, nothing nothing extraordinary or anything like that it wasn't until later on when he had those those runs and those those feuds right there uh you know award-winning feuds with big show and al snow that you really you really get down to the, the boss man's second coming here in uh in the wwe but he looked great when he came back though that's yeah. the one thing Wait, also a boss man better. Also, uh, Dave's actually wrong about the age. He's 35. <laughs> That's even better. Yeah, so, okay, hard, let's see. Uh, Who's older than him right now? Uh, just about everybody. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just about everybody, basically. I mean, that's all you can say. Just about everybody. 
All the top wrestling stars just about are older than him. Mustafa Ali is 37. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of them. Imagine him with a long flat top. <laughs> okay, here's one that's scary. Because, I mean, I know he, it seems like he kind of guards his age, but Matt Mikowski's probably about the same age right now as Bossman was then. Well, he's indie, so. No, but I mean, right, people, uh, but he's been wrestling less time and he looks young, so people think of him as much younger, but. That makes it, yeah, but that makes it stand out, though, in a way, because he's indie and he's 30 something years old. Well, I mean, he was you know? in Elite XC in what, like 2007? Was the Nick Sarah fight? Yeah, so he's been around. I mean, he's got to be at least 34, I would think. So. Yeah. All right. Well, the October 18th Chicago preview show sold out, which makes five straight sellouts at the Rosemont Horizon. Even more impressive that WCW's already sold out the United Center, which would be the fourth or fifth straight sell in that building for shows six days earlier, making Chicago unquestionably the hottest wrestling city in the country. Remember all those morons who thought those exposés in Chicago Sun-Times in the summer of 97 would kill the business in Chicago? And since then, there hasn't been an NTC for either group in 16 months. Was definitely on the show as Undertaker versus Kane with Voss as the ref, Shamrock versus Mankind, Rock versus Mark Henry, and some sort of game match with X Pac and D'Lo Brown and Goldust against Val Venus. The original plans put Southern Justice against New Age Outlaws for the tag titles, but with Mark Canterbury injured, it may, either maybe Dennis Knight and Jeff Jarrett as they've done on the house shows or switching it into two singles matches. They had talked to Jarrett versus Al Snow or Snow versus Scorpio. It appears at this point that Jacqueline versus Sable for the women's title would be a raw match rather than the pay per view match. Yeah, Chicago. I mean, they suck as a wrestling town, Keith. No, lies. Nothing but dirty lies. Chicago, <laughs> without a doubt, the best, my favorite wrestling town in all the world. I, there's a reason why I've stayed here for 49 years is because this town is, I love this town. The fans are so wonderful. And I was actually at that, I was at both the pay-per-view and the Nitro show. So I could tell you that, you know, it was different. WWE events always had a little bit more of a different feel than the WCW shows at the United Center. I mean, the WCW shows at the United Center were cool, but the Horizon in slash Allstate Arena is one of those great, wonderful buildings for pro wrestling. The fact, and I think I've mentioned on the show before, it's basically right next to O'Hare Airport. And it's in direct path of one of the, uh, one of the flight paths, like, one of the landing strips, not the Scott Hall uh, busting up limo uh, <laughs> places. But anyway, the place has a wooden roof. So when planes go over it, it literally sounds like 10,000 people basically sort of pounding down the ground. And it's 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 an awesome such an awesome building. Like anytime the WWE runs there, they could have even a bad house show and you'd be like, oh, this is cool. So, you know, God bless Chicago, my my home. So people bitch today about all the shows Chicago gets and everything, but it was going on back th- these times too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, sometimes there was just the right place at the right time, you know, like, and it was, and the demand was something like, honestly, until AEW came to the United Center, I went to so many, uh, WCW shows at the United Center and I never got below the 300 level. It wasn't until Punk came back that I somewhere or other stumbled around a hundred level ticket. And I was like, wow, dreams many, many years later do come true. So don't, don't stop believing kids. There you go. But uh, that's pretty impressive still to this day. All right. Um, for heat, so then heat there on October the 4th, Road Dog came out with a women's blow up doll dressed up like Billy Gunn, who wasn't at a taping. 
Vince McMahon was doing a series of interviews from his hospital bed. More on that later. X-Pac beat a disinterested Owen Hart. More on that later. That's a great oh. gimmick, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think any any wrestler being disinterested is, is always good times. <laughs> it's always going to lead to something. A big yes. major push. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golga and Kurgan beat the Headbangers when the Insane Clown Posse interfered. Shoichi Funaki beat Matt Hardy. DOA beat Ken Shamrock and Mankind when Mac- Shamrock clocked Mankind with a chair and he was pinned. Jeff Jarrett went to no contest with The Rock when Southern Justice attacked The Rock. And Steve also said in front of Southern everyone... And Rock and Austin had to stare down until they were pulled apart. Now, is this Oddities win over the Headbangers the match where they win the Tag Team Championship of the Universe? Well, it's not mentioned, so I don't know. Oh, like Dave would mention that. <laughs> but uh, but what this you know tells you, though, is, uh, you know, Heat was a show that had all the, you know, the top talent on there. Heat, Heat was a show out. until SmackDown came. I mean, yeah. like heat heat was was legit. I don't want to say it was appointment watching, but it was definitely a program that they had some emphasis on before. And then as soon as SmackDown came, heat sort of got the short end, like, you know, sort of like uh, WCW had with, you know, Saturday night. It was a totally different show after Thunder started or Rampage and Collision started. I mean, and even yeah. then, though, like heat. Heat got de-emphasized, but it took a while before it became an outright, like, B-show, B-show. Like, you would still have stuff like the Triple H Bob Holly match or and stuff like that for a good while after SmackDown started. It just – it wasn't a – it wasn't an ongoing storyline priority anymore, but it still had names. Yeah. Well, Raw was taped on September 29th, just like Heat was, in East Lansing, Michigan, in front of 9,846, paying 197,566. The show with D'Lo Brown regaining the European title from X-Pac at 516 with a frog splash when Mark Henry interfered. The Headbangers then challenged ICP and basically destroyed them. ICP took good bumps for non-wrestlers, although both have done a lot of indie wrestling around Michigan. It took some hard chair shots before Oddities broke it up. The bangers got a lot of cheers, but also a fair share of booze. Ah, yes, the ICP in their time with the oddities in WF. Really the golden age of the oddities when you think about it. Well, so, well, I mean, this is ICP in air when they're at their peak of popularity. This is true. You know, still, and there, there's someone else that's still around. So we have, you know, yeah. <laughs> we got the LWO, we got the ICP, we got it all, baby. Yes, yes. Well, Vince is in the hospital for a series of skits. So let's go to uh, Vince, shall we, in this first skit? At an emergency medi-center of some kind. I'm surprised they didn't change the sign to say medical facility. (laughs) We're here for a fire satellite, and this is an undisclosed medical center, so hopefully it's undisclosed medical center. satellite problems. I don't think the problems come from that man, Mr. McMahon. It's great. I want apple juice. (laughs) By the way, just as a reminder, just as far as what's like underpinning the comedy and everything with this, he has a broken ankle. Yes. That's that's what happened. Undertaker and Kane broke his ankle. 
Well, I mean, I mean, Bix, if you've ever broken your ankle, you have to spend multiple days in the hospital with an IV in it and oxygen, oxygen. and everything else. And you can't, you can't, you know, they, they don't give you, they don't give you apple juice. Got the blood pressure cup on. Well, that's because he hasn't gotten his damn apple juice. He's in a gown. <laughs> yes, of course he is. Well, he's a rather surly patient is that the owner of the WWF. Well, folks, uh, the oddities were not in mourning earlier today over Mr. McMahon's Okay. Uh, <laughs> Oddity's playing football. And this is leads to their little match with the bangers. The bangers? That's what Dave calls them, the bangers. That, 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 that's what uh, Davey Bang and August Matthews should go by now. <laughs> the bangers. They can't be the bang bros anymore. Oh, look at Sable's uh, beautiful hair being tended to. I hope nothing happens yeah. to it. Well, um... Yeah. So Dave put the like the the main McMahon stuff early, the one that's going to air later. So I have, I'm going to, to skip that one. Um, so what we got, Sable? So uh, Sable came out, high five Terry Power, and challenged Jacqueline for the belt. Oh, this is going on while Mark Merrow beats Vader. When Jacqueline distracted Vader and Merrow hit him with a low blow in the shooting star press at four thirteen. Then Mark Merrow has some thoughts on Sable, and yes, it gets a little uh, freaky here. As I try to cue this up on the uh, now uh, chapter-free award-winning World Wrestling Entertainment Network. All right, there we go. Yes, as he does, it's the uh, Marvel. Marvelosity, what a high-risk move that, that scored. Yeah, I think we can forget he brought the shooting star press back. Hey, Sable, what are you looking at? Look at Lawler just creeping with his hand on her back like that. By the way. <laughs> I I also enjoy the fact. What are you looking at? She was down there doing commentary. She was doing her fucking job, and <laughs> and Jacqueline is isn't up is upset about this. Well, Jacqueline, oh. don't to look at her. Anyway, well, Jacqueline throw down a challenge there. I, again, there's a time and a place. Right, it's, it's, oh, what are you gonna do? Sable, I suck it, was the sign just now. Well, I think it was Sable pointing down to something. Oh, let me see <laughs> that again. Sable, can we, can we just get, get sign clarification? No, it's Sable yes. pointing to the guy, I suck it. Oh, okay. The arrow's pointing to no, him. No, no, I think it's actually some type of bracket there. No, but... Is that... Like, no, it's I suck that? it. No, but look, no, look at the other side. It's the same thing. Well, that's an ex- no, that's an exclamation that- point, Chris. Is that Lonnie Poffo? But the, the but the arrow is pointing in the middle of Sable. No, the arrow's pointing at the guy that's holding know, the sign. He looks very happy. He's got to be sucking. The arrow's in the middle of Sable. Is say Bell? No, he's say he's it's Sable to get his get her attention, and then he is saying that he would like to um, be suckled by her. Okay. Well, whatever. Oh, what else do we have here further back? Okay, can't make those. Oh, wait. Sable bomb me, I believe, which was a very popular sign during that time. Sable the 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 burn suck it, or I, I can't. Anyway, another person with a sign saying "suck it" pointing down. Well, Sable. Also, the classic stupid sign. Yes. Yeah. Also, Sable, by the way, is wearing large heels and is in like a skin tight. 
Like this is I, I can't even describe it. It's like this is not something that you could you really should be trying. This isn't gear. Angle this is in. definitely not not, yeah. not something that you would. Pretty strong intentions. Jacqueline was challenging you. Two against one. Wants to be the WWF Women's Champion. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! The only reason you're upset is because, as a woman, you can never satisfy marvelous Mark Merrill, and you know it, and everybody else knows it. Strong words. Oh, whoa! Strong slap on the from behind. Jacqueline from behind, and the WWF Women's Champion. What she got in her? Jacqueline's got scissors. Oh. No. The WWF Women's Champion with a handful of save. Oh, my gosh. She's cutting her. Can you believe what? Can you believe what we're seeing? Jacqueline just cut a hook out of Sable's hair. It looks like she didn't actually get the cutting done. It looks like she just yanked out the extension. <laughs> Wait, I got to see that again. One of the best champions. Okay, let's watch the hand and the scissors there. Oh my God. Okay, she does get it. She gets it a little. Can you believe? Okay, Marrow's in the way. I. I'm not sure she actually cut that. This is absolutely shocking. Sable assaulted from behind by that woman, the WWF champion. Look at Jacqueline. She is so proud of herself. Boy, one of these days. One of these days, it's going to be just Jacqueline and just Sable right in this very ring. Can't believe it. Sable has been defrocked. Well, we haven't heard nor seen the last of this situation between these two female competitors. Ladies and gentlemen, still a time right here tonight. I'll say this much. Sable actually has much better extensions than a lot of the women in WWE do today. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, Ooh, so Kane versus Ken coming up tonight. Alright, so alright, so now we got another event skit here coming. Let's do that. Yeah. Or maybe not, I don't know. From his uh, medical center room. Looks Leave like they're trying alone. to take his temperature. He's in pain. And Vince doesn't like the taste of the thermometer. Maybe it's already his ass. No additives. No concentrates. You won't find this man pouring juice from a cardboard container. Oh, no. He squeezes his own hand-selected Florida oranges and savors his extraction pulp and all. He's Stephen Regal, a real man's man. And <laughs> hey, we're back on Raw. All right, uh, go down so I'm big, so I can see what the, maybe the next Vince segment is. Oh, go to the scrub bar. Yes, let's see. When do they start looking for Scott Hall in a bar? Okay, we got this next. Okay. All right, so um, the Owen thing we want or disinterested yeah, Owen Hart? Yeah, Edge is supposed to be Owen Hart, and th- th- this uh, <laughs> was heavily edited, according to Dave. But let's see what was uh, what was said here. All right, cued it up. It looks like wasn't in it, and consequently, Edge went, or, or X Pac with an easy victory. But what's what's this kid going to say? I've been in the wrestling business for 13 years now, and the wrestling business has been my whole life. 
But last week... Just as a reminder, excuse me, this is the aftermath of him injuring Dan Severn with the pile driver. Uh, yes. Which Austin, if I remember right, was not happy about them doing this angle at all. I'm sure he wasn't. After I did what I did to Dan Severn, and I looked into his eyes, I saw my wife and my two children. I never really meant for anyone to ever get hurt. And I am so sorry for what I did. JR? Holy obvious edit. Well, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. So keep I mean, going. To, I keep mean going. like, they don't even switch between the camera angles. Like, that was just boom. Yeah. Is, he going, is he going soft? Rob is the Owen Hart is too upset to compete here tonight. Oh, come on. Too upset. What happened to the Owen Hart I used to know? The Owen Hart of old who didn't, didn't care who he hurt. Didn't care what happened to his opponents. He's going soft on us. Well, maybe he's just proving he's got a conscience. Well, What's he want to be, another Canadian hero or something? Give me a break. He's a wuss! Get back here and fight! Well, apparently Edge is going to get the victory here via forfeit. Well, folks, still to come. Uh, guarantee you the... So this is what happened. Um, Owen did two interviews in the building, and they heavily edited both of them to where he basically walked out and said nothing but it's over. What was edited out, which means uh, it's been changed, is him first saying he'd never be back, and later saying the fans would never see him in WF again. The plan seems to be to bring him back for Survivor Series in a new role. Owen does have a groin injury, but he's been working on it, and it's just angle and not an injury cover. So there's your heavily edited part there. Do we want to see him leaving, too? I guess the sad walk-away music's not going to play, though, but yes. Owen, wait a minute. Owen. Owen, what is going on? Owen, where are you going? I mean, what's going on? It's over. I'm done. It's over. It's over. JR, what does this mean? It's over. Is he quitting? I, I don't know. Is, is he quitting? Is he retiring? Or? I don't. can't believe what he's saying. All right. Well, next we have Ken Shamrock beating Kane. When Undertaker shoved the ropes and Kane crossed himself. So there's that. Oh, I guess we're wrong beat, about it being burnt off then. <laughs> Val Venus beat Gangrel. Christian Cage, simply known as Christian, and he came to reset with Gangrel. He's supposed to be Edge's brother, but under the spell of Gangrel. The crowd loved Venus, but totally died when he started wrestling. And they didn't care about either guy at that point. Terry Reynolds was with Val Venus. And the only crowd reaction to the match was when off camera she teased she's going to take her top off. Edge came out to recapture his brother, so like Hogan with Ed Leslie, Dave guessed. So and Dave doesn't even mention the Goldust reveal here. This is the return. No, it's cool. This is it's the coming. return. It's no. coming. It's oh, coming. I thought he moved past the segment. No. Edge came out to recapture his brother, so like Hogan with Ed Leslie, Dave guessed. Gangrel gave him the implant okay. DT on the floor, but got stomped on him. Venus got a letter, and gold glitter fell from the sky, and Goldust said he'd return next week at Raw, the Nassau Coliseum. So there you go. All right, this is the next bit segment. Yes. All right. Easy. Easy. God. Just easy. Can I have another nurse, please? I just want another nurse. All right? Don't touch me. I just want 
I want another damn nurse. We'll see what we can do. Where is he that the nurses were bring me something coats. for the pain. What does everybody want? <laughs> do you think Vince is faking this so he doesn't have to watch an Al Snow match? <laughs> oh, man. So Al Snow beat Jeff Jarrett by DQ when Sardis Slaughter slipped the ropes for a lame DQ. What? Yeah, that's what it says. Sardis Slaughter. Oh, right. The the Sergeant Slaughter, Al Snow thing. Oh, God. Yeah. Yes. Road dog pinned Mark Henry and Xbox interfered. Mark Henry is now suing China for sexual harassment. So there's that. (laughs) All right. Let's go to another Vince segment. It should be coming up. Okay. Here we go. I'm guessing this is the one right before the big one, right? The big one. How about some more juice, please? More juice! Make it fresh squeezed! Not grape juice! Like uh-huh. William Regal had. <laughs> get him, William. Get me William Regal's juice. Wait, what? I miss Emily Fine. Uh, not grape kept juice. Track of Apple when juice. I needed my juice. Juice. <laughs> We're back on the right. war zone, everybody. Thanks for being with us here tonight. And uh, we're going to go to Mr. McMahon here momentarily to, to get some comments from the owner of the WWF. And it doesn't look like we're quite ready for that uh, that statement. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's having his blood pressure check. Oh, well, folks, that's, well, it looks well, like he's, being, uh, Vince is getting worse and worse every segment. <laughs> it looks like literally Vince in between because he has not gotten juice. He, it looks like he's basically dying. And we're getting the second time that we've seen how Vince got his leg injured. All right, here we go. They're showing and the video. We're ready now happened. for that interview. Oh, he's still in a lot of pain. Is that the head nurse? Vince, can you hear us? Let to take this thing. Oh, wait. Was was the Foley thing on heat? Dave mentioned it in Raw. Because if... Dave I'm, mentioned it in the, in the Raw thing. Did we bypass just, it? or? But look who just stepped on I camera. Know. That's Austin. I right? know, but... I know, but it, you missed it earlier because I didn't read it because I thought that it hadn't happened yet. I thought Dave was out of order. Well, that's the longest of the segments, though. So where where was it's that? It's early in the show. Early, very early in the show. Yerpel and everything? Where early? Oh, there it is. Okay. Right here. <laughs> I don't know. I skipped. You, you oh, because they, they had – it was one with one of the recaps, right? Well, okay, should I play – which should I play first, though? Yes. I would play the, the Mankind one. Okay. Yes. But yesterday morning, however, Mr. McMahon's doctor readmitted him for more treatment on his battered left leg. <laughs> and I think now, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to go uh, to Mr. McMahon's room. If we have a visitor. A really, a really big fellow wants to come see you. I don't want any visitors. Just my family. I told you. Just my immediate family. I don't I want any visitors. Uh-oh. He's really big, and he's threatening the staff. He Uh-oh. threatened one of the orderlies. I don't want any damn visitors! I don't want any visitors! Turn that frown upside down! Vince, it's me! How did you find me? I saw what happened. I felt really bad, so I brought you some presents. Take a hold of these. <laughs> Aren't they colorful? And some candy. I know that, that you like the sweet JR. stuff. Vinny's got a sweet tooth. Come on, come on, open them up. This is great. This is great. Hold this for me. <laughs> I'm, you know I'm in a lot of pain. I know you're in a lot of pain. 
That's why I brought you these. Those things are delicious. And I'll tell you what, I brought another guest here who really wants to see you bad. Look at... You brought what? I brought another guest for you. Someone who really wants to see you bad. What? You brought him. No, no, no. It's not a him, it's a she. It's a she. I brought you some female entertainment, and I think you know what I mean. She does a trick with a dog that you won't believe. Vince McMahon, say hello no. to your ball. Hey, Vinny, how you doing? I came to make you feel better, Vinny. I sure did. Here's a rainbow for you so that you know that there are brighter days ahead. And I'm here to spread nothing but smiles. So I have this wonderful sticker for you. Right here, keep it Show him the trick with the dog. Show him the trick with the dog. Don't show me any damn trick with a dog. Oh, yeah, it'll make you feel so much better. You'll just love it, I guarantee you. You sure will. I don't want See, I can candy. tell the difference it's making already. I don't want... I brought one other visitor, another special guest. What the hell are you doing? M- Mr. Sacco! <laughs> Say hello to Mr. Sacco. Mr. Sacco knows you've been feeling mighty bad, so he's going to give your boo-boo a big hey, kiss. <laughs> You're going to what? Hey, hey, ah! No, Mick, please. Please, just Mr. leave. Mr. Sacco! Please leave. Please. <laughs> Damn it, leave. Hey, take this crap with you. Take it out. Take it all out. Get out! Mr. Sucko. Yeah, that was awful. So he does not actually say, don't kiss the boo-boo. Okay. That's a false memory, then, that is shared by many of us. But what a false memory, though. Yeah. That, that, if you're going to have a false memory, you might as well have it be that. Uh, yeah, that, 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 you know, I, I, I greatly enjoyed that segment. I enjoyed the, the attention to detail, such as every time he was worried about Austin coming in, the heart rate spiking up. And yes. then when the uh, little female companionship, like the heart rate started going down again. Like that's, <laughs> that's whoever was responsible for heart rate monitors in the WWE for this time definitely deserves a medal. Yes. Well, let's go to the, the big now one for that interview. Oh, he's still in a lot of pain. Is that the head nurse? Vince, can you hear us? Let me take this thing. Yes, ma'am. We're on ignore. Last time it was normal. You're going to find it's normal this time. Every time you've taken it, you've found that it's normal. Every single time. Yes, Mr. McMahon, it'll be all right. Almost done. I can't wait to get out of here. There. Is it normal? Yes, it looks real good. Yes, yeah, real good. Much. Looks just fine to me. How about you, doctor? Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. No, 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 Oh, 
Okay, now, do we think the last part is edited out? Based on the edits they've done to things on the network and Peacock. Ooh, probably is, but let's let's see what happens. Yeah. And then I'm curious if the reference to it the next week actually is still there too, if it, if it ends up being cut out. Mike, uh, I mean, knowing what the things they were hunting for, it would not shock me if it's in there. But I could also totally see them cutting this out too. So let's say. Okay. Keep going. Ow. They kept it in there. Yeah, that's definitely not something you could ever do today. <laughs> well, he was do- he was a doctor. He was his doctor, uh, doctor patient privilege. No, but then I mean, the next week. Do you remember what Vince says on the promo the following week? Ah, uh, no. You violated me, Austin. <laughs> and it's like you know what he, well, he did. He was just trying to help him out. He was just trying to help the guy out. I mean, really? I mean, he, he was checking for a hernia. Yeah, that's not how that works. You don't use. A, well, also, it's like <laughs> you don't give someone an enema to check for a hernia. Yes. Is, 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 well, also, as like, someone as a doctor, I could tell you that 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 never works. Yes. Listen to a doctor. But yes. like, also, like, is that what a hospital enema looks like? It's comedy, Bix. It's not supposed to be real. No, but I mean, what is it supposed to, like, is it part of a large it's apparatus? Tom, it's, like, it's like Tom and Jerry shit. No, or, I'm not saying you think, I'm asking if that's Jerry. No. It's that's an IV. Oh, yeah, I Look see at, it now. Yeah, he's just using the end of an IV and pretending he's just trying to give him more fluids. Yes. To help save Vince, our yes. Lord and Savior. Yes. <laughs> that's all it was. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, that's just straight up the end of an IV. Yeah. Finally, Undertaker beat Rock in a slightly better than average match. Kane came out and scared away Mark Henry and D'Lo, leading the Rock, firing them. After the match, Jim Ross said, only in the WF are you going to see action like that. Unfortunately, he said that ending a night where WCW had three matches that were better. <laughs> well, I mean, the problem is if, if you sit there and compare the amount of time we've spent just talking about this Raw Versus the 20 hours we spent talking about that one Nitro <laughs> where, you know, like just the, the amount of, of content uh, that uh, that WCW gave us that week. I mean, that's a, that is a legendary Nitro right there. And this was a other than Mr. Sacco, a very forgettable, uh, you know, basically, I feel like disinterested Owen Hart might have been the in-ring highlight of the show. Yeah, well. Oh, we've got Raw a the, bump. Raw won in the ratings. Uh, they they hit a 4.549, 4. 4. 4.5 first hour, 4.5 five second hour, and a 6.82 share. Nitro did a 4.546 rating. 4.81 first hour, 4.34 second hour, 4.49 third hour, 6.80 share. Over the head-to-head 124 minutes, Nitro's average of 4.42, so it appears to be one of those nights where more people watch Nitro, but Raw won the ratings. Exact viewer numbers won't be available until the press time, but based on user breakdown, one would expect the total viewers to go head-to-head be 4.872, uh, 4.872, 700,000 uh, for Nitro, 
Four million eight hundred eighty-two eight hundred thousand for Raw, or a slight win in that comparison for Raw. But considering all three hours of Nitro, the total average audience would be expected between to be five million fifteen thousand eight hundred. Point being, over the last three weeks, even though Raw had more viewers head to head each week, it's close enough to where Nitro can legitimately claim to have had more viewers overall two of the past three weeks. Basically, the momentum in Raw's favor isn't nearly as much as it seems to be. Oh, Monday Night Football. We talked about that earlier. The Lions and Bucks. Was that was the was the twenty eighth? Well, the next week was um, was it Dallas and Minnesota? No, it was Minnesota and the Giants thing. Did it, its biggest rating of the season, seventeen point oh rating, and that's in nineteen ninety eight. Um, I'm making sure which. Uh, okay, that was the Vikings and Packers. So you get Brett Favre and Randy Moss. Randy Moss first time in Green Bay. Uh, each side took four of the eight head to quarters while Nitro won the overrun. Ross because advantage came in the fifth quarter with a 5.32 for Shamrock and Kane and Venus and Gangrel to a 3.87, which was Hogan and Bischoff. Mm. It, sh- it should be noted that was the point in the show where Jim Ross talked about Raw has action in the ring, not 45-year-olds dueling on the mic. Interesting. Nitro's biggest edge was in the overrun with a 5.44, Sting and Brett backstage to a 4.49 for Undertaker and Rock. Sting and Brett being by a full point. By quarters, Nitro won 4.6, Wolfpack and uh, backstage brought with NWO and Garza Damian to a 4.4, 4.1 with XFOT D'Lo and Vince, uh, 4.8 for Bangers ICP and Vince and Mankind to a 4.0 of Sakosa and Kidman, 5.0 for Vader Mero against 4.0 of Sakosa and Kidman, the Warrior, 4.8 for Nitro with Steiners and Judy Bagwell, and Rick Steiner and Brian Adams gets 4.4 for Owen, Shamrock, and Kane start. Judy Bagwell draws ratings, folks. Raw did a mm-hmm. 5.3. Shamrock came. Venus and Gangrel to 3.9 for Hogan. So Judy Bagwell drew, drew more than Hogan did. Raw did a 4.58. Jarrett and Snow versus 4.55 for Paige Canyon. Nitro did a 4.7 for the Disciple, Lenny Lane, and Hogan and Bischoff. Nash, Tech, and Hall, and Bischoff and Arn to 4.2 for the Road Dog and Mark Henry. And Nitro did a 4.7 with the Horsemen, beginning at Sting and Brad, to 4.4 of Austin, Attack and Vince, and Undertaker and Rock. Before the overrun, which features conclusion above the headline matches. So, how about Nitro outdrew basically every single Vince hospital segment, including the big one? Hmm. Hey, that's something. So, interesting number pattern there. Ni- I mean, everybody wants to say that Nitro was dead and buried in a way after Xbox showed up. No, there were times where they were competitive and were beating Raw in 98. It doesn't really start till 99 is when everything starts going down. Yeah. It, it's like it, 99 was – yeah, go ahead, Bex. I was going to say, it's the January 4th head-to-head with the finger poke and Mankind winning the title is really where it turns. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the real catalyst right there. I mean, there. isn't More the than segment, weeks. Isn't the segment with the, the Goldberg DDP replay the night after Havoc like the new record or something? Yes. Yeah, it was. So And that's it, coming up. Yeah. So people forget, like, you know, as much as WCW is turning into a mess, like, how show business is still great. Ratings are still great, even if it's pretty much a dead heat. They have the creative is still great. <laughs> like 
did talk about this show and all the memorable stuff that was on the WCW show. Yeah, it's something we're 99 with the finger pointing of doom, but I also attributed a lot to the presidential run of uh, Ric Flair as well as WCW president. I think both those things sort of, you know, like 99 was 98 was sort of, okay. you could see you were going into the skid 99. You're in the full skid 2000. The Rolls Royce ends up in the pool and you end up like the cover of the Oasis's Be Here Now record. <laughs> also, it's like they great album. You look at like how businesses, and then you also look at like where like the business deals are. Yeah, WWE is the one that has a toy deal with Jack Pacific, and a little bit with Playmates too, and video game deal with a claim that's moving to THQ. WCW has a toy deal with Toy Biz. And a video game deal that's moving from THQ to Electronic Arts. The company, in theory, like, corporately, you can make the argument that WCW is, in some ways, positioned as a stronger company still. Still, yes. But that changes. Yes. But it's everyone forgets, though. 1998. Yeah. It's a wrestling boom. It's not a WWE boom. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. All right, let's go to the torch with some news. As of two weeks ago, the plan was to split Billy Gunn from DX and make him a singles heel. Vince McMahon, Vince Russo, and Billy Gunn were in favor of the move, but were convinced by Monday that it was a mistake to break up the outlaws. Gunn wasn't pleased with a reversal of the decision, not because he doesn't enjoy Team Road Dog, because he sees more potential as a singles heel. Thus, his uninspired statement on Raw the, on Monday, that was the previous Monday before a week, there were last second thoughts of our boarding the angle since WF already falsely teased a Hunter X-Pot breakup several weeks earlier. Well, we get the Billy Gunn breakup the next a year later, and boy, that worked wonders. For it him. really, really set the wrestling world <laughs> on fire. Like it definitely was the final straw in the WCW balloon. I mean, it, 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 him and Dahl got over so much that fans didn't want to see them without each other again. I mean, that just wasn't gonna happen. You just couldn't do it. Yeah. You couldn't do it. It, it wasn't gonna work. So. Originally in Breakdown, Mankind was going to win and take another extreme bump in the process, set up house show tag matches with Mankind and Austin against Kane Undertaker. They scrapped that in order to give a mega push to Rocky. Well, I'd say that worked. So, there. WF right now is attempting to build a number of wrestlers to top tier players, in part to take leverage away from Shawn Michaels, who sees himself as a potential savior for WF when they run out of opponents for Austin. Michaels is bugging managers so much with his attitude that they are paying him to sit at home rather than make TV appearances and are determined to prove they don't need him. They value Michaels. They just don't want him acting like he owns the joint. And then when he comes back, he's in a non-wrestling role. New new sheriff in town. That's right. Short shorts. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's only his referee. And that's that's another thing, too, though. Everybody thinks about Sean, you know, at WrestleMania, having to walk away because his back. He was able to come back in '98, but they wouldn't let they wouldn't do it. Has he had the surgery by this point? Um, I don't think he has. Yeah, I don't think he has the surgery in '99, right? Yeah, so he's not had surgery, but he's able to come back and work. But they're not going to do it. Yeah. So, and Devin and Michaels negotiate with WF a reunion, a reunion with Jeff Jarrett's a possibility. I mean, it says we're reuniting, yes, but... Yeah, it's all the way it's in. And, of course, we have the blue squiggly in the uh, Google Doc. Yeah, and um, I say that worked out for everyone <laughs> on that, in that rider, so... Well... Yeah. Initially. 
Debra definitely looked like a different person. That's for sure when she came into it from WCW. <laughs> well, because they shot her differently. It was different lighting and everything else. The <laughs> her equipment hair, was much, her hair was much different. different. Yeah, her hair yeah. was different, which it was, but yeah. All right, Jim Cornette's done the regular co-host on Heat with Shane McMahon. Hasn't he been the co-host on Heat the whole time, or is Dave just saying this because of the next item? USA has renewed Heat for two more seasons. Don't believe there are any plans to increase the show to two hours, as has been rumored. I'm guessing he just put that there because of that, that now that it's no longer a limited series, okay, that means he's the regular co-host. Yeah. How shows this week? Uh, August 8th, State College, Pennsylvania. Drew 6925, 127,906 on the show without Undertaker or Austin. Pittsburgh on the ninth, Drew a 15,784, paying 285,182. The only new angle was Shamrock Steve Blackman against Godfather Mark Henry in a new tag matches was that Shamrock walking out and his partner ends up getting pinned. Now, 22 members of the Pittsburgh Steelers attended the show on the ninth. Rock and, Kevin Hen- Rock and uh, Mark Henry excuse me, went to Steelers practice earlier that day. Mark's cousin, Kevin Henry, plays for the Steelers. They wound up losing two days later to the Cincinnati Bengals. That, and that was the year the Bengals was the worst team in the NFL. So there's that. It's all Rock and Mark Henry's fault. Injury update. Hunter Hemsley is staying six days a week in Birmingham after his arthroscopic knee surgery working on rehabilitation. The surgery procedure he went was somewhat experimental, and there's a decent chance he may need full-blown reconstructive surgery. If this doesn't rehab well, in which case he'll be put out of action probably until next spring. They're hopeful this rehab goes well, and he'll be back for Survivor Series. But that's just fingers crossed target date. He comes back, and he's more jacked than he was when he left. Which well, he had time to time work he... out. He always had a lot of time to work out. So <laughs> Yeah, it happened every time he was injured. Every, every comeback he had, you know. He, he really knew what muscles to focus on. That's why he made that bodybuilding book. Yeah. Well, he's not Mark... that much bigger yet at this point. He's bigger, well, but he's not getting... huge. Yeah. Well, he couldn't afford – he wasn't in the main event scene yet, and he couldn't afford those big, juicy steaks. No. Mark Canterbury injured his neck. He broke last year against the real world, suffering numbness and stingers. He's undergoing two weeks of traction for anything further will be determined. Savio Vega will be out at least another three months due to neck and spine problems. Goldberg's fed, Goldberg, Godfather's fed to be back at the next TV. Steve Blavin returned at the house shows and is in more than 60%. Back to Michaels. Those are from Michaels to be able to work the Royal Rumble, if not December, to be able to have time to shoot and put together a major angle involving him for Mania. Doesn't happen. Ron was signed to a long-term contract extension. That's good for them. Uh, back to the torch. Rumors Marilyn Manson will be involved with Survivor Series, perhaps with the headbangers against the oddities with Insane Clown Posse. Would Manson be willing to give ICP such a rub, way to ask? <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would love to be in that alternative universe where the six-man does happen. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I, th- I think this would be something where basically this would be the fourth new triple threat. <laughs> and uh, I just checked. Sean does not get back surgery until January. There you go. Christopher Daniels will be invited to the next WF training camp, which means he'll probably be at the NWF 50th anniversary show in the Battle Royal. I believe he was. Expect, yeah, expect Kurt Angle to debut in a major push early in 1999. Not exactly. Mm-hmm. Aaron O'Grady, Mick Tierney, Vic Grimes, Matt Bloom, and Sean Stasiak will all be sent to Memphis to work as regulars there as part of the development of contracts probably before the end of the month. And that's what happens. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
What's scary back to Michaels? What's scary is that the bone crunching buddy of Michaels looks like more like Vic Grimes than it does Michaels. And they just think there's any two people in the world who look any more different than Vic Grimes or Shawn Michaels. Okay. Well, it's, it's like looking in the mirror, really, when you think about it. <laughs> like, like, well, like Hogan and the Warrior. I'm pulling oh, God, this up once because again. I don't remember it looking <laughs> quite like that. Okay, let's see. The episode okay. Pacific Blue that Sable will appear on on October 11th will happen on October 11th. Probably do a strong rating, which will credit to Mario Lopez. <laughs> In the ad, Sable only has one line, which is, I'm so hot, I want to take my clothes off. Which, what's, which what's is, happening? which, which is ironic because that's a, use, a word I use many, the sentence I use many times at work. So, <laughs> uh, that Sean uh, figure there. Good Lord. Boy, it doesn't nightmare. look like Vic Grimes. Where is he getting this? I think the lower body, the lower body sort of has a Vic Grimes element to it. Well, the so. arms. <laughs> look at how big those arms are like that that's basically because i've been working out that's basically how my arms look right now. <laughs> it looks like matt riddle uh, with the hair <laughs> no comment and uh speaking of sable playboy is preparing a wrestling article combined with a photo spread of sable oh man can't wait to see that <laughs> well you that, look that, at you that look was at me Sable. 25 years ago <laughs> saying that out loud. I know, but you ain't looking at Sable in those pictures. I tell you that. You're looking at Sable, part of Sable. <laughs> a visual representation of Sable. Yeah. Well, I, would have, I, I would have rather have her hair that Jacqueline cut on the side, I think. Uh, that's more, <laughs> more luxurious. And that's not where they airbrushed it. Okay. Oh. oh, man. All right. Well, that is it for us this week. Dr. Keith, it's always a pleasure to have you on. So go ahead and get your plugs in real quick before we go. Sure thing. Definitely check out AW Pro uh, for all the latest on all the social medias. Check out the High Spots uh, TV network because that's where you can see our shows. Uh, we're coming back, I believe, at the end of the month for the Chicago Rumble, and it should be good at Unstoppable. And uh, guys, thank you so much for having me on your show. As I, I've told you guys many times before, there's times where I really miss podcasting and talking to people and talking about pro wrestling. And then I get through half of one of your shows and half the is gone i'm sort of like well you know what i'm glad i have no part of that stuff anymore well, but seriously you guys doing the lord's work right here so i, I well, thank really you. Thank, you. thank you and obviously this was the i really feel that tony shivani said it best but this was the greatest monday nitro episode ever so i feel <laughs> thrilled that i was part of this you know even though like because i mean you know we talk about the worry in the mirror but the scott steiner stuff the buff uh, judy bagwell stuff the scott hall checking out in bars and everything else lex luger adjusting his shirt because he's not wearing a belt and he's tucking in and he might be doing a double tuck into his underpants like i mean really this was a great week for professional wrestling when professional wrestling was on fire so i'm really always it's always an honor to be asked to do the show and it's an even better honor when my wife is out of town and i'm allowed to so guys <laughs> thank you so much for having me on the show this week all right awesome awesome next week on between the sheets we go back to 1996 and uh, no guests, but we have a fun show. As in WCW, we have news on Randy Savage's contract. Is he leaving? Steen's contract. Is he renewing? Nitro in Memphis, and boy, Jerry Lawler's pissed off about that. And Eric Bischoff has a, a meeting in Memphis with the talent, so we'll talk about that. Uh, indie scene, we have AWF Paul Alperstein. Uh, we got a lot there. Clips, Ooh. quite a few clips to play on that one. Uh, Jerry Lawler. 
goes nuts on Memphis television about Nitro Memphis. So we'll talk about that. Um, as well as all kind of other indie results. ECW, we have uh, news on who's coming and going there. And we got an interesting show in Burlington, Massachusetts, where Perry Saturn, uh, he has quite the experience in, in his match there. So we'll talk about that. Dennis Coraluzzo is not as barred from doing fundraisers. We'll talk about that. Conan and Antonio Pena finally had their split in Mexico. We'll talk about that. We got uh, uh, Super Great Tag League starting for New Japan. We'll talk about that. We got uh, All Japan's got a couple of interesting shows during our week. We'll talk about that. And in the World Wrestling Federation, we got um, wow. What, what we got the uh, the Stalker. We got uh, Crush beating up a fan on television. We got Mister Perfect and Stone Cold uh, having a confrontation on Superstars. And Bret Hart, what is he going to do? Is he coming back to WF or is he leaving WCW? He talks about in the Calgary Sun. What's going to happen there? (laughs) All that more next week on Between the Sheets. Again, Dr. Keith, always a pleasure to have you on. We're definitely going to get you back on sooner than later. So thank you. Hopefully by by the time the next pandemic comes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk that that up. Uh, Bix, thank you as always. You're the rock of the show. And this is Chris saying so long from the Peach State. Georgia.
everyone, and welcome to Between the Seats Patreon Special Edition number 84. I'm your host, Chris Zellner, joined as always by my co-host, David Bixenspan. And Bix, this show will close out seven full years of the Patreon. Hard to believe we've come this far. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, like we've talked about before, I don't know why it doesn't feel that way, but it's like, it's it's always weird to me when we think about how we started the Patreon just a little bit after the first anniversary of the show. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like we've been doing the main show much longer. Yeah, it does. But we are here. Yes. And on that note, we're starting a new little sub-series here. As we're doing a two-part series on Todd is God. Todd Gordon's autobiography. He wrote with Sean Oliver. And uh, we have... uh, a bunch of ECW shows already up in the Patreon, and this is going to be a, uh, you know, a nice little companion to that because we're going to have a different point of view, as we'll have Todd Gordon's point of view instead of the Paul Heyman universe point of view yes. here. So, so it'd be quite the little uh, contrast at times, I'm sure, as we do this. All right, well, let's jump to this. Todd Gordon carrying Ric Flair's bags during Slambury Night for Weekend, Philadelphia. Let's go to the Torch Yearbook. Excerpt from Bruce Mitchell's largest ever fourth annual year-end quiz. Question number 10. Yeah, it's true, department. What renowned professional wrestling promoter was seen beaming like a schoolgirl as he carried the bags of Dick Flair into the hotel the night before Slambury in Philadelphia? A, Tootsmont. B, Jack Pfeffer. C, Phil Zacco. D, Todd Gordon. I should note, Bruce put Jack Pfeiffer. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go to Todd's book. Wayne Keller was a writer responsible for Russell Torch and brightening the senior Heyman's day by printing my glowing report about their son. Report car about their son. When I first asked Eddie to get us into the sheets, Wade is the guy he contacted. Shortly thereafter, Wade and I started talking. He seemed trustworthy and I respected him based on what I'd seen and heard. Then he did something stupid. Open edition of the torch and was shocked to learn I was carrying Ric Flair's bags at WCW show at Philadelphia Civic Center. I called Wade as soon as I read it. Not only did I not carry anyone's bags, I began, but I wasn't even there. Someone I trust saw you. Wade, I'm not lying to you. Bruce Pritchard saw you himself. Bruce Mitchell. You said Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Mitchell saw you himself. Bruce is another wrestling writer who apparently needed an eye exam. He never met me, so I don't know how he could be so certain he'd seen me. Maybe it was another short, bald Jewish guy. There's more than one in this city, or so I'm told. Yes, there is. I was, <laughs> I was so angry, I never lied the way. I always shot straight. For him to say I was lying was a big insult. I might not have answered all his questions in the past, but I never lied to him. That was all I needed to ever speak to that motherfucker again. It bothers me to this day. I would not have gone to the civic center whether or not I was asked to carry a bag for someone. Paul always said not to go to other people's shows. He'll sink your credibility as a promoter. I understood that when he said it, and to this day, I've never been to a show I wasn't promoting or working on. A month after this debacle, we were doing a show in Philly and got word that Bruce Mitchell was coming. He must have gotten new glasses and ready to watch him wrestling. I was coming to the building with Sandman when we spotted Mitchell. Hack started yelling, Gordon, carry my bags, Gordon. Can't tell that guy anything. Okay, before we get to the meat of this, oh, Paul, Paul doesn't want him talking to any other promoters, huh? Interesting. He doesn't want him going to anyone else's shows, huh? <laughs> huh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, that said, what do you make of this? I believe Todd. 
Yeah, I do too. Uh, so what the fuck is Bruce Mitchell talking about? I mean, who do you see? I mean, was Bruce was at Slamboree '94? I guess. Did he write about that? I don't know. But do you think he saw someone he thought was Todd Gordon, or do you think he made it up? I don't think he would make that up for nothing. So I don't I'm, I'm getting... either, especially 1994, Bruce. I guess maybe he saw somebody, and maybe somebody told him that's who that was. Oh, you think maybe he was like, oh, who's Karen Flair's bags? And someone jokingly said to him, Todd Gordon, and he took it seriously, maybe? It's possible. It doesn't make no sense. That's, that's the weird thing about it. Because, I mean, why lie about something like that, you know? And the thing with Wade is, <laughs> Wade is being so convinced that that was true. Without, you know, listening to Todd, you know, that tells you about how Wade felt about Bruce. Yeah, and I just pulled up the Slamboree issue. You know how they have the pay-per-view roundtable? Yeah. Oh, no, wait, I'm... <laughs> wait a second. This says 1999. Oh, no, it is the right one. There's just a typo or an OCR issue or something that turned into 1999. So here's Bruce's pay-per-view review which by the way he gave this show of all shows a three out of ten this show had too many holes in it and a lot of shoddy decision making on many levels i don't know why i didn't think to put this in the notes but whatever the job of management despite turmoil backstage is to make things look smooth make sure things make sense that wasn't accomplished the following is my laundry list of complaints barry Wyndham's return was not well thought out and he looked horrible flavors Wyndham was better than i expected but it didn't look like barry cared tully blanchard was not used well for instance why didn't Aaron anderson accompany him Terry Funk's patronizing of quote-unquote hardcore fans is getting nauseating. Is he running for office or trying to wrestle? The award ceremony was too long. Since when is the assassin one of the all-time greats? And why is your number one heel being honored? Who's the number one heel at the time? Who was he calling the number one heel that was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 94? Was it Harley? I guess so, yeah. As the as the top heels manager, I guess, is the or one of the top heels manager, I guess. Yeah. Um... Zabisco's going to get a push. Why didn't they play to his strength and give him an interview? Hurts Vader to have him do so many jobs. By their logic, Stinks would have wrestled rude. It was good to see Cactus not actually risk his life. Okay, so that does not sound like someone who's at the show. No. Not in no, the slightest. No. So what's the story? <sighs> Is it possible it's someone other than Bruce... And it, maybe someone else told Bruce and then told Wade, and it's just lost in his memory a little, maybe? It pissed Todd Gordon off, obviously. Yeah, it's stuck in his head, so I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem like it's that kind of thing. I'm curious, like, I'm curious what the next Bruce column is after this, too. Because, like, what... <sighs> That that's really weird. Well, also we need to keep in mind then this is this first ran in the quiz. This is seven eight months later, in the first place that this is even becoming a thing. You know? Yeah. Do we? Or I mean, it's possible that Bruce told Wade at the time too, but it's very strange. Like I. I'm like, I'm sorry, but, like, 
any time. I mean, if we're going by it, uh, Todd remembering this right, because it seems like he's being fairly honest. Every newsletter writer in that era, if they were at the show, they made it clear. Right? Can you think of any time there is a newsletter writer attending a show and reviewing it where it is not made clear in their review that they're at the show? Well, Dave had some of those. That's Dave. <laughs> well, you say any newsletter writer, so no, but he's I, but the still, number one newsletter writer. But still, he says it somewhere, though. How many pay-per-views or anything are there that he went to where it's not somewhere in there that he's at the show? The thing is, is, I mean... It obviously happened, though. It, I mean, it obviously happened where Todd is told that. Yeah. I mean, where he calls Wade up and pissed off about it. I'd, I'd be curious but what Wade would say now, but I don't know if Wade would want to say anything about anything involving Bruce these days. Yeah, Wade probably don't remember. He might. I don't know. But, but I mean, obviously Todd did. Well, yeah. Wouldn't you? But... Maybe it's a story that got out there and it, it got attributed that Bruce was the one that saw it, but it, Bruce was told about it. I don't know. That's the only other thing I can think of. Well, I don't know. But interesting little uh, aside there, regardless. To hear this entire show, support Between the Sheets on Patreon for just $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash Between the Sheets.